Thursday, January the 26th. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. We have a fun one coming up. It's the Royal Rumble Roundtable with Andrew Champagne, Darren Zocali, and Chad Cooper. We spend a ton of time going through every possible entrant in both of the men's and the women's rumbles for this year. We throw out like all sorts of crazy surprises, people who may be in it, people who should be in it, who should win. We discuss everything Royal Rumble related for this year, all the matches on the undercard, and then the two big rumbles. We're also going to get into NFL Conference Championship games with Eric. We've previewed every game throughout the year, and now we're here for the AFC and the NFC Championships. And then we get into the late pick four for the Pegasus card on Saturday at Gulfstream Park. Now, on this episode, there will only be Saturday Gulfstream along with Barry Spears, but if you follow me on social media all throughout the weekend, there will be a lot more racing coverage. So just make sure you head on over to It's Me, Gino B. Give me a follow there. We'll give you stuff for Santa Anita Friday and Saturday. We'll give you more stuff for Gulfstream Saturday. We'll talk about some Oaklawn stuff, but this episode, we were only able to fit in these three recordings because it was such a packed edition so just follow me on social media later in the week there will be all sorts of different live streams friday morning friday afternoon talking about santa anita stuff stay tuned it's me gino b this episode of that's what g said is presented by better than dot vegas at btv bets go give them a follow and subscribe to the youtube channel at better than vegas cindy carava full service realtor cindy carava give her a follow um Cindy Carava on Instagram. Check out her website, cindycarava.com, C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com. As a full-service realtor, she can help you out with buying, with selling, with leasing, anything you need in the world of real estate, home improvement, if you need help with the loan process, if you just want to find out how much your home is worth, she'll do a free market analysis of your home's value, C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com. And then sarahcandles.com, those all-natural soy wax candles, no toxins, no carcinogens, no pollutants, a great gift for someone. If you're a person who loves to burn candles around the home, check out these candles. They are unique, they're different, they're healthier and better for you, and you could save with the promo code G-I-N-O, gets you 10% off your purchase. Let's dive right into the NFL Conference Championship Weekend coming up with Eric, two games on Sunday, four of the best teams in the NFL that remain. I mean, these four teams were four of the top five or six teams all year long, and now they're here. We break the games down with Eric. And then there were four down to the final four in the NFL. It is conference championship weekend. We have been here with you every single week from the NFL season. We were here with you probably about a month before as we did individual conference previews, uh, individual division previews. We did a full fantasy football preview over the last three years. Eric has talked about every single football game throughout the regular season and the playoffs with us right here on that's what G said podcast. And as we get into the final four, we could have had the Jags or the giants get into this mix and they would have been a little bit of an outlier if the Cowboys or the Bills would have made it, or both of them, those probably would have been the, you know, considered in this group of the upper tier. Most of the year, there was kind of like a, a tier of six teams, Eric. Uh, the two that lost last week, the Cowboys and the Bills, and then the four we have. I mean, the four teams that we have, these are four of the top six teams in regular season point differential, four of the, the top six in offensive EPA, 
four of the top six in DVOA. These are four legitimate football teams that are here. And whoever you like or don't like a little bit more than the other, these all had pretty good years and are deserving to be here based on like how they've earned their way. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, you know, with everything, each team has had a little bit of a hiccup, a little bit of adversity. They've had to overcome, have it be at the beginning, middle or end of the season. Yeah. It wasn't um, perfect but, for any of these teams. No. Yeah. You know, they got some stuff going on. Um, you know, couple, couple quick thoughts about, um, you know, last week, a, I don't understand where Travis Etienne was in the fourth quarter. Um, it was kind of weird to me where um, he wasn't involved in the game at all. Um, he wasn't even on the field. And if you spend a first round draft pick on him, he needs to be on the field. You and I have talked about it a lot that we don't think he's an every down back. And the fact he wasn't there kind of proves that he wasn't an every down back when they needed him out there. I don't know if he was tired. I don't know if he was hurt. I've searched on Twitter. I've I've got two Jags beat reporters I beat reporters I look at. I couldn't find anything. Um, and with how the NFL is and how your window is, you never know if it's going to close. I mean, you have Chad Henney come in there and you allow a 98-yard drive. It's like the Jaguars defense never practiced defending against Travis Kelsey. Well, and, it was really weird to me. Like we you gotta remember too, because it's not always as easy as, oh, you make it there, and then the next year you're just going to make it farther. Yeah. Think about the Browns a few years ago, right, when the Browns were there against the Chiefs, and it felt like the Browns had that opportunity when Patrick Mahomes got hurt, and yeah. they and Chad Henney came in at the end of the game, and he had to make that one play because otherwise it felt like the Browns were going to win that game. They had a lot of momentum, and we all thought they were going to continue to improve. And I'm not saying that the, the Browns and the Jags are comparable, but – that Browns team had a really good roster too, right? They like they had a lot of positives moving forward. So it doesn't automatically mean you're just going to be right back there because again, this is a tough AFC, but look at this year in particular for Jacksonville. They may have caught a Chargers team that spit out a huge lead. Then they catch a Kansas City team where your starting quarterback, Mahomes, probably the best football player on the planet, gets hurt before the half and he's hobbling around in the second half and you're not even really able to pressure him all that much or sack him or hit him when he's barely able to move out there. And then the other team that you would have played is a Cincinnati team that yes, they did look extremely impressive, but is it going to surprise you if either this week or if they win and get to the Super Bowl, Cincinnati's offensive line just has one of those games where they're just miserable because we know what they're dealing with. Yeah. I mean, and That, that could be there. That could be there. Um, and it was kind so it, of like. Might have been a nice season for. Win, your window can close, you know. Quit. And I'm going to say this. Everyone wants to anoint Trevor Lawrence. He had one bad season, one good season. That first round of that playoff game, he had one bad half, one good half. And he was average at best against Kansas City. So, I, you know what I mean? Like, we really don't know what we got in him yet. You know what I'm no. saying? Like, we're, we're there in a in a good spot is that as of right now, that division looks like it's going to be a really weak division for the next few years. So that they may be in a good spot where they just don't have to be incredible, but they sort of by process of elimination could be just a nine or 10 win ish team because the rest of that division isn't great, but you're right. We're not sure if they're really an AFC powerhouse quite yet. We do know that we have two of the AFC powerhouses on Sunday night. So both games this week Can are I go on off Sunday. The bills real quick. I'm sorry. I need no, to no. Off. We got to go off on the, the coaching. The, the, that so, was, they were so unprepared 
for that game. No adjustments. Didn't try to change anything whatsoever. It was like you got punched in the mouth and they just like they they got thrown into a boxing match, got punched, and like they weren't expecting to get punched. It was yeah. hilarious. This is the thing that upsets me. I have a couple things that upset me. Number one, the only thing the media is talking about is Stefan Diggs being upset on the sidelines. To me, it looked like Stefan Diggs was the only person that cared. That's how it came off to me. Like he was I, the I liked only it. person that was showing some emotion and he's getting blasted for what? Caring that you want to win and no one else really does. Did you see what he posted on social media after? No. Right? Like recently, because, you know, people were, somebody was, like you said, they were like making fun of him or saying, oh, Diggs getting out of control. He said, exactly what you said. I'm sorry that I care so much. I'm not going to tolerate what we were doing out there. We can be better. I know we can. I just want more. It wasn't even like a give me the ball thing. No, he was just just frustrated overall. And then my, my two talking points last week when I came in and I gave out the bagels were how the Bengals have given up the, in 10 weeks, huge sample size, the fourth most passing yards and the fourth rate of explosive plays. The second play of the game, or it was either the second or third play, Diggs went deep and on a, on a stop and go. Allen barely overthrew him. And if he if he hits that, he's gone. They did not take another shot downfield until that third and short in the fourth quarter, which absolutely blew my mind. I don't understand why you're not going deep, extending it, because all they were doing, everything was underneath, and they're just forcing them to go in that zone. Made zero sense to me. I know Ken Dorsey is getting a lot of, attention about being a coach possibly going to Carolina or wherever but I'm saying it right now all Ken Dorsey has shown us in his one year of calling plays is he took Josh Allen and that Bill's offense and it took a step backwards the end of last season they started running the ball 20 times a game with Singletary Zach Moss Duke Johnson those three were getting 20 rushes a game and that's after that loss against the my um it was that cold game where all yeah, yeah, the Patriots, where they, they couldn't run the, the ball, ball at all. Yeah, more. where was that? Um, well, and, and then even even the beginning of the year, think about the first game of the year, how crisp and smooth they looked against the Rams. Like they looked like they were already in midseason form, just flying on all cylinders. Combination of just when other people adjust to you, not adjusting back. Like you were saying here, like knowing what you needed to do, you had a sample size there and you just didn't, you didn't go to it. It was, you and I were texting about it. It was so frustrating. It was funny because like I had, I was texting you. I have two scouts who I texted five scouts, two replied. And I know a couple coaches in the league and I was texting them and it just, Everyone was on the same page with how poor of a coaching job it was. They didn't understand what they were doing. And then um, um, Leslie Frazier, how in the world do you not try to create pressure more often when there's three out of five starting offensive linemen going on? And And the guys that were in were awful. Like their their careers leading into this – were not good players. They were not graded well. And honestly, they well, they even when you dive into it, they still weren't it fantastic last week. They just sort of let them get away with it. Well, I think the thing is this is like on a field that has no snow, no ice, 
it it levels out. But when there's snow and ice and the offense knows where you're going and the defense doesn't, offensive line has a huge advantage just like the skill players because they know where everything is going to break. They're going to – you know what I you mean? Can, you cut, yeah. and when it's yeah. harder to, to, to defend someone when yeah. they – and when you're pass rushing with only four on five and you expect to generate that pressure, that doesn't make any sense. Cincinnati brought more pressure than the Buffalo Bills did. Everyone wants to know. One of the direct quotes I got from the scouts was this. People want to know why Leslie Frazier doesn't have a job. It's this game. Because he yeah. made zero adjustments. He stayed in what he was comfortable in. He took zero risk. He was playing cover two with two high safeties or nickel defense the whole game. He was sitting back. And Burrow just picked him apart. He just picked him apart. Yeah, like a, good, a good quarterback will do that to you, and they'll just yeah. pick you apart. They'll take exactly what they're what you're going to give them, and all of the little short stuff became long stuff because of the tackling issues in the snow. Like, and like it's third and short, okay? And they finally brought pressure, and your DB is playing eight yards off Jamal Chase. What world are we living in? You know what I mean? Like. I just, I don't know. It was just one of a weird game plan. And I'll be honest, like if I'm Buffalo right now, and I said this on my show, I'm basically keeping the same rosters. Yeah, well, do I want to add a couple people on the defensive line, maybe get a better guard? Yeah, of course. But the two people I'm calling is I'm calling Vic Vangio, and I'm saying, hey, you have the keys to the defense. You yeah, do I agree. Do. And then on offense, few people realize this. My boy, the winningest Lions coach in the history of Detroit Lions football, Jim Caldwell bought a playbook to the Chicago Bears. He was like, here, this is what I'm going to do with Justin Fields. You're telling me he wouldn't be able to design something new to go with Josh Allen's strengths? And he's already proven he can win with Stafford, proven he can win with um, Peyton. I would give him the offense. I mean, that guy is a huge offensive genius. I mean, that like if I'm Buffalo, those are my two hires. But if they, if they come back and they're rolling out Dorsey – and they're rolling out. Um, oh you my God, Frazier. Frazier. It's you the can't. Same and I heard the best analogy ever to it. And you know what? This is going to be a shot on your boys. And I'm sorry. Someone I heard compared the Buffalo Bills to Allen Robinson. All the hype in the world preseason, but when the lights came on, they disappeared. Yeah, no, Allen Robinson had a really poor year this year. And yeah. the thing about the Bills is you cannot just run it back exactly because. You you weren't close enough this year. Like coming off of last year, that heartbreaking loss against Kansas City, like it's a little bit different. You cannot come on, you cannot come right back after you got your asses kicked like that. That wasn't a game that you just barely got beat. And like you said, it th- these these are this wasn't one player or two. These are some just overall scheme way of thinking. Um, changes that need to be made in their room. And we'll see if the bills can do that. Eric and I will try to keep you updated throughout the off season too. We'll do an NFL draft um, pod. And then if there are any like really big news or uh, maybe every now and then once some of the coaching changes or uh, player movement, free agency stuff, we'll keep you updated on all of that. I know Eric does a really good job on his shows, always keeping you updated on everything going on in the world of football. Also, Speaking of the world of football, two games for us to dive into. Let's talk 49ers, Eagles, Eric. We're looking at the lines over at Betfred Sportsbook. I uh, Both of these lines moved a little bit right from opening. Uh, Philly opened at minus one and a half and has jumped to about two and a half here. On the other side, 
This number has danced back and forth. We're looking at Betfred. Uh, other places, though, uh, actually have the Bengals favored now. Yeah. Um, it's moved from Kansas City, about a one, one and a half favorite, to about Cincinnati, this one, actually, one and a half. That went up actually over to Bengals getting three. And and it's and gone up. And then with the Mahomes news, obviously. Yeah, people didn't know what to do. This It kind of settled around a pick because that's sort of the safest place to be until – for sure we knew what was going to happen with Mahomes because if Mahomes wasn't playing, this would be a, a higher Bengals number for sure. If Mahomes yeah. was playing and he was 100% healthy, it would probably be closer to Chiefs minus three. So it's kind of in that pick range right now because it's, it's sort of safe where, as we record a few days out on Wednesday night. And Mahomes talk, practiced. And, you he know, looked he- pretty good. When I saw him, he looked good in, the, in what I saw in practice. Yeah. Like, he looked healthy. I mean, obviously, he's not trying to go out there and limp around because he doesn't want them to everyone to see that. But, like, if he – the fact that he's walking around out there is a positive thing because I thought he might be in a situation where he's not even on his feet all week. I mean, it, if this was something serious – He wouldn't be walking right now at all out there. He would be standing next to what's-his-face on the sideline. Yes, absolutely. So, first up – 49ers and the Eagles. Eagles two and a half point favorite in this one. And we have the over under 46 and a half. San Francisco 15 and four straight up 13 and six against the spread. The Eagles 15 and three straight up nine and nine against the spread. So I did punch this one right off the bat on the opener at um, when I saw it was Eagles minus one and a half, just because I thought this number could probably tick up to the Eagles minus three or so. So I just wanted to get ahead of the number there. Um, 12 straight wins. For the 49ers, the longest win streak in franchise history. They're tied for their longest win streak. The only other time they won 12 in a row, uh, that 12th win was a Super Bowl win. So if they win their next two, it'll be a 14-game winning streak and a Super Bowl win, which would be the longest in uh, history. Just real quick, what the hell was Dallas doing on that final play of the game? I know we, well, we've spent 50 I, this, is, it's, this is my thought process, okay? Like, look, I understand you want to have, like, as many athletes – on the field. And that's why Zeke was there, you know, to get yeah. another like athlete and everything there. Um, but why not have th- that be Dalton Schultz? You know Somebody I mean? that's more of a blocker. Like you know, you're right. A tight end. Um, they just teed off on him. They sent out 10 skill position players, which is actually not a bad idea. If you know, you're just going to have laterals. Like you really don't need linemen because there's not really much blocking, but you need, a, you need to at least set a couple guys up so they could get in the way, you know what I mean? And not have just a clear run through on Zeke and at Dak because all they were able to do was complete like a seven, like a 10 yard pass and then no laterals. It was and also like another thing, like, and I'm not using this as an excuse. No, no. Cause like, let me say they, the odds of the odds of them getting that play was like a 1%, but the, the issue isn't with them getting it. It's just that like that play was sent out there by multiple coaches, like a, an offensive coordinator, a quarterback's coach, like a, a, a head coach all looked at that play and said, yes, with our season on the line, we have one more shot. This is what we want to do. Well, like, and here's the thing with the Cowboys, a like props to Kerbin. Like for those that don't know, Kerbin was in the USFL and he was the MVP of the USFL. Then he gets signed with the Cowboys and he was like their return guy. Like, yeah. That- the amount of football that kid has played this calendar year is an absurd, absurd he's got a, amount. He's got a lot of miles on him. Um, in terms of the Cowboys, look, 
you look at it like this. They missed an extra point with Meyer. Dak drove him down, bad pass, intercepted. That probably would have been three. 49ers drove down and scored. And, you know, that's that's seven points right there, and that's yep. basically the game. You've Both turnovers and the extra point are the seven right there. You've talked about live betting before. Um, but let's be honest. Like, with how big of a part Pollard plays in that offense and how he's kind of like, I don't like the short to medium, like playmaker, the guy that can get to the outside, the guy in the backfield that can catch a pass. We kind of knew it was going to be an uphill battle for the Cowboys to cover the number when he went out. It was those two, it was like back-to-back plays. He got hurt. And then the next play Dak threw that interception when they were driving. And it was like, oh my gosh, it really felt like it was going to be tough for, for Dallas after that. Windows closed fast. And like, if you look at the Cowboys roster, you know, you got this monster contract by Zeke. Do they do they get him to reschedule, like resign, like re, whatever restructure? Dak's cap is huge next year they too. Dak, um, offensive line. They have some free agents, defensive free agents, and Quinn. Quinn has kind of shown he deserves another shot being a head coach, and I'm sure he'll get he it. He had a great game. He had a great game. Um, but if and they he, and he's him, brought in as a head like, coach. He has How, done a good job getting offensive coordinators. Like yeah. he's he's had pretty good offensive coordinators um, through his years. Like he's found good offensive minds. I, and he could take more with him. He could take Kellen Moore with him. You know what I mean? Like who knows? So Cowboys, this could have been their shot because for what they had with that defense with Parson and Lawrence. They were it, playing a, a rookie third, yeah. like third they, string, seventh round quarterback. They dropped two or three interceptions in this you, game. Like – to be able to you know get it and that's i don't know like it's i mean it's san francisco scored 19 points on on like six gift gift points from you that they scored off of turnovers they your defense outplayed them and really shut them down all you needed was dak to not make bad mistakes and what was really frustrating was the san francisco defense is very good they put pressure on you and then it makes you uncomfortable. That's an absolute fact. But the specific plays that Dak made that were poor decisions were not even the result of pressure. They were just bad decisions. It was like, just don't make that throw. Just don't make that throw. He had like five of them in the game. Pro Football Focus said that he only had two. Honestly, they were kind to him. When I was watching that game back, there were five like turnover worthy plays that he had. There could have been a couple and more interceptions. Dig, you know, Diggs dropped an interception too. Um, Dig or Diggs dropped. Well, Purdy probably had three. Dak probably had five overall. And then you've got McCarthy's decisions. Fourth and five at the San Francisco 40 yard line. And they punt the ball. Why? They give the ball to San Francisco and the 49ers go drive the field and get the go ahead touchdown. And then again, trailing by seven with two minutes left to go, Dallas punts. They didn't even know if they were going to get the ball back. They got lucky to get the ball back. And we talked about the goofy play they had at the end. Um, even weird things like, so Robbie Gold on that kick return, he like the Dallas returner runs into him. Yeah. Like he runs right into the kicker. If he just cuts to the outside, he's gone. Yep. Gold was like the the only way he doesn't score a touchdown there is by running into the to the kicker. How about this stat? In the entire NFL regular season this year, 
there were only 23 solo tackles by kickers or punters on returns. That means one play like this every 12 games happened. I mean, or, or, or it could just be one of my good friends is Robbie Gold's personal trainer, and Gold is just being an athlete Gold, right there. Yeah, look at that. You know I mean? Gold, like, <laughs> look at Gold turning into it right there. Well done. So uh, good stuff there. And, you know, that defense was fantastic for Dallas. Both defenses were good. Um, you know, and even, like you said, even Dallas was having some success running the ball early, but then the injury to Pollard, they took the best playmaker from the game. Out of all nine quarterbacks that took snaps last week, Dak was graded dead last. He was miserable. Um, pro, yeah, we talked about the pro football focus rankings for both of them. How about for Brock, for Purdy, when they got close in the 40 and in, he was only four of 12 for 25 yards um, and a sack. And for the defense, they had, uh, the Dallas defense had 17 combined pressures on the quarterback. Lamb had 10 catches for 117 yards. It seemed like he was open all games. Like the things that you can beat San Francisco Dallas was doing, it just came down to those turnovers and poor execution. And honestly, it wasn't even like Shanahan was fantastic in this game. He made some bad decision-making down the stretch. He gets really tentative and really like, um, he's like McVay and, Fourth and short, they kick a lot. You think of these guys as these great offensive minds, great play callers and stuff, but when it comes down to fourth and short or the difference between going forward and kicking, it seems like they always get a little bit tentative and get a little bit nervous. Shanahan's done that the last couple of years. You, there's always one or two decisions where they could go for it and try to run out the clock or win the game, and they kick it. He trusts his defense, but if you play an offense – that is executing. Sometimes it's going to hurt you. It didn't with Dallas. Um, they kicked, uh, you know, for, uh, the 49ers kicked field goals on fourth and two and fourth and four. They also got a 53-yard return on a drive where they got the ball at the Dallas 47-yard line, and they only got one yard. Um, they had a fourth and nine at the da- Dallas 46. They punted. They were not very smooth offensively. They only scored 19 points in the game, six of them directly off Cowboys turnovers. They only had 312 total yards, five yards per play, 3.5 yards per rush overall in the game. This is the best defense they've played, and they're going to have to play a defense that's very good again. These are the best two defenses they will have played back-to-back. The difference between the Eagles and the Cowboys, Eric, is that not only can the Eagles – attack you with a really strong defensive front and put a lot of pressure on you. They have the best secondary in the league, the Eagles. They're excellent against the pass. So they're going to make things a little bit difficult, a little bit more difficult for the Debo Samuels of the world. Now I will give the 49ers a lot of credit because I've picked on them lately, but when they need to, it seems like they always make the right play. They get, they go on the drive at the right time. They go 10 plays, 91 yards and six minutes to break a tie. And following that, they went 13 plays, 64 yards in almost eight minutes to kick a field goal to go up by seven. But again, little things, right? Like Mitchell steps out of bounds late. That gave the Cowboys a chance to get the ball back. If You know, we saw it last week at the end of the half. They kind of had some weird execution. Purdy almost ran out of bounds. You know, and it could have cost them at the end of the half uh, a field goal. I think there was like one second left. Just like little small things right there. Um, They were in zone coverage quite a bit. It just shows you how bad Dallas was offensively. They were in zone coverage on 94 plus percent of the snaps. Like they didn't even change things up. They just, 
sit back in zone and Dak can't attack them. Um, He just, he couldn't process things. And that one drive that they had, uh, that one drive that they needed to score the touchdown, that big go-ahead touchdown, that was a drive that came directly after having Dallas punt. You needed two defensive penalties. Kittle made the incredible, like, three-tip bobble catch. Sometimes it's just your day, it's your game, it's your year. There's a lot of things that are starting to bounce the way of the 49ers right now, and that's tough not to to kind of feel. Kittle had all five of his targets for 95 yards, four first downs, that incredible one-handed catch. Four of his catches went for 15 yards or more. But this Cowboys offensive line, they actually held San Francisco in check. They only gave up five pressures. All of them were hurries on 40 pass-blocking snaps. And San Francisco gave up nine hurries on 33 pass-blocking snaps. And this Philly offensive line might be the best offensive line in the league. Um, so my thing is this, like, I, like, I am like in future heaven right here with everything I have going on. I have the Eagles like 35 to one, I believe to win it all 30, 35 to 30 to one. I'm looking at right now, excuse me, 30 to one to win it all. And I have San Francisco at 14 to one to win the AFC. I lock this in at one and a half and two and a half for the Eagles. Now, here's my thought process for this. Um, You mentioned the 12 game winning streak for the 49ers teams on a nine game winning streak or more in the championship rounds in the championship round, 20% ATS Um, one seeds in the, in the um, championship in this round, 56% ATS when they're the favorites, like the Eagles are that jumps up to 57% ATS. Let's look at the history of this. Rookie quarterbacks in the AFC slash NFC championship. Sean King in 1999 for the Buccaneers, they lost 11-6 to the Rams, lost the game, but covered the spread. 2004, Big Benning of the Steelers, lost 41-27 to the Patriots, didn't cover, lost the game. 2008, Joe Flacco of the Ravens, lost the Steelers 23-14, didn't cover the game. Mark Sanchez, of the Jets in 20 in 2009 lost the Colts 30-17 didn't win the game didn't cover didn't cover so one and three the only one was Sean King that Bucks team that was the team where they had like Warren Sapp and all those guys on defense and, they, that, and was that was an eleven six game yeah right like you're, he it wasn't it like yeah. we're not using his his yeah. skills to have covered that game scoring the six points right and, or um, like, you know I know like. Like, you kind of hit the nail on the head. This is the best offensive line that the 49ers have played, and the Eagles are going to be able to win to the point of attack. And because of that, they're going to be able to move the ball on the ground. When they're able to move the ball on the ground, this is going to be able to open up Hurts RPO. But more importantly, we've all talked about how this is going to be able to give Hurts time to a pick apart the defense, namely that secondary. So I really like the Eagles here. I just think this is a good matchup. This is going to be the most hostile matchup that Purdy has played in, in. Philly, right? In, in Philly, Philly so, in I mean, the AFC Championship. About like and everything then, about this Eagles team, Eric, and, and just kind of picking on your point a little bit, is that they feel like they're just a little bit better version of the Cowboys, right? They can do a lot of the same things that Dallas does, but they're they're more well-rounded even, both sides of the ball, offensively, defensively. Like where Dallas had like lamb. And in this game, they were sort of hurting for not having an Amari Cooper type in there. Right. 
You look at what Philly is going to throw out there with you, and they're going to throw out A.J. Brown. They're going to throw out Devontae Smith, and they're going to throw out Dallas Goddard, who I think is pretty underrated, and a lot of people kind of forget about how good he is. Like, if you want to shift your focus over to A.J. Brown and or Devontae Smith, well, Goddard will hit you. He had five catches on five targets last week for 58 yards and a really good pro football focus grade. They have a ton of weapons. If you want to try to take those receivers out, well, then Hertz will run a lot more than Dak will. He'll take off. This team is so well balanced that I just, they are very much built to beat the 49ers right now, unless we get like a very good Brock performance. And I just yeah, don't know need if a pretty good Brock performance. Um, you know, just looking at the 49ers schedule, when they've played a team, that was a top 10 DVOA. They've only, they're averaging 15 points per game on offense. You look at the game that where the defense kind of got moved on. It was a heavy West coast type offense with, with the rent, with the Raiders that game yep. in um, Las Vegas and with the chiefs earlier on. And we've seen like Sirianni's a nutty effing dude. And I like, look, like I'm, I'm called a nut too, but sometimes like the smartest people in the room are a little effing nutty. Yep. And he's done this before where he's gone a band, completely abandoned the RPO and go gone heavy West coast when he sees it. And I wouldn't surprise me if they were going to be able to do that. So I absolutely love the Eagles here. Anything over three, I'd bet. I also got two player props. I like the, uh, I bet the first player prop, um, I bet Devontae Smith over 65 and a half yards receiving the weakness of the 49ers slot quarter reward. We've talked about it before 81% catch rate to opposing ride receivers. 49ers are six in yards per target allowed to ride receivers. I expect the Eagles to use Smith and I expect them to use him heavily in this matchup. You mentioned Dallas um, get, Oh my God, what's his last name? I always freak. I always call him Rudy Gobert. Goddard. Goddard, you mentioned him. Wagner, the linebacker, is the best linebacker in coverage. And you know, like I was just kind of looking at tight ends against him. All of them generally go under his total. So I really think he's not going to have a big game. I think those targets from the underneath the middle of the field, they're going to be rolled to Devontae Smith. A.J. Brown is a little banged up. Smith has gone over this total in four of his last five games. In that time span, he's averaging 10.2 targets, seven receptions a game, and 96.2 yards. I absolutely love Smith here. And if it's a close game, the one thing that we've kind of learned the last two seasons when we see these guys that went to college together and they're now playing together in the NFL, when it's a close game, you're going to look to the guy you're They lean on each other. And, yeah. like, if this is a close game, I think Hurts is going to go to him. So I absolutely love Devontae Smith over 65 and a half yards um yards the other one this one's a little risky this this one's a little risky now we still don't know if Maddox is going to be playing for Philadelphia but even if he is playing I don't think he's going to be a hundred percent um in games without Maddox this year the Eagles are allowing 12.7 yards per catch to opposing slot ride receivers at a 72% catch rate. Um, with that being said, just looking at it, uh, Jawan Jennings, he leads the 49ers in percentages lined up in the slot. 
So you're looking at what the Giants did last week. Ricky James had 10 targets, 51 yards, seven receptions. I could see them using Jennings against Maddox or um, Gardner, Gardner Johnson. So I went with Jawan Jennings. His prop was pretty low. I think it was like 19 and a half. Yeah, I was going to say around 20 or so, yeah, right? I did, him, I did him over 19 and a half yards receiving just because, you know, it's that underneath stuff. Yeah, that could be one catch, honestly. Yeah, with That's... how with how good they are, and like we need to remember, like the one thing, like look, what is everyone talking about this week? Everyone is talking about Patrick Mahomes. Does anyone forget about what was going on with McCaffrey? How he had that thing on his calf. I know, and McCaffrey did not look fantastic last week. Yeah, he was and banged up. Mitchell closed the game. If he's out, hypothetically, let's say that. Let's say you can't rely on McCaffrey. Now they're going to start to use Debo in that. Now Jennings is even a bigger factor in the passing game. So, you know, that's that's a big thing. Like, you know, we're seeing, like, CMC's um, receiving rushing prop, 100 and a half, maybe throw a little bit under that because there's this kind of narrative that the Eagles are bad against the run. Well, when you kind of look at it when Davis, Sue, Quinn, all those guys have been playing. They've been actually good. really good against the run. So yeah. I think that number – you know, is a little bit more inflated than it should be. Um, but yeah, you know, this, I'm really looking forward to this game. Um, I think it's going to be a great game. I think the Eagles are going to get it done. I think they're going to be going to the, uh, going to the Super Bowl. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like when you put it, when like, when you see something, like I remember last year us talking and like, we're like, you and I were both hyping up the Eagles. You Man, and you I call, no, you called this in the middle of last year and you said they weren't ready. You didn't think they were going to be able to win this year, but this would be a team next year with a couple changes. And that's exactly what they did. Like they bring in AJ Brown and you know, you, you see what, you see what it's done to him. And I don't know. I'm, you know, I have positions on both teams, but I really hope the Eagles can get it there. Cause you know, I'm, I, I have always liked the city of Philly and, uh, props to her. And everything. I mean, the reason, and the reason why a lot of people played against Philly last week was, you know, the giants looked good the week before, but mainly, we didn't know how healthy Hertz was or how healthy overall this team was because we hadn't really seen them in the last month or so like a healthy team. And now we got the look that they were healthy. We we already know how good they are based on what they've done throughout a lot of the year. We just needed to get another look at them out on the field and, and to see that they were operating well. And they were. I mean, they ran for 268 yards, 6.1 yards per carry. That was actually the 16th most rushing yards of any team in a playoff game in history. It was the fifth time this year they've run for over 200 yards. The Giants had 206 punting yards and 109 passing yards in that game. Um, they had 100 more yards punting. The defense sacked Jones five times. They had 13 quarterback pressures. Three different defenders had three-plus pressures. On the first drive, Hurts throws a 40-yard pass. You... So that helped him, I think, get comfortable. You could tell he was a little bit tentative on taking contact, but like I heard, I heard a few people say, "Well, yeah, Hertz didn't look like he wanted to take contact." Who the hell does? Like, you know what I mean? Like, which quarterback is going in there, like leaning, like bring it on? I don't want my quarterback doing that. So I don't mind that he looked a little like he didn't want to get hit hard. That's fine. I think now after a week, he'll be even healthier. They scored touchdowns on four of their first five possessions, did the Eagles, and they rattled 
Daniel Jones. He was under pressure, no open receivers. He made poor decisions. They had zero explosive plays. They just could not move the ball at all. The Giants opened the game with a turnover on downs because of back-to-back sacks from Jones. Then on the next drive, he throws an interception. Then the next four possessions, the Giants go three and out, and they gained 21 total yards on four possessions. There was one play when it was 14-0 where the Giants actually picked up a first down, but they got a horrible spot, and I and you just knew that was it right there. It was like one of those live betting things where the Giants didn't get the ball or they didn't get the uh, the chance to get that first down. They punted, and the Eagles came right back and scored, and that was just over. It was like 21-0 and game, set, match. Even in the fourth quarter, they were down three touchdowns. It was fourth and six, and they punted. I was a little disappointed with Brian Dable in in some spots here. Like, they were never going to win this game. They were completely overmatched, but they just didn't seem all, all that well prepared. Like, they were just a, a bit shell-shocked. Barkley only had seven yards on four carries in the first half. The offensive line for Philly was awesome. They allowed zero quarterback pressures in the first half on 17 pass rush snaps. They only allowed one quarterback pressure throughout the game on 26 pass blocking uh, snaps, 3.9% pressure rate allowed. That is the second lowest given up by an offensive line in any playoff game in the pro football focus era. It's the only time a team had a lower pressure rate and and the only time in a game in the last, I think, seven years that a team has allowed less pressure was when the 49ers only had nine passes that they threw in a game. They only dropped back nine times, and I think they only allowed pressure on one of those nine. That was honestly it. The 31-point margin of victory over the Giants, that's the largest in a playoff game between division rivals since 1970. Let's go Eagles here. And and I've, you know, I've, I've talked with some 49ers fans where, like, I don't think the 49ers are a bad football team, but where I felt for a while was that they are a little overvalued because of the schedule they've played along the way. And as you were pointing out, the times that they've stepped up in class, they have not been nearly as dominant. And so now if the 49ers win these next two games, I will be absolutely wrong and they will have earned it. If you go through the Eagles and then either the Chiefs or the Bengals, you will have faced the best in the league. You will have gotten through the best in the league and you will definitely be a very deserving Super Bowl winner. But I'm on the Eagles. Let's go Eagles for uh, Eric and me. Anything else here, Eric? I think you're muted. Oh, go ahead. sorry, man. No worries. I don't know how I got muted, dude. Can you hear me now? No worries. We got you. That's no, like the dude, first time you've ever done one of these, right? Um, uh, <laughs> who do the 49ers roll out next year? That's right. You know, like, you're just kind of looking at it, and I was talking, like, on my show with uh, Scott Shapiro about it. Like, we both agree, like, you, we, like, and I'm sure you're going to be the same way. Jimmy G is probably going to get dealt, right? Yep. Yep. So now you got Purdy and you got Trey Lance. Who do you go with? Purdy. Yeah, I kind of feel that you have to just because. Yeah. He, he fits this, like, he fits this team well. We... Like for all the knocks that we have on him, I'm expecting him to not be able to necessarily execute against a team like Philly. And even if he plays against the Cincinnati or the Chiefs teams, we're going to talk about now, their defenses are are both decent. Like I think the Chiefs a little bit underrated on the defensive front too, but it he's done an incredible job along the way. Now, again, like last week, there were probably three passes that he could have had intercepted and if two or three of those get intercepted 
maybe we're talking about it a little differently and maybe we feel differently. He's had a little bit of luck, but what I do like about the guy is he has a very good makeup. Like he does seem like after he throws a bad pass, he comes right back and it doesn't seem like it bothers him the next time he throws a pass. Mm-hmm. He doesn't seem like he brings it with him. And I think some of that is probably the years of starting at Iowa state. That guy probably had to throw a lot of bad passes. Like there were probably a lot of times where he was down in the games, coming back and just trying to lead guys. So I don't think it like there would be a lot of quarterbacks in his situation where, uh Oh, they just threw one in that went hit digs in the chest and he dropped. Yeah. They would probably be a little bit rattled after that. He he's not, you know, mm-hmm. so I'll give them that. And the, the staff has done a really nice job with him. Yeah. So, uh, Okay, Eric, let's get to the Bengals and the Chiefs. So the Bengals 14 and 4 straight up, 13, 4 and 1 against the spread. Chiefs 15 and 3 straight up, 5, 12 and 1 against the spread. And everyone will be talking about the Mahomes ankle as Eric and I were just yep. a little earlier on in the show. But you know, it what I've seen, he looks okay. I mean, I, I'm I'm if you like the Chiefs, if you're gonna back the Chiefs, if you have backed the Chiefs. You feel positive that the guy was out on the field today. And they are saying that this was something like the high ankle sprain he had in 2019 when he played a week after having it. And they're saying, and he said that that one was a little bit worse. Again, he's not going to go out there and say, I can barely walk. He doesn't want it to seem that way because he doesn't want to have even more of a target on him. But I, I love seeing him out there. This is the fifth straight year the Chiefs are hosting the AFC Championship game. They. I mean, they had a dominant first drive last week. They go 83 yards, 12 plays, six-plus minutes for a touchdown. Then the Jags counter. uh, They get a really nice kick return. That's sometimes a problem for the Chiefs, some of the special team stuff. Jags get a 63-yard kick return. It sets them up with a short field. So Jacksonville scores their touchdown. Then it was the next drive when Mahomes got hurt at the end of that drive. He got hurt. Kansas City kicks a field goal. They go up three. Jacksonville then punts, and Henny has to come in for a drive. That starts at their own two. Chad Hetty goes 12 plays, 98 yards in six minutes and five seconds. Yep. And he didn't have to do anything too crazy. He was helped by a couple penalties along the way, but he didn't make any mistakes. He helped extend the lead and he helped put the Chiefs up by 10. You know, there were 84 drives this year throughout the league that began within a team's own two-yard line. And only seven of them ended in touchdowns all year long. And this was the eighth. So Chad Henney... He had one of those touchdowns that ended up being the difference in this game when they ended up winning by seven. So, you know, it, but you could see Eric, it kind of reminds me of like being a fan, a Laker fan through the years, right? Kobe would miss a game or two here or there. And when he would, you would see like Kobe would be out and then Rick Fox and Ori and like, or some of these other guys would all step up and have a fantastic game or two, right? 25 points, whatever. But then, they can do that for like one or two games, but then they sort of come back to who they are. They're only at a certain level. And that was kind of what we were seeing with Henny last week. He can do it for about a drive or two, but then afterwards you start to see him go, okay, oh, there's a reason why this guy has been a backup for yeah. the last four years. And he did not have a great, you know, record when he started games. He's just, he has a ceiling. He can only do, a real limited amount of things for you. And Mahomes comes back in the second half. He's kind of lipping around. Um, but again, he did what he needed to do. The first couple drives, they didn't do much. Then he leads Kansas city on a five play 29 yard field goal drive. 
they didn't have to move the ball that much. They had a good, they just had good field position and they kicked the 50 yard field goal. And then he leads one more drive to put Kansas city up by 10 with seven minutes left to go in the game. And that ended up being the difference, but a big shout out to Peterson for kicking that field covering man. He covered for you there at the end. That was beautiful Shout out for him, dude. He's a we gambler, man. That was great man, for you. Man of the people, dude. He's a man of the people. Yep. So even with the injury, Jacksonville had zero sacks. No sacks on Mahomes. The Kansas City blockers were physical. Uh, shout out to McKinnon. I noticed him a couple times actually picking up blocks really nicely and helping out there. Um, they leaned on Kelsey. He had 14 catches, 98 yards, two touchdowns, 17 targets. It's seven first downs in that game. And, you know, I don't think a lot of people would realize that the Chiefs were second in the NFL this year in sacks. That was one of my points I was going to bring up. Right? Like 55. I wouldn't have said that. And last year they were ranked 29th in that metric. So when you think about the offensive line for the Bengals, that's going to be um, trying again now, second week in a row, to play over their head. They're going to be dealing with some legitimate pass rushers there. Eric, uh, talk to us a little bit more about this matchup. You know, um, again, you know, I got futures going on at both teams. I'm just looking at like this. You kind of mentioned it. The Chiefs are going to bring a lot more pressure than the Bills did. Jonah Williams, you know, we're still kind of waiting to see. There's rumors going around. He could play. Um, You know, what does that do? Does that help the line? Yes, it does help the line. But the whole right side of the line still has some issues going on playing some backups. So I really think the Chiefs are going to be able to create pressure, get in the backfield. How is that going to affect Burrow and what is going to be the game plan that the that the coaching staff comes up to um to combat that? Um how is the Chiefs offense going to look if Mahomes isn't mobile and isn't able to move around? Because that's a lot of their play calling, right? They scheme a lot of things like moving him around, deep stuff. Like it, it definitely shrinks their playbook quite a bit if he's not Mahomes. Yeah, but if he's not able to do the Mahomes stuff, then you start thinking to yourself, if he can't do that, are you better off rolling out Henny? You know what I mean? Because Henny, it's going to be one to two looks, boom, that's it. It's going to be a very simple very like i don't want to say dumbed down but it's based that's that basically what it is yep you're not going to be like does henny give you the best chance to win i don't know i will say this i have never really been a patrick mahomes guy but this year i'm kind of starting to be it and i th- kind of think the two things that kind of made me be a mahomes type guy were his actions on the sidelines wanting to go back in when he's yeah. We've seen all this times how people are looking to go out of games and he's fighting to stay in there with his coach. I like that. But more importantly, you know who we haven't seen all this year? We his brother and his girlfriend. His wife and his, you know what I mean? His wife and his brother. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the girl and the bro. He, he kept them, them quiet. He, he told put them, them to down. Get away. Yep. So, I mean, he's kind of doing the right stuff. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm starting to come around um, to him a lot more than I was. Um, and you know what? This this defense, they're like we keep talking about the offense too, but since week eight, their defense has allowed just 19.7 points per game. They did not allow much run after the catch from receivers last year. Last week, they blew up some of those screen attempts from Jacksonville, which they continue to try to do. The pass rush forced quick early throws. They got home late, two sacks, nine quarterback hits. They had 12 quarterback pressures last week on uh on Lawrence. 
And Pacheco had a very nice game running the ball. He had a career high in rushing yards over expectation, and he had a career high in percentage of runs that gained more yards than expected. 75% of his runs gained more than expected, and that was all on him. Um, I mean, these are these are two good football teams, so we're going to have and I mean, positives and negatives on both sides, right? It just is going to come down to the number and like Mahomes' health and the value of this, which it it feels like, I mean, I just, I still think that they're they're a, a few points short on the Kansas City side because of the Mahomes yeah, stuff. Like, I, I think they're undervalued here. Yeah, and I mean, like, this, the under, like, the thing is, this opened up at like 52. It's all the way down to 47 and a half. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm just kind of looking at it like, the big thing when Kansas, when Cincinnati kind of made their jump is when DJ Reader came back because he's the meat of that defensive line. He's able to clog the middle, able to stop the run. If he's able to stop Pacheco, that's going to put more pressure on Mahomes in this passing game. And if we he can't do the Mahomes-type stuff, what is going to happen? Historically, Kelsey hasn't had his best games against the, um, the Bengals, so that's going to put more pressure on – Juju Smith-Schuster, Tony, we don't know the situation of Hardman. Is Hardman coming back or not? So there's a lot of different mixes and mixed stuff that could happen. However, I do have one player prop that I absolutely love, and it's actually the only bet so far I've locked into this one because this one, for me, you you can't really do anything right now in this game because you don't really know what's going on with, obviously, Patrick Mahomes, once you know on with him, like once you, if he's going to be a for sure go, this number is going to go in Kansas City's favor. So, and the only, the only thing I did was I played on the opening last week on Sunday when both of these games open, I played the opening number for both home teams because I thought it was short and might go in their direction positively. Because like you said, if Mahomes isn't going to play, this is going to balloon up the Bengals way. But if Mahomes does play, I think it goes to probably closer to three. Yeah, Kansas City, and then I'm gonna feel good about having got basically like I I I jumped in when Cincinnati was favored by one and a half, so I've yeah. got plus money on on the Chiefs money line, like on a Chiefs money line plus, which I think that was a the, a good way to do it because I had I've been pretty confident that he was going to play, and then I can make adjustments based on what I have to do. Like right now, if you're sitting here and you like if you maybe missed the the number shift because I'll take a little bit of value if I can on Kansas City in this spot, right? Like, yeah. Um, now, a couple things to mention on the Bengals side. Um, I love some of the nicknames that we got last week: Snow Burrow and Snow Mixon. I don't know why that just made me laugh hearing those guys be called Snow Burrow and uh, Snow Mixon. This team hasn't lost a game since Halloween either. They're in really nice form, and they've defeated Kansas City and Mahomes the last three times they played them, including in last year's AFC Championship game. Now. It is a little tough to use those games as a gauge for this because this game is probably going to include a less than healthy Patrick Mahomes and a banged up Cincinnati offensive line. And last year we have different rosters. So the game that they played earlier this year still looks is going to look a lot different than this game because Kansas City's not going to have 100% Mahomes and they're not going to have 100% offensive line on the other side for Cincinnati. Last year in the playoffs they got sacked 19 times and seven in the Super Bowl alone by the Rams. And this year, overall, throughout the year, they got sacked 10 fewer times during the regular season because of those upgrades to the offensive line. 
Three starting linemen out, yet they still stepped up last week with backups, and they played a very good football game. Those three backups, the right tackle, was basically the reason why they lost the Super Bowl last year. He was horrible against the Rams, and the Rams just ate him alive. So he has a great game against Buffalo. What's crazy is the right, the so that was the right tackle. The left tackle, he was the guy that got benched last year to put the right tackle in the game. So he was even worse than that guy. And they were both miserable last year. And then you have Sharping, who was cut during the preseason by the Texans. The Texans didn't have room for him on their offensive line. None of of these players had any meaningful roles with the, the Bengals through the first four months of the year. Their average pro football focus grade was a 48 out of 100 but they all played great. They gave up one sack for two yard loss. They ran for 172 yards. That was more than they rushed for in 16 of their 17 prior games this year. It was only the second 100 yard game of the year for Mixon. They opened up some huge holes. They helped average 2.6 rushing yards before contact, which was the most in a game for Mixon since week 14 of 2019. It was a season high allowed for the Buffalo defense as far as yards allowed before contact. And they they were the number one team in that metric throughout the year. The number one team, and the Bengals just destroyed them, pushed them right off the line. Now, they did give up 12 pressures, but Joe was doing a fantastic job of just getting the ball out of his hands quickly. So he's just got to make sure that he does that again against this Kansas City team because Kansas City's defensive front is great. Their coverage isn't fantastic. Um Man, the Bengals' defense, they pressured Josh Allen on 20 out of 47 throws, and they held the Bills to just 3.3 yards per rush. Snow Burrow went 23 of 36 for 242 yards, two touchdowns. Should have had a third touchdown. That one to Chase, that was overturned. That really shouldn't have been overturned. They put together scoring drives of 9, then 10, then 12 plays. He converted his first nine passes of the game, 105 yards. He ran, uh, Mixon ran for over the 100 He had eight first downs and four runs of 10 yards or more. He was stuffed only twice all game was mixing. I mean, that was just a really good game all over. And you could tell they had a chip on their shoulder because of the way that the league was sort of positioning the games. And they thought that everybody wanted a Bills versus Kansas City neutral field conference championship right after the game when they put a microphone in Burrow's face. That was the first thing he said. Well, you're going to have to refund those tickets to everyone selling that neutral site conference championship games. You could tell they had a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. I mean, they converted 60% first downs. They held Buffalo to just four of 12 on third down. Diggs had only four catches for 35 yards. The Bengals outgained Buffalo by over 100 yards on the ground. They held Buffalo to just 63 yards rushing. In a snow game, you got no shot if you're only rushing for 60 yards. They were well-prepared, well-coached on the defensive side of the ball, and they don't have, like, their defense usually doesn't have the best defensive player out there of either sides, but they're just a really well-balanced team. Every man's accountable for what's asked. Small details. Shout-out to the Bengals. They won five playoff games over the last two years. Prior to the prior to that, they had won five playoff games in their first 53 seasons. Yep. <laughs> It's a different, yep. it's a different I, time to be a Bengals fan for our boy Biho, right? Whole different time. Um, and actually, the one that I've locked in here so far is with the uh, with the Bengals. 
Um, I took Tyler Boyd over 30 and a half yards receiving. Um, the issue with the Chiefs defense, you know, defending the slot wide receiver. We saw that uh, the, with the Jags as they targeted Christian Kirk. The last three slot wide receivers the Chiefs have played have all gone over this total in those that three-game span. They have averaged 8.3 targets, seven receptions, 51 yards. Sneed is permitting a 70% catch rate when targeted. That is the slot quarterback of the Chiefs. Um, just looking at Tyler Boyd, he's gone over this total in two out of the three games against the Chiefs, averaging five and a half targets, four receptions, 48 yards. Um, so I'm I I like Tyler Boyd here, especially if they're able to create pressure and get it like some more underneath type stuff going to get the ball out of Burrow's hands quickly. Um, I really think they're going to have to blanket coverage to Jamar Chase, just looking at the Chiefs defense. This is another reason why I like it. They're 20th DVOA and their 31st DVOA defending wide receiver number ones, McDuffie and Waffle are rookie cornerbacks and they are going to be the ones guarding chase. So I really think they're going to do a lot of safety help safety high stuff to kind of take, take chase away and force the Bengals to use Hurst, to use Higgins, to use uh, Boyd and, you know, just chase seven for 97 last time. So look, I just, I just think it's going to be a Boyd type type game. Um, I'd be interested. I don't, the Chiefs backfield is a mystery to me because Alaire could be coming back. You throw Alaire in there. Pacheco can't go to going running. And in uh, Kelsey's already struggled against them. And those other, like maybe some Tony props just because they Tony is the guy who I, I'm a little bit intrigued by. I might toss him in as our, like our touchdown score this year is like uh, this week as like a, a heavy flyer and maybe throw a little DFS on him too. keep in mind, Eric and I, will be on the BTV Better Than Vegas network on Sunday morning at uh, 11 o'clock a.m. Eastern time to preview both of these games. So at that point, we'll have all of the up-to-date injury information, any uh, last-minute props. We'll, we'll give out first touchdown scores and anytime touchdown scores that we like in that game with me, Eric, and with Kyle. And uh, so, so we'll we'll have a few, probably a few more things to talk about on Sunday morning than we do right now, Eric. But yeah, you and I will be talking a lot over the next couple of days as well, because I think I might come on your show and uh, do a little uh, Pegasus preview. It's a big weekend yeah. at Gulfstream Park this weekend. You and I will also be talking about the Santa Anita Pick'em contests uh, this weekend. We'll touch base on that. We might do that Friday or uh, or Saturday. Maybe we'll see, because okay. maybe we'll do it. Maybe we'll do one on Saturday to talk about the Sunday games, because it'll probably be a lot of the, like, the Sunday stuff for uh, um, uh, the football games on Sunday. And uh, yeah, and then our focus for uh, on this show and then on BTV, Better Than Vegas, we'll shift over to basketball. We'll start talking some NBA and some college basketball too. So I look forward to making that transition in the next couple of weeks. But I have one more, one more thing to add. Though. Please one do. Please do. Um, yeah. You know, just kind of looking at it. I was looking at Burrow and this kind of stood out to me. Second half. So this is second half number. Um, he is 33, 14 and one ATS. So, you know, you, we could kind of look to play burrow in the second half. Um, it basically evens out. There's basically just percentage points. It doesn't matter. He's a favor or a dog and he's six and oh ATS second half in the playoffs. Excuse me. So did the guy wins? He's a, he's a, uh, second half, but 
you know, I heard someone else say this, seeing the success that Burrow is having, um, seeing the success that Fields is starting to have, seeing the success that Hurts is starting to have. And it kind of tells you like the way like these top schools, Ohio State, Georgia and Alabama are evaluating the quarterback position is kind of like not the best thing. And you could win at that level as long as you have dudes around him. Eddie O is a great dude, but he's a nightmare of a coach. He is not that good of a coach. I hate to say it. Joe Burrow led that team to a championship. You know what I mean? And, you know, Fields, they went with Jake Fromm at Georgia instead of him. Um, I don't know. There's just, they went with Tua over Jalen Hurts, you know, after Tua had that one drive in that championship game. So I don't know. It's just kind of interesting. Like you look at it after a couple years and seeing where one player is and the other player was, you know, maybe they made the bad choices back then too. So I don't know, just something to think about. Eric, buddy, we uh, appreciate all the hard work throughout the year and we only have the one big game left to talk about. So next week we, yeah, we'll have uh, an off week and we'll see, maybe you and I'll start talking basketball next week, or maybe we'll just shift and wait till after the Super Bowl. but you and I will discuss it coming up in the next few days. And for all of you who want some more help this weekend, come hang out with us and see who we're going to play as our first touchdown score this weekend at 11 o'clock AM on Sunday at BTV bets. Make sure to give Eric a follow at etof 21 Check out all of the great work that he does, his podcast that comes out this weekend. If you give him a follow on social media, you'll be able to see all of the pon- uh, the great content, podcast stuff, links to that, um, links to his show earlier in the week that comes out on Tuesdays, and any videos and individual stuff that Eric has. Great work as always, my man. Look forward to talking to you again the next couple days, and let's uh, let's end this season on a positive note. Looking to finish strong, my man. Talk soon. Thanks so much, folks. And uh, if you're listening on the podcast, we have a ton more coming up. If you're watching on social media, thanks so much for hanging out with us. And go subscribe and download That's What G Said podcast, and you'll get a lot more great content just like this. We move from the NFL to horse racing. Saturday Pegasus card at Gulfstream Park. The three Pegasus races close out the card. Barry Spears helps us out talking about races 10, 11, 12, and 13. Four graded stakes races to end a really good betting card on Saturday. Kick back and enjoy. Big weekend coming up at Gulfstream Park, so I figured we'd give you a little additional analysis for Gulfstream Park for Saturday. It is Pegasus Day with seven graded stakes races on January the 28th. Three Pegasus races, two grade ones, huge rolling exotics, handicapping contest. They have the coast-to-coast pick five from Gulfstream and Santa Anita. They've got a big stable duel game that we'll talk about, and we'll have uh, some real focus on that on Friday. And I had to get one of my good friends to join me here because if anything Gulfstream related, I think right away, Barry Spears, the sniper. How you doing, my man? What's up, man? I know. This is excited. This is kicking off the year kind of thing, you know, it, with it is. Pegasus and it feels good. Like the weather's warm here. I can't speak for anybody else getting snow at this point, but it feels good. I was, ready to go. I, 
I had a, a, a little, a few weeks with some rain and, and really cold. And oh, I walked yeah. outside today. And so it's been kind of cold. I walked outside today expecting the same way. It's like 70 degrees. Just like, like super nice. And like I had to take the sweater I had on off just because it was I was like, man, it's a little warm. I'm sweating here. So all you the know people... the craziest thing. I, I've been down in Florida since 2009. And usually, you know, December, January and part of February, I still have the anxiety. Like if I go outside, it's going to be cold. It's so weird. And I, I yeah. and, you know, they try to do things in Florida. I don't know if you spend a lot of time here in the winter, but they try to do things to kind of make it sort of winter. Like, you know, with, to try with to like tri- food. Trick you in, to trick yeah, you into they're it. like, oh, peppermint this and peppermint that. And it's like, it's like, not winter. That didn't yeah, work. It's, it's just not the same. <laughs> it, it didn't work. So uh, everyone else out there who's who's like, shivering and hates me and Barry. Hopefully you'll like us a little bit more after the end of this conversation. Cause we're going to do our best to try to get you some winners. We'll talk about the, uh, a few of the big races. Like we said, there's seven graded stakes races and Barry, you and me and Matt DeSantis do a show every Friday morning, this weekend in stable duel. It's the no chalk zone. We go through, uh, you know, different tracks for Friday and for Saturday, we give out some best bets. Heck I was thinking about it, man. You've been You've been helping me out now for a while, for a real while. For the last few years, we've been doing streams together. Even before oh, yeah. we were doing this weekend in Stable Duel, we were doing the uh, the Friday stream sometimes with Caleb. We did a couple with Darren. We've done a lot. You did a lot yeah. of stuff. Yeah, like, man, we've been doing it for a while, man. Yeah, like, we were. You know, what's, what's crazy is there's three things that, that really came out of the pandemic, out of, out of 2020. Uh, it was my podcast with, with Chuck Simon. Uh, my family, we do like a, a little, you know, kind of thing on Saturday nights where we just do like the charcuterie board and some oh, wine. Cool. We, we do a wine and night. cheese festival. And then my daughter gets a little sparkling uh, apple cider and stuff like cool. that. And then me and you hooking up. Linking up. Stuff. Yeah. Honestly. So the, the three best things that happened over the pandemic. Man. That, and I know I think about it all the time. And it, you know, when I really think about it is when I go through these handy, when I go through the handicapping, because I remember all these horses that we've talked about. Right. And um, and I oh, look yeah. back, I'm like, wow, that was like two years ago. Or wow. Like, you know, like, it's like, dang, that Especially was Especially when like, they win, when they yeah. come back and win again. They, like, I mean, yeah. law professor is, is just, is it's, one, we're going to be sad when he retires. I know we'll be, uh, we'll be very sad, but that's, what's great uh, about social media and just, you know, racing in general and anything that you enjoy in general, find the people that you like talking about them with, find the people that are like-minded and you can talk forever. Heck, oh, yeah. me and Barry chat with Matt a <laughs> couple hours every week on Fridays. Some mornings we go two hours long, just having fun, kicking back, talking races. So we're going to do our best today to get you a, a few winners over at Gulfstream Park. This is your neck of the woods. You're going to be heading out there this weekend, right? Yes, I will be there on Saturday, uh, hanging out with my man, Sid Fernando and couple others so we should have a good time so if you uh if you see barry head on over and buy barry a drink there uh, at Gulfstream park coming up yeah, this say what's weekend. up say hello <laughs> to the sniper okay barry you and i are going to focus on the last four races on the card they're four graded stakes races we're going to hit all three of the pegasus races and then we get to talk uh the grade three fred w hooper which is a fun one term mile for some older horses here and wow all of these races do not disappoint as far as the uh, you know, wide open fields, big fields, contentious uh, in the, in, in the Pegasus races this year, we don't have any 
like life is good type or any real, real marquee standout, but I almost like it a little bit more because it, it feels like the betting is going to be better. And we have these huge fields. Yeah. Uh, you know, back in the day, um, you know, probably about five or six years ago, I, I, I had a, a great opportunity to speak and talk to uh, Brett Sumja a mm-hmm. long, you know, and he was a former trainer, very good horse player. Um, and he in, instilled in my mind the thing about superstar horses and, and when cards don't come up with the star power, that it ends up being better that way only because the fields are more competitive. There, there's no, you know, wonky betting. It, it's kind of straightforward and it's better to play, at least for me, better to play a card like this than let's say the one last year where it was just, you know, superstar, after superstar, after superstar. And it was a bunch of chalk. I think uh, Todd Pletcher won like five races. And I don't think any of those horses paid over $7. And so, it just does not, it's just, won't, it just won't be that way right. with these last four races. They just won't have short, very many short price horses no. along the way. And uh, like always, we're taking a look at the daily racing form past performances. If you head to drf.com, you can purchase your past performances, any style, any type of the tools or the features that you need. We always pull up the formulator PPs because it makes it real easy for us to go to a replay if we need, take a look at a chart, take a look at the trainer information, pedigree stuff, all right there with the, with just one click. So Barry, in this 10th race, a really big field, uh, you you know, there was a horse and and in this race, these are some older horses. So we're familiar with some of them. Like again, a horse like prevalence was a horse that you popped last year, March the 5th. I remember you like this horse <laughs> when he won at about six to one or so. As a one since. <laughs> yeah. He won. Well, he won the Keeneland race right after in the Commonwealth. And then the last three, he's thrown in some clunkers. What's, what's kind of strange about this race is you have a couple of horses that are sort of like him, that their a game is really, really good, but they're not very consistent. They just, mm. you, you don't really know which one you're going to get. A lot of it comes down to the way the race shapes up. If they get the nice, easy trip, they can throw up a big performance. Who are some of the horses that you were looking at? Or, you know, who do you, who do you kind of start with in this very tough race? Um, Man, you know, like from a pace scenario, this this race seems to be a lot, a lot of speed. You, I guess so too, right? Mish, Octane, uh, probably I, I would think Hoist the Gold might not want to be up close, but. I think that horse is just going to land just because he's coming pretty out pretty close six, up by default coming out right. of sprints. Yeah. Sprint races, unless they just completely wrangle him back, back uh, black belt should be right up on the for pace. Sure. Picking um, the pennies for sure. Pennies is definitely going to be up there on the uh, pace. Doc and Amster then, has some speed. Dean delivers definitely going to be, a, especially a drawn towards the outside with Dean delivers and prevalence, you know, both from the outside, they're going to have to be pretty close. Yeah. So yeah, so, it just, it's a lot of pace players in here. So I was leaning towards horses that that may, you know, kind of want to come off the pace a little bit. Yep. You know, if if you held a gun to my head today, which is you know Wednesday before the we're way the race out on early Saturday, yeah, I, I would say endorsed. I, That's I think so best, funny. That's what I'm going to. Closer. He looks yeah, like the best closer. He's got enough positional speed to put himself, you know, to not have to be way way out of it either. Right. He can kind of maybe be mid pack and not necessarily dead last. And he's a horse who he's, you know, when you kind of look through all of his running lines too, he's, he's a little, you know, he's pretty consistent when you really start diving in, like he doesn't have as many bad efforts and you can kind of make 
you know, you can find the reasons for the poor performances. You have one on the turf. He didn't like the race on the slop. He just kind of threw in a clunker back here. Um, you have one or two races that, you know, where he kind of didn't have great races back to back, but overall he's really showed up. He's just kind of a cut below like top graded stakes horses. I think this feels like a really good spot for him from a class standpoint and the way the race should shape up, shape up kind of all together. Yeah, absolutely. If you look at his past performances, the only races he really didn't run bad in were races in the slop. There was one race in August 6th at Mountaineer, uh, the stake race, the, the Governor's Cup uh, grade three. And then the race prevalence beat him at and uh, in April at Keeneland. But beyond that, there's one other race at, at Churchill where it, it's just really inexplicable yeah, why and- that horse ran that way. And that happens from time to time. And but um, what we like is that after following that, he's bounced back. Bounced fine. back. Right. So you don't exactly. have to worry or you don't ask the questions really about it because he didn't string together like three or four other bad races. He's come back after the, the bad turf race where, okay, they took a shot on the turf again, didn't like it, gave him a few months off, comes back in November with a good runner-up behind Nakatomi. And then that last race should be like a really nice prep to set him up for this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he looks like he's coming in the right way. But beyond that one, um 12 volt man kind of piqued my attention a little bit um this horse you know won a race here um last year in the claiming crown jewel that i thought was a pretty good race in general um for somebody that's kind of a lower level horse and i i think this horse is kind of rounding in the form came came back off a pretty lengthy layoff from august to november and didn't run any you know, that well in the slop, which I don't think that horse wants to do anyway. Um, and then came back off of that at Gulfstream at this mile trip and ran pretty damn well against this, this horse might is, be the favorite in picking up pennies. This horse is a major player in here. Yeah. And he's another one that we like, like every race makes sense. When you go through it, you can explain mm-hmm. them all. You can toss the races in the slop. And then this is a horse who's going to, I think, really enjoy being able to string like three races together like this, yeah. right? Look at how many times he would have a race and then a couple months off and a race and then a couple months off. And he ran into fearless when fearless was really sharp down here at Gulfstream park. He fits very, very well. I think he's eight to one um, looking at the, uh, the lines that just popped up um, 12 volt man. I did see um, that it looks like hoist, hoist the gold is going to be scratched out of this. Miles D is your three to one lukewarm favorite in here. The horse you and I, yeah, the horse that you (laughs) and I like endorsed is five to one um, there. And then 12 volt man, eight to one on the outside. It's, it's crazy because miles D, you know, on paper looks like this horse is going to get a good trip. However, I, I don't know. I, it is, it's just something about this horse. I just can't grab onto because the, the times that this horse ran big figures, kind of ran again perfect trips against soft competition i mean in the discovery back in november it was only one horse there other than than him and speaker's corner who was kind of fading at that point um so it's it's just it's it's really tough to take a horse like that on the rail rosario is cold as ice i mean there's so many things just going against this horse Obviously, Chad Brown can get horses ready to fire off of any type of layoff. But for this particular horse, it's not great that he was off for a couple months. 
He looked like he was starting to ramp up his 2022. And now he's been off for 11 months. Yeah, that like That's not a good sign, right? <laughs> so if he's going to be a short price in this race off of a long layoff after that short layoff with a jockey who's been a little bit cold to start in a race where we, you and I both kind of think he might be a little bit overvalued already. Like this is, this is a horse who we can pat, like we, we can pass if he runs well here next time out. And then down the line, this horse could have a nice year, but he's worth trying to beat in this spot. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, he's going to get, he's probably going to get crushed because the connections and, you know, yep. Peter Brandt, Chad Brown, Rosario, he's probably going to be favored. And and on paper, it looks like he should get the trip. But, you know, again, the layoff lines are really concerning. Yep. And if you can poke some holes in horses that sh- are short prices, that's our job here. That's what we're doing. We're always, in, in most races, that's where I kind of, I don't start, but basically in every race at some point when I'm doing my handicapping, I'm looking at the the horses that, or the horse that should be the favorite and I will try to poke some holes in it. And sometimes oh, you can't, you know, sometimes, <laughs> and that's where it's like you pass that race or that's the race that you key in on, or you just say, yep, you know what? That's the horse that wins. But I, th- I think sometimes I see and hear too many people when they're going through their handicapping and they're like, oh, yep, this is the horse to beat boom and move on. And they don't even try to poke a hole in the horse. Or, or, or like, there's no even how, how could this horse get beat? I think you always have to play that game, right? How could this horse win? How could they lose? What would it look like? And I think that's one thing that, that we do pretty well. And and when I enjoy talking with you and with Matt and we try to talk it out like that, right? How is, what's the process going to look like? How does this horse win this race or lose this race? Not, oh yeah, this horse is just better. They're just going to win. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's a tough one to take at a short price. Is Miles yep. D? He just doesn't feel like a horse that that's ready to win this kind of race um, off a layoff. You know, coming back from February last year uh, to go a mile against Grade Three competition. I mean, this is a tough field. Uh, you know, I, I could see this race going a lot of different ways without. <laughs> Miles D on top. So me too. That's me that's too. Where I'm going. And in in this this field too, it there with a huge field like this, he's probably not going to get a nice cozy trip from the rail like that, right? This isn't like a field of six or seven where he's just going to be able to sit from the rail and make it and probably make a decision. When they're a field like this size and a few of these horses from the outside are all trying to get over, he might be shuffled a little bit farther back than he's been used to. Also, and that, and that's another thing that might be more difficult, right? In particular, you, when you team him up with Joel, who may like to take horses a little bit farther back, I could absolutely see him come on running late in this race, and oh, it yeah. set him up for something better down the line. Well, so, I mean, you look like a you look at a horse like Prevalence. Um, that horse, as bad as that horse looks on paper, it wouldn't surprise anyone if that horse wins. Well, no, he's fifty, and he's fifteen to one, right? So I mean, like I, I don't think he's going to be fifteen to one. No, Saturday, not at all. But um, I'd know, rather take him at eight, six or eight to one. And that's that, probably you know, what you'll get. I think so too. I think you'll probably get about that on him, um, versus the rail. You know, um, at at a quarter of that price. Oh yeah. So yeah, fun way to open up the late pick four. A really difficult race in exotics. If you're gonna, you know make the decision. What do you want to do with miles D Barry and I are both looking in different directions. Two horses that will definitely be on both of our radar are uh, the nine endorsed and the 13 on the outside 12 volt man who could sit the type of trips that we're looking for. They're horses that we know 
um, are proven at Gulfstream Park and have run well at Gulfstream Park before. They seem to fit very well at the class level too. So uh, give a look to some nines and some 13s in race <laughs> number 10 there uh, to kick off your late pick four. So let's continue along, Barry. Let's move and uh, get into the Pegasus races. The 11th race is the Philly and Mare Turf, the Pegasus World Cup Philly and Mare Turf. And we have, I thought in this race, a pretty good amount of speed too. Um, we were just talking about that in race number 10. Uh, you have Delica, who you know is going to be forwardly placed. Artie's Princess is coming out of some sprint races and, and draws the rail. I'd imagine they'll probably want to be close up. The number five, Monacella, is going to be scratched out. She probably would have added some pace to the party. Queen Goddess is coming out of some longer races, but I don't think they're going to want to be too far out of it. She set the pace going a mile and an eighth last time out, and she does want to be forwardly placed and, and pretty close up. You uh, also look to the outside, and you'll probably have um, oh, okay. So Bay Storm Bay is Storm going to be out, and Preservarcia yeah. are out. So oh, they're will, out. Okay. They're out too. Looking at some of these scratches, so field we're getting like a lot of the scratches in now. So th that does take a couple of the speed players out of here. Uh, still a few pace players in here. Talk to us about how you looked at this uh, Pegasus Philly and Mare turf. Yeah, I, I thought there was there was enough speed in here to keep the pace honest up front, and and uh, you know you're going to get a fair race and. Horse, I, I I'm kind of gravitating to is uh, Wakanaka. I think it just falls in. You and I are right on the same trip. page again. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it, it's almost like textbook, but there there's some you know cause for concern. I mean, honestly, this horse never has run a bad race in uh, company with fillies. Nope. Um, Her only, only poor time... race was in the Woodbine Mile behind Modern Games <clears throat> and, and Ivar. Ivar is going to be the fa favorite. He's favored in the morning line in the, the World Cup turf, which we're going to talk about next, Modern Games, who we just saw won the Breeders' Cup mile. Modern Games is a two-time Breeders' Cup winner and a really, really quality animal. Yeah, I, I, I liked this horse last year. Um, yep. For first time U.S., which was probably the wrong thing. <laughs> you know, obviously hindsight is is twenty twenty. She probably just needed to get acclimated to the, you know, American-style racing, things like that. But when she caught on, she she's been improving and yeah. i i think this just sets up really really well when, for her when she loses she's beat by right horses there. who have more speed than her mm -hmm. it's pretty simple right when she in italian regal glory you see a couple times they're just horses that are able to get the jump on her oh you know yeah. in those races and she she's just she's really honest you know exactly what you're going to get from her if the race shapes up for her She'll come running and have a, a legitimate chance to win. Joel fits her beautifully because with this mare, I just want her to take back. I want him to get her to relax and then just press press the button and make one big late run. It's exactly what she did in that last race. It was a softer spot, but I love that she'd been facing such tough company that they just wanted to give her like a confidence building win and remind her what she could do. She was dead last at the top of the lane in the short stretch at Keeneland. She tipped to the outside and she blew right by and it was like geared down. It was a super impressive win. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, she, she's definitely, you know, kind of caught on. I don't, I don't know how much longer she's going to be running. She's a five-year-old, but um, hopefully she can stick around a little bit longer, at least for the rest of this year and, and, and kind of make some waves. I, I think that horse is pretty good. I, I, I really liked her in that um, back in April 25th, the uh, 
the race she had in Italy prior to coming to the States. It was a really, really impressive win. She was just way outside and just kind of blew by everybody. It was, it was, it was pretty impressive. And uh, she's just got to, you know, get a good ride on, on uh, Saturday. Hopefully Rosario snaps out of it, which he, he tends to do on, on oh, big racing days. days. Yeah. Yep. Um, but another one that kind of caught my eye a little bit was uh, Lady Rockstar. Yeah, because it's the same kind of trip, right? I was looking like the nine mm-hmm. Shantasar is the horse to beat, but for me, three and seven are the other two that are going to get the kind of trips that we're hoping for, right? Yeah, I mean, Shantasar is, is, is tough, but I mean, what happened in the in the fall harvest? I mean, and do, do we want to take, and that's the thing, you you can't confidently take that short of a price when you have some concerns and you have some issues. And again, she's a, a mare who has a layoff after a layoff after another layoff. So we know there are some physical issues with her and she's absolutely capable of winning this race, but whatever she wins this race at, whatever she goes off at, it's going to be very short and probably shorter than her chances of winning because of the connections. Absolutely. That, that always happens, you know, on big days, especially, you know, the connections get crushed. Yeah. Um, she's two to one. She was your morning line favorite in this race. Um, Shantis, or she's now down to nine to five. I think after a couple of scratches, Delica is five to two. Wakanaka is a very fair five to one. Now I think was bumped down from six to five. That's very fair for her. You don't want to take probably less than like four ish or so on her because of, of, of her running style, right? She's always a little bit at the mercy of the way the race shapes up. And if for some reason someone sneaks away, then she's probably in some trouble. But the way this looks on paper, I think, her chances to win at those odds and and the seven who you were starting to get to a little bit more lady rock star, you know, she comes in to the the country. She wins her first two. And then at Monmouth park last year in July, she was well defeated as your favorite, but following that she has a, but five month layoff. She comes back off the bench. She finishes second in a race where she probably needs the race a little bit. And she ran a really nice race off the bench. She's, had plenty of time now, a few weeks to recover from that one. And it's not like, I don't, I'm not really worried about a bounce with the, a, a mare like this with that type of running style. Cause she just is going to kind of sit back and, and launch late. Like we hope too. So mm-hmm. I, if you're playing pick fours and stuff, I'm definitely going to be throwing her in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and another one <laughs> that, that, uh, that kind of is on the outside looking in, but I think this horse has some upside and maybe, would be a use underneath in, in exotics, you know, in verticals, it would be sweet enough. Um, this horse seems to be improving. And, and, and I think that horse's form, you know, in, in great Britain was a little bit sneaky, better than it looks. Um, considering what she's done since she's been in the States. I mean, it was, she was kind of up against it first time out in that race at Keeneland. That was a really tough race. Um, and she didn't really run well, but after that consecutive races, you know, kind of built upon that won the last time in a tightener, uh, at Gulfstream. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't completely. She has a nice pattern too. Yeah. Yeah, She was off for a while. She came back at Woodbine in that grade two race on the synthetic. They took a shot on that synthetic right there. She didn't, she ran, she like middle moved into it. it. The race was actually not bad. And she ran like a, a horse who needed the yeah, race. It looks then, uglier on paper than it really was. Yeah. <laughs> it was off the bench. She was, you know, involved. And then she just tired 
Now she comes back on December the 29th. She wins. She fits pretty well in here. Sweet enough, 20 to 1 on the morning line. If you're looking for a big price to throw in, it's not a bad uh, prospect here. Sweet enough from Barry. So there's a look at race number 11. Let's move to the Pegasus World Cup turf, which is race number 12 right next door. They'll be going a mile and an eighth in here. And I actually thought kind of on the flip side, the way that we've been talking about the other two races, I no thought speed. the 12th, the race doesn't have very much speed, right? The Both the 10th exactly. and the 11th seem like they have a lot of speed. This one didn't seem like nearly as much. I think because of that, a horse who I'll definitely be including in some of my exotics is a tone. Um, I think a tone can get that type of trip in here. If you look, he's actually the type of horse who, when he can get nice, easy leads or sit good trips, he runs well. A lot of the other times he doesn't quite run as well. And he has a little bit more versatility to him. Like he's not a need the lead type horse, but I think because this race doesn't have much, he's drawn sort of towards the inside. I could see him going and being forwardly placed in here. And uh, he's a very nice price on the morning line. He's 12 to one. He'll probably get hit a little bit because of Irad. But I think if, if he's like an eight to one ish shot in here, um, I, I could, you know, I, I could make a really nice case for him. Who are some of the horses you're looking at in this one, Barry? Um, actually, Lady Spitespear. Yeah, for those she's a mess to use for I, me I think she's quicker than than a tone, I agree. Actually. Yeah, um, she'll probably and- get the lead. A tone might be able to sit right behind her, but these two are both for sure on my tickets because of what you're saying. She is a uh, six to one on the morning line. Talk to us more about Spitespear. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I saw this horse run a couple of times last year at Tampa, and uh, she got beat by Bleecker Street both times. Um, who was razor sharp. <laughs> I mean, although she was favored in the endeavor, um, Bleecker Street, I think, was like six or seven to one, which is amazing mm-hmm. looking back at it. But uh, she's a grade one winner, um, won the Natama at Woodbine uh, in 2020. But, you know, she had some hard luck over the and, spring last year. And she, yeah, she faced some good horses. Like every sure. race it's top, top notch. Speak of the devil ran a monster race at Churchill. And just remember that that Churchill course was really funky at like then some of those horses just didn't take to it. A couple did. And then right after there was a race turf racing at Churchill for <laughs> months Ever. and look at following church, following the Churchill race. She goes up to Woodbine. She wins three in a row, basically, you know, on the lead sitting different trips and then as a big big long shot in the breeders cup she runs a bang up race and was involved and was in the race throughout so it's pretty tough to knock all of like her recent form i think she's major major player in here yeah the her jenny willie wiley um was a tough race she just completely blew the break i was i'm shocked she finished third um i know it was a six horse field but still I mean, if you go back and watch that race, it, it's just we can unbelievable that she, she just completely just blows the break. And so she's and the just, six. Yeah, just completely. <laughs> it's it's really bad. The, the The comment says lunged. I don't think that does that any justice at all because she just doesn't. Do he, oh, my gosh. She's yeah. completely hot. I mean, she's just got no shot. Right. Like and that, that was it. That was over. That's I, that's it. And that's one of the only that race and the weird Churchill turf course where like the last two times she's thrown in a clunker. She faced the best Philly and mayor turfers 
in the U.S., in North America, some in the world, a couple that ship in, and she was competitive with those. Yeah, I think this is a really nice spot for her. And she, I hope with Louis, I hope Luis gets aggressive. Yes, I hope the that's threes, what that's what we yeah. want. We want the aggressive Louis. We want him. Yeah. We want this horse on the lead. Yes, I mean, get aggressive. She can finish it is another story, but I think you know Louis a good enough rider and understands strategy, and and so does the trainer. And I think they're going to try to pop the gate and get up in front and, and try to dictate everything. And that's when she's at her best. Um, There's just nobody else besides, I mean, you could see maybe city man with the outside draw, if they try to get aggressive, um, but they're just, nobody's naturally as quick as lady spite spear. And after lady spite spear, it looks like a tone is the horse that's kind of sitting. I want those two on my exotics for sure could see maybe one more bid getting an okay trip in here. Um, I just not sure if they're, they're quite as good um, as, uh, as some of the others. And, you know, Ivar is the horse that's installed as the morning line favorite. Ivar never really runs a bad race either. No, like, he just you know, never wins. Yeah. Just, you know, not one. Well, I shouldn't say never wins. He but doesn't in win these when bigger races, right? The last time he was to. Yeah. The last time you know, he won was that, Indy Grand Race, and we just haven't seen him in a big spot. And he's going to be drawn towards the outside. Um, I don't really have many knocks on him overall as a horse. Just his price in this spot is probably just yeah. going to be shorter than what I'd want to take. Right. I mean, you see when he wins, he he wins. It's just like fourteen to one, fourteen to one. He's favored. He really doesn't do much. Or, you know, um, he he's a really good horse. I mean, he's he's made a million, one point four million in his career with only 15 starts, but he only has six wins and a lot of them aren't against the best competition. No. So I, you know, the, the horse that kind of, I, I, I want to think has a chance and, and it's provided that they don't get too far behind is masterpiece. Yeah. I, I've always been a fan of, of his and it's just like, we're talking about trip wise. If this, if they don't go very fast in this race early, he's probably in trouble. But if they do go a little bit honest, I really like his late turn of foot. Oh yeah. That's, that's the attractor, but you know, it, it's just all depends on, on, on the trip he gets. I, I think Tyler really rides this turf course really well. And I think he can get a good spot. I mean, you see the horses that were beating this one. Uh, I mean, you can, you can go back to 2021 and got beat by United who was probably behind bricks and mortar at the time best turf horse in the u.s yeah um that's not saying much but you know still the best competition in the land this horse didn't embarrass himself was coming you know got in a little trouble that day um and that's really the problem with a horse like masterpieces is, is the, the the trouble factor from trying to weave in and out of traffic hopefully and you know tyler can get him in a spot where he doesn't get stopped and then he'll you know he'll he'll have a great run and he's a horse that for me, it's always comes down to price too. Like in a spot like this at 10 to one, he's a good pick for use because the value matches his chances to win. And, and some of those concerns that you have are built into the price, right? Like oh, yeah. the, the, the trouble that he might get into and coming from that far back, but that's why he's 10 to one and, and he won't, and we're not talking about a horse who's three or four to one. Yeah. Know? I mean, I could definitely see uh, a few scenarios where that horse kind of gets, you know, comes wide and just runs everybody down. Um, but again, he's a little bit pace dependent and also 
trip dependent. So that's that's not always the best kind of horse, but he's definitely I'm going to use him um, just in case that that actually happens because there there's a, there's a couple of scenarios where that that could happen and there's really not much you know. <clears throat> Like a horse like Wit, what do you do with a horse like Wit? I, I I don't think I could play that horse by any means. He's probably going to be uh, on the shorter end of of the prices. And I don't think I like him in this. It's kind of okay. I, I mean, even in general, I you know his first two races, um, when he was a two year old or three year old, uh, or two year old. Yeah, two year old. He was he was he was very good, but he was better than everybody else, and he really hasn't progressed done much past that. Well, no, he, he like he's not a horse who's like speed figures tower over this group. He's going to be facing older horses now after facing three year olds. And I I agree with you. I just think he's going to be a little undervalued in this spot. I am. Um, I'm not I'm not in love with wit in the uh, the Pegasus <laughs> World Cup turf. But Barry and I both think you, you need to use Lady Spitesbeer with a chance to steal this race. Uh, I'll throw in the three Atone, who I think can sit a pretty nice trip there in the mix and uh we also both mentioned masterpiece as a very live long shot and at least an underneath horse to come running ibar is the horse to beat in here but what short of a how short of a price do you want to take on this one we think that uh with the way the race shapes up you might be able to get more value with a speedy type so barry let's get to the uh the main event the 13th let's close it out in the pegasus world cup invitational we go a mile and an eighth in here with a large field signed on and a lot of familiar names, a lot of horses that we've all become uh, familiar with over the last couple of years. You have a horse like Proxy who was on the Derby trail. Um, we saw in the Lacombe, the Risen Star, Louisiana Derby. Then Proxy was off for a while, came back last year and had a solid year. Didn't dominate, was behind Olympiad a couple times. But after that Clark win, Proxy is a, a major player in here. We all know simplification from last year's Triple Crown Trail. We have White Abario, who was your Florida Derby winner last year. Loves Gulfstream Park. Defunded. Just won back-to-back graded stakes races out in Southern California. This was a horse who uh, has been in the Baffert Barn and has been very good in top company. Art Collector, we know well. He's been around for quite some time. Skippy Longstocking was in the Preakness and the Belmont last year. Get her numbers, kind of intriguing. We'll talk about here. He's uh, He's been off for a while, came back, and now he's sort of trending back in the right direction after missing time um, from like 2021 into 2022. Last Samurai won a big race last year at Oaklawn Park in the Oaklawn Handicap. Then Cyberknife is your morning line favorite at 5-2. to two. This will be the swan song for him. Just got beat in the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile, and he was a multiple group one, grade one winner this year in the Arkansas Derby and in the Haskell. Stiletto boy, he's in like all of the big fights. So Barry, like we don't have a one life is good type, but there are a lot of honest horses in here that have done some good work and that have solid resumes. Yeah, absolutely. This is the type of race, you know, it's like one of those uh, trap games <laughs> in yes. like football or basketball where, you know, where you, you sleep on your opponents and, and one of them is liable to beat you. Yep. Cause they're all and quality. They're You're all absolutely right. Yes. Yep. And, and that's really what the predicament cyber knife is in. Um, the post did this horse, no favors, although he's probably the best horse in this race. Um, you know, I, I kind of, I agree with that too. Just, Cyberknife and Defunded are the best two horses here. 
Now, there's ways they can get beat because I'm not really that fond of of proxy. Simplification is a horse. On yeah, his proxy. Own turf. No, thank you. He can like. I just need to see more from him. Yeah, I mean, he, yeah. The proxy got beat by Dynamic One, Scalding, King Fury, yeah. Hot Rod Charlie. Any one of those horses probably wouldn't even be a thought in this race. Yeah, I agree. But yet, proxy's in this race, and proxy will probably take money. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if you know, somebody really is going to have to run with defunded to, to screw this race up. And it could happen. I'm not really sure our collector is quick enough. He definitely has the, the speed. Um, he, I know what quickness. you mean, though. He's, yeah, I know. He's more of like a sustained right, speed, like a, but a, it's, he's, like a, he's almost fast, like a, not quick. Like you a know? Nick's go kind of, well, not even that fast. Uh, it's it's hard to explain, but yeah, you, you you got what I'm saying. Yep. As far as his speed, because he he is handy, but he's not like ultra quick. Horse like Defunded can go fast. Yeah. And that's going to be a huge advantage, almost you know like the year Mucho Gusto won this race. This kind of reminds me of that kind of scenario, and I would think when the betting does go down that. Defunded and Cyberknife will be the top two choices. I think Defunded is going to get some money in here. Also, mm-hmm. he um, he's a horse who it was 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 interesting with him. There were a couple of these races where he looked like he was really lone speed and he just didn't seal the deal. But he has come back and been really impressive. As I think they've given him an opportunity to go a little bit longer. Um, when they cut him back, you probably thought he was going to be coming from off the pace a little bit more. But he's been good in his last two. He beat Country Grammar. Now, like you said, if he does get beat, maybe we look at the race and go, okay, riding with Biden will probably be close up and forwardly mm-hmm. placed. Um, like you, you mentioned, Art Collector can maybe put a little pressure on Defunded, and you know maybe Skippy is close, and maybe that's how the horse gets beat is if there are four or five others. Stiletto Boy can put a little pressure on as well. The one to me that's, that's a little bit interesting right now, I don't think he's – as good as some of the others, but he might get a, a beautiful trip in here is get her number. Um, I, I don't think he's as good as those at all. Like defunded and Cyberknife are much better. But if you look at some of his recent form, this is actually a horse who was pretty good at two. He won the grade one American Pharaoh going a mile in a 16th. My major issue with him is I don't know if he wants to go a mile. Distance, right. Yeah. Distance concerns. He could fall into a really nice trip. And you know what? He lost to mind control last time out. And I think mind control gets sort of uh, talked about like he's not that good of a horse, but he was really honest. Yeah, he's like, honest. <laughs> he, he's one of the more underrated horses like recently in just like his body of work. You know, he was a 12 time winner in $2.1 million. And the thing about mind control too, some of his better races actually came late in his career. If you see, like he ran some of mm-hmm. his better races later. So, um, I'm not really all that worried about losing that race to mind control. That doesn't bother me. And I I'm looking at the way the race shapes up too. He could just fall into that really nice spot. Luis jumps aboard. And I was actually reading um, in the DRF, Kieran McLaughlin, who's the uh, jocks agent for Luis was talking about how he had to make a decision between art collector and, um, and get her number. And he was like, well, 
this is either going to be a great decision or a bad decision. So you can blame it on me. You know, I, it was kind of funny reading some of his quotes. He said, we went with getter number. I think he, he kind of felt like the same sort of thing. Just like the trip would be better with get her number. They might be able to fall into a better trip. So yeah, this is one that's a kind of a price Barry, that I'll throw into some late exotics. Is there anybody else here kind of outside the radar or a bigger price who, who you think should, uh, should run well. Yeah. I, I kind of, want to give last samurai a little bit of a shot here too um just off those same kind of trip sort of scenarios that this horse could fall into a great trip same thing with uh simplification who i know has had a long hard campaign um but getting back to his home turf and i think you know it's 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 funny because this horse kind of showed speed early on and, and was kind of a speed horse. Yeah. And then he learned to rate. And well, it was, you know what? Remember, it was the one race where it sort of happened by accident. By accident. Yeah. It was the and then gold, they started the youth taking him gold. back off the pace a little bit more. But you're right. He has more speed. I think they if if this horse gets forwardly placed and, and kind of sits behind defunded and maybe riding with Biden, who I think will go out and, and art collector, this one could sit a good trip. I mean, He's definitely has the chops. It's just he's been so inconsistent and really running against really, really good horses. I, I mean, you can forgive that August 6th attempt at Mountaineer um, in the West Virginia Derby. Um, first off, a little bit of a layoff coming off a layoff from May. But his other subsequent races weren't that bad. He finished, uh, was it fourth in the PA Derby behind Taiba, Zandon, and Cyberknife, who at that time were a lot better. Um, but now the tables are kind of turned a little bit. A lot of those horses aren't even here and Cyberknife gets a, a post that's not great. So I can see simplification kind of turning the tables and getting back to his old form. I mean, his last race, as far as buyers goes, is his best. So that's always an encouraging thing coming into a big race. Cyberknife is your morning line favorite in the Pegasus World Cup on a huge Saturday. I know I'm going to be getting involved in that coast-to-coast pick five. I'm going to be playing a big, big stable dual game. There are all sorts of handicapping contests, and we went through the late pick four. Hopefully, we help lead you to a few winners, my man. So you will be uh, heading out there this weekend. So anyone who is listening to this, you won't see Barry with us on Friday morning with uh, with me and Matt. But every Friday morning, Barry is with us, 10 o'clock a.m. Eastern time. And we give out some best bets. We we do just like what what we were doing right here. We talk it out. We give out some horses um, that we like on Friday and on Saturday. For the next couple months, it's going to be a lot of Gulfstream and a lot of Santa Anita. Um, but Barry, tell us a little bit about Big Mondays also, where uh, where we can find you and we can uh, hear more of you. Oh yeah, Big Mondays. It's our uh, podcast, Golden in Circles podcast. Um, you know, we call it Big Mondays is a nod to the old uh, Big East. <laughs> basketball that used to come on uh, ESPN back in the day. Oh yeah. Uh, but it actually comes out on Tuesday. Most of the time, most of the time, like late Monday when you record right. it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a good time. We talk about um, racing topics. We just don't give out picks. We kind of talk about racing issues, things that, you know, how we can kind of promote the sport and, and move it along and, and, and get better from here because you know, the, the the state of the game isn't at its best right now. Um, and, you know, we kind of talk a lot about how we can improve it, things we can get rid of, things we can add, stuff like that. And then we do some picks, too, and we talk about the big races, and, and we have, like, a weekend recap sort of thing. 
Um, but yeah, you should definitely check it out. It's every Monday. Then we got, you know, the, the newsletter that comes out uh, periodically. Chuck does some really good writing. So, you know, we're trying to ramp things up and uh, hopefully the new year is good to us. Very lucky to have a good friend like you, my man. Like you said, through the last couple of years, it has been a blast. I've been very lucky for all the uh, the hours of time you've given me and helped me out. I learned from you. Hopefully, uh, I, uh, I'm able to impart oh, some of my silliness on you as well, <laughs> back and forth, like good friends always do. And uh, yeah, I, I uh, when I don't talk to you in a week, it feels weird. You know, like yeah. when there's one of those weeks where we don't talk. It's like, man, it feels like it's been way too long. So uh, Joey always, Cleveland, if I don't hear Joey Cleveland's song, it's like, you know, something's up. Well, something's we won't up. hear Joey singing, but we did hear Joey rock out the, the call to post right here to open this up. And we'll put Joey on one more time to close it out. So we're going to follow Barry. Uh, give us your uh, your Twitter handle one more time for everyone so they can give you a it's, follow. Yep. It's at urban handicapper. It's U R B N handicapper. I'm there all day, every day. Love to talk about anything and everything. And if you ever need any help looking at those races, prepping for the races, make sure to head to DRF.com and those for, uh, formulator PPs are the ones that we were just looking at right there. So everyone, good luck this weekend at Gulfstream park. Good luck to Barry out there. Thanks so much for hanging out and tuning in. If you're listening on the podcast, we actually have a lot more coming up on the podcast. If you're just hanging out with us on social media, thanks so much. And we'll see you again real soon. A big thank you to The Sniper for helping us out. And make sure to come in and hang out on Friday morning to get more information on Gulfstream Park. Friday morning, 10 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Give me a follow. It's me, Gino B., and you'll be able to check out that full live stream. Let's finish up with the Royal Rumble Roundtable. Andrew Champagne, Darren Zocali, Chad Cooper. We preview the Royal Rumble coming up this weekend. There are two Royal Rumbles. We discuss everything, all of the listed entrants, all of the possibilities, betting odds, who could show up, what it may look like. Kick back and enjoy as we get you all ready for Royal Rumble 2023. It's time to rumble. It's time for the Royal Rumble. I always get excited when I hear... Vince's voice on those old Royal Rumble intros, and we have a Royal Rumble roundtable for you for 2023. We're just a few days out from the WWE Royal Rumble. There have been a lot of WWE stories in the news over the last couple months, but as of right now, Triple H is in charge of the creative, or so we think, and uh, Triple H will be the one making the calls for the first time come Royal Rumble. I have three of my best buds joining me. You hear these gentlemen each and every week here on That's What G Said podcast, and You've got Darren Zocali, Andrew Champagne, and Chad Cooper, as we're all going to head around the round table and talk about the Royal Rumble. DZ, in talking with you through the years, I know this is, you know, for, as most wrestling fans have, they've always enjoyed the Royal Rumble, but this has always been one that you really seem to like. Oh, and I think uh, right as we had started, DZ popped out for a second. So, Andrew, let's let's just throw that question right over to you for a second, right? We all love the Royal Rumble. Rum- Rumble, Mania, SummerSlam, Survivor Series have been the big four. But there's something different about the Royal Rumble. 
There really is because it's one of the most fun matches you can book, right? It's one of those things where you get 30 people and you can figure out whatever way you want to draw them. You can figure out, okay, how are we going to book all of these multitudes of storylines into one match? And when it's done well, very few things can match it. The one that I remember most fondly, that 1992 Rumble where Flair comes in at three and goes over an hour. It's so good. I just rewatched it a couple of days ago for about the 9,000th time. It never gets old. And that's the ability the Royal Rumble has. DZ, uh, you know, in particular, talking with you through the years, I know you're a big fan of the Rumble. You've had Rumble parties and people coming over and watching, and uh, you like to get involved with your family and your young ones now. And it... It's definitely one of the big ones, but for me, it's even better than WrestleMania because of the surprise and what it does. It's even a little bit more exciting with the like with the surprise of the Rumble. Yeah, the Royal Rumble is always my favorite pay per view of the year or premium live event that we are now calling them. Uh, you know, there's just there's just something about it. It's a unique match that you only see once a year, and WrestleMania certainly does have the the pageantry and the fanfare, and there's some wonderful moments. But at the end of the day, WrestleMania is a series of matches that you're likely to see once or twice again throughout the course of the year as they continue on the path to different rivalries. Whereas the Royal Rumble, you get it once a year and you never know what's going to happen. You never know what surprises you're going to see. You're never going to know what storylines are going to develop out of it. It could be a starting off point for things. It could answer some questions. It could start some new questions. It just has a lot of different intangibles attached to the night that really make it a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, every time that clock counts down, you always wonder, you know, is something about to happen that's going to be a big moment, something that's going to shock you, something that's going to make you mad. It seems to kind of always invoke all the different types of Mm -hmm. emotions that we have as wrestling fans, which is what I think it makes a really great event. And Koopa Loop, heading into this year's Royal Rumble, it feels like I think we all feel pretty positive just as fans about the possibilities of who can win, right? It doesn't seem like one of those years where you're like, uh oh, it's definitely going to be that person. Like on the men's side, there have only been a few that we can all kind of throw out there. Maybe uh, if, if the Rock's around, obviously he would be a big shot, but like Sammy and Cody feel like they would be pretty good choices. And I think a lot of the fans would respond well to them on the women's side. They've only announced seven. Someone like Rhea would be a a fine choice. Becky would always get a good reception. It feels like they they're in a good spot right now with the both rumbles, kind of whichever direction they go. Coop, do you sort of feel that same way? Yeah, it's an intrigue. Uh, Royal rumble this year. Someone mentioned uh, in our group chat earlier this afternoon, it's uh, you know, it's triple H's first you know, first Royal Rumble without the the Vince McMahon, uh, what we think, uh, uh, overseeing the production of this uh, premium event. Yeah, it, you know, the history is there. It, you have a winner. It's, it it jumpstarts careers. Um, it, it, it can send guys and gals into different directions uh, in the WWE. Um, it's just something that's really, really good because usually the winner of the Royal Rumble, you know, goes on and has that big mania moment. You know, I remember um, 2001, uh, Austin uh, beating The Rock at WrestleMania 17 in the Astrodome uh, because of him winning the Royal Rumble. And it's uh, it's interesting that it's in San Antonio. You know, as you mentioned, we're we're only half of uh, the entries. So we'll get a inside, few. We'll we'll get a few Texas guys, right? And only a handful of the Yeah, yeah. 
Sure. I'd imagine sure. getting so, maybe like a, a JBL or someone like that, you know, popping out there just to, to pop the crowd for sure. But the one thing I think we've all agreed on through the years and what leaves such a left such a bad taste in our mouth last year is the Royal Rumble is such a fun vehicle, DZ, that you know, you can use it to get somebody over. If you have a big already proven, already made star they don't need to win the Royal Rumble to get him in a main, a main match at WrestleMania. And that's sort of what we saw last year. We came out of the Royal Rumbles feeling like, well, that was kind of a waste. We got two people that could have very easily been fighting for their titles without having to win the Rumble. Yeah, it's kind of interesting when you go through the arc of, of the Royal Rumble and how it's kind of evolved over, over the years. It was the opposite in the beginning. Like the Royal Rumble in the beginning was a showcase event yep. that was won by the biggest stars. Yep, Hogan, know? Hogan, right off the bat. Yeah, you know Hogan, Hogan, uh, you know Flair, Luger, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, Steve Austin. I mean, it was pretty much the biggest guy in the company at that time was gonna was going to win the Royal Rumble. That's changed over the years, where now it has become a launching point at times for careers, while also at times being a, a nod back to the guy that has kind of always been there and has mm-hmm. to kind of fill a spot like a Randy Orton, like a triple H. Um, but also has been, you know, moments for guys like Shinsuke Nakamura, big moment for, you know, Seth Rollins winning the rumble a few years ago. So uh, it, it is interesting how there's kind of a couple of different ways that they can go. Uh, and we'll talk about what they're going to do this year and what some of us think they're going to do this year. And to be honest with you, we're recording this five days out from the Royal Rumble. Yeah. I don't know if they've got it exactly down what they're doing yet, to be honest. You're right. You're right. So, Andrew, as we head in to the Royal Rumble event, we have three matches on the undercard and then obviously the two big Rumble matches that we're going to really dive on into. As far as the undercard is concerned, um, let's start with the women's match, Bianca versus Alexa. Anything about this really intriguing to you? What have you thought about the build to this? I mean, Bianca's had a run now for for quite a while. And I thought they, I think they've done a pretty good job overall with Bianca. Um, they're getting Alexa back involved with the Bray Wyatt and the uncle Howdy and the spooky kind of stuff. Where, where do you stand on this? And, and do you think Alexa has any chance in here of getting, uh, getting by Bianca? Before we go much further, I love Bianca Belair, phenomenal worker, phenomenal talent. I like Alexa bliss. I don't love spooky Alexa bliss. Yeah. I, it just, it wasn't for me. It, it's one of those things that I understand there was a market for, and I understand why they did it. But whenever I look back on Alexa Bliss's time with Bray Wyatt and with that Firefly Funhouse stuff, it ended with the worst possible WrestleMania match you can po- imagine with Wyatt and Orton stinking up the joint for a second time because they went to smoke and mirrors with it. And that ultimately wound up being Bray Wyatt's last WWE match before he got released and then came back a year and a half later. I really hope they learned from their mistakes. Please, for the love of God, let them have learned from their mistakes. And this is going to be a a pivotal night in that storyline, not just with Bianca and Alexa, but with Bray Wyatt and LA Knight, which we'll get to in a bit. And um, I, I, I don't have much as far as the Wyatt Knight match goes, except... I can tell you it's going to be better than the last example of brand synergy 
that WWE <laughs> did, which was, of course, the partnership with the Army of the Dead movie, where I believe it was either The Miz or John Morrison. It was Miz and Damian Priest, I believe, yeah. right? Well, Miz yeah. or Morrison <laughs> were eaten by zombies and then showed up the next night like nothing happened. I so, think the ref uh, was too, right? Didn't the ref it was eaten or all I know was it was bad and it was the worst thing I have ever seen on WWE television. I, I'm confident in saying that. This will be better than that. And I really hope the stuff with Alexa Bliss and the Wyatts is better this time around than it was a couple of years ago. Yeah, Coop, I think that having Alexa in the Bray story stuff probably means that she's not going to win the title here. I think she might have a story to be told and maybe we could get B. I don't know if this story is over, but I, I don't think like, I don't see Alexa bliss defending the women's title at WrestleMania right now. I probably the best way to put it. Do you like, do you see that happening Chad? Or like, I, I feel like it's probably Bianca defending against somebody else. Yeah. I love Alexa bliss too. I mean, what's not to like, I, I, I thought since WrestleMania, it's just been uh, not good, uh, a good direction for her. I haven't seen match odds yet uh, for the undercard, except for the entrance and the men's and women's Royal Rumble. But I, she would have to be a, a massive underdog to go over Bianca Belair here uh, in this match. Yeah, just DZ, just thinking about this match and... You know, I, again, I love Alexa plenty. I think she's super talented. I think she's one of the, the really like well-rounded women they have. I, I think she's even a little bit better in the ring sometimes than she gets credit for. But I don't like with Bianca. I think you can have some like some bigger matches right now with Bianca defending against Aria Ripley, right, or just any of the other like like bigger name women there. I, I just don't see it for Alexa at this moment. And, and for the most part, in general, and, and I guess this is also a changing of the times. Um, but the Royal Rumble is typically not the pay-per-view where they do major title changes. No. They, no. they, they, they want to have an established champion who's getting challenged by a Royal Rumble winner. Kind of loses a little bit of value when a major title gets changed that night. And then the person who is winning the Royal Rumble is facing somebody that's a new champion. Like we've seen it at times, you know, Ultimate Warrior lost to Sergeant Slaughter. And it's happened a few times. But typically, they don't take major belts and make big title switches at the Royal Rumble before WrestleMania. And I think that this particular instance is not going to be an exception. That's not to say that I can't see it happening down the line. I just typically find the Royal Rumble for a title match to be kind of the spot that you fill with a big, with a big name to get a big match and you get your champion to WrestleMania. And you know what they've done through the years, too, even? They've actually... Because the Royal Rumbles are such... Um, events that sell themselves that whatever you would fill out the rest of the card with people are always going to be tuning in already they're already peaked their interest is there like we've had years where we had like a Brock Lesnar against a, uh, a hardcore Holly for the title right like they've put some uh, matches on Royal Rumble undercards where you didn't really think the like you're not selling on that main event singles match you're selling the Rumble and then they'll give you a little bit of a, an icing on the cake with a title match on top of it so yeah I just looking at both of them, and that's unfortunate for KO. We'll get to him in just a minute. He has more of a story kind of going on with all the bloodline stuff, but obviously it just doesn't seem like the moment for him. Andrew, you started getting into the uh, the Bray Wyatt LA Knight stuff. Now, how have you felt about Bray Wyatt's return so far, and how have you felt like they've handled LA Knight leading into this? 
I love the way they've handled LA Knight leading into this. Um, yeah, I totally agree. All you, all you have to do is look eight months ago at what Max Dupree was doing. Yeah. And now yeah. look at what LA Knight is doing, being in the ring with The Undertaker at Raw 30. For a good amount of time, like giving him moment with like moments with the microphone. It wasn't like some quick rush segment. He yep. was in there. Yep. And by the same token, I think they've done a nice job with Bray Wyatt to this point. But as I mentioned, this is a big night for the Bray Wyatt storyline. Whatever directions it forks off in, we don't particularly know yet. We have an idea of who Uncle Howdy is. We believe it's Bray Wyatt's uh, legitimate <laughs> brother. Um, but here's the thing with both Bray Wyatt and L.A. Knight. The rub on these two guys is... They're fantastic promo guys that can give you one fantastic segment after another. They've delivered in that regard. When the bell rings, what happens? Well, we I think you're hitting know. on something that's interesting is that both of them can have very good matches with the right dance partner too, right. with, with, a, with a leader, right? Are either of those guys the guy that can necessarily lead the other one through a good match and what the hell are we even going to get like what is is it going to be a match right exactly yeah we don't know what the pitch black match is we don't know whether this is you know going to be in the dark remember by the way this is the same company that put the steve austin savio vega strat match in the dark on its list of greatest blunders on the old yeah. wwe countdown show my how things change over the last six or seven years but if this winds up being as good as it could be, it launches both guys. But yeah. I keep going back to every time we expect Bray Wyatt in this version of this character to have a banger of a main event match, what happens? Yeah, it's a little deflating or fiend. It's stuff not necessarily or... bad. It's just there. Now, this might be where Triple H being in charge instead of Vince really, really helps. I'm intrigued by this. I want and they have that new more. writer, right? Wasn't there someone hired that's like just like something that supposedly works a lot with Bray Wyatt and this character and a lot of the like yeah. the way that this character has been presented? So hopefully there's like you're saying there's a better like production of all of this production team around it than the mind of like an 80 year old Vince McMahon. Right, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, year old Triple H ought to be much, much better. Uh, Loop, you're in my stock. It's gone up and down a little bit on LA Knight. We had that high stock on him right when he came in to the uh, NXT. Took a little while. Then he had that awesome feud with Cameron Grimes in the Million Dollar Title, and he sort of elevated himself on NXT. And then when he got pulled up, he was Max Dupree for a while. But now the crowd is really into him, even as a heel. They're responding to his catchphrases. You can tell that they really like him. And we've said all along, this guy has that presence. Like last night, he was standing in the ring with The Undertaker and Bray Wyatt. He didn't He didn't carry himself like he, he felt like he was out of place. This guy thinks he belongs there, which is half the battle. Like he's got it mentally. Now, like Andrew was saying, this is a big match for him too. This is the biggest spotlight he's been on at right now. Can he go out there and whatever he needs to do, can he put on a good performance? I believe in him. You and I have been big fans of this guy for a while, and I love seeing what they've done with LA Knight so far. I, I think this could be a really good feud for the both of them and splinter them off in different directions. It was impressive to see the reaction he get on Monday Night Raw because sometimes that doesn't really uh, carry over 
for a lot of these yeah. guys and girls on Friday Night SmackDown. And what he was able to do last night, I, I thought, oh, no, he, he's he, a legend is going to bury him. The 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 old, hey, call out the legend and let's bury a main roster superstar. But I, I think it did really absolutely nothing negative for him. I, I thought it was a great segment. Um, the last couple of weeks, I, as you and I have both talked about, it's been kind of interesting in this feud. Um, I don't want, uh, as I use your word, uh, a, a kind of wonky red match type deal. I'm hearing there's rumors there could be neon involved. There's got to be some kind of lights involved. Does Alexa Bliss get involved? We, we probably know Uncle Howdy gets involved. But up until this, my expectations of this are very, very high. And uh, if it's anything less than superior, I'm going to be thoroughly disappointed because I've been invested for this for a long time now. DZ uh, creatively Bray Wyatt is someone like we haven't really seen, um, you know, we've seen Undertaker stuff and they've done spooky stuff, but you could tell this guy really takes his character seriously. This is important to him. It was super emotional, even just hearing him come out the first couple times and cut promos like this has been his family kind of growing up. So it was great to see Bray Wyatt get back here in the fold. And I like the fact that they haven't rushed things with him either. Like, I didn't want to see Bray Wyatt in the Royal Rumble because then you kind of book yourselves into a corner. I don't want to see you putting him in a title match right away like they did when he was the Fiend because then you put yourselves in a, bad, in a bad spot. It seems like they have a fun story to tell. They're kind of doing it slowly. What do you see out of this, DZ? Do you have any expectations of this match? Well, the one thing uh, I'll just briefly mention about LA Knight, and you, you touched upon it briefly, Gino, was that uh, he was in the ring on the 30th, anniversary of raw with the undertaker and bray wyatt so that tells you all you need to know about what the people that are in there creatively making decisions think about mm -hmm. him and think about the think about that feud putting him in that situation yep. as far as bray wyatt I, I will raise one concern um to add on to what andrew was speaking of before so i went to the live show the day after christmas at madison square garden Mm -hmm. uh, which was the first match that Bray Wyatt wrestled since that's that big back. holiday event. They do at MSG every year. Yes. Correct. Yeah. Uh, Jinder Mahal came out, uh, uh, cut a promo saying that he felt slighted that he wasn't included in the uh, ladder match for the intercontinental championship. And he challenged somebody to come out and Bray Wyatt came out. Um, huge reaction from the crowd, as you would expect. It was an important night for Bray because it was the anniversary of the passing of, of uh, Brody Lee. So um, the thing that I will say, though, is that the match lasted about two and a half minutes and he looked exhausted. And what I'm getting yeah. to what I'm getting to is he hasn't had a lot of ring work. I saw him pretty tired after doing a couple of moves. Um, that's my concern mm -hmm. going into a premium live show in a gimmick match that we don't know anything about that seemingly has to have at least some length to it for the purposes of this story unless this is going to be more cinematically produced than wrestling match which could help him i do have concerns though about his conditioning at this point getting his legs back underneath him in a wrestling because you ring. can't you can't replicate that and we and like bray wyatt's such a big star like you're saying wherever he if he pops up whenever he does people are going to know like you can't hide him out somewhere getting a tryout match like you could for right. some of these unknown guys right so you're like oh bray wyatt's there wrestling so he doesn't obviously i'm sure he's at the performance center or wherever getting his reps in but as soon as your music hits and that crowd goes crazy it's a different 
feeling, right? You already are like, you're already losing some of it before you even walk out there. So that's a, that's a very, and maybe the, and Gino, maybe that's why that, yeah. And maybe that's why they're hiding something. Plus Mountain Dew's probably paid them a ton of money. Yeah, uh, to sponsor this match. It's one of these weird bowl so. games, right? With a weird yeah. sponsor. <laughs> if this match is anywhere close to the Army of the Dead fiasco, I should hope WWE <laughs> is making money hand over fist for it. Is this going to be like that Mayo Bowl where somebody just gets a bunch of Mountain Dew poured on them afterwards? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we've got Bray and LA Knight in the first Mountain Dew pitch black match. DZ, while we've got you here, let's keep you for uh, for your guy Roman Reigns and the uh, undisputed Universal Championship match versus KO. You sort of, over the last couple of years, you kind of feel bad for the people like KO who are so good at what they do and normally would have probably had a couple more title reigns over the last couple of years, but how can you how can you dethrone Roman at this moment? And we know where they could be going with Roman, but wow, in just thinking back over the last couple of years and You've been the biggest Roman Reigns fan for forever. Like this is this is equal to any any best reign that anyone wants to say. Like if you go back to the Backlund and the San Martinos and the Hogan reigns and stuff, like this is equally as impressive as all of them because it's it's in the modern era where you're on TV almost every week. He's not wrestling every week, but he's there most of the time. And when you go through the list of people he's defeated over the last couple of years from the edge to the Brian, you know, Daniel Bryan and John Cena, all of these different guys. Um, it's, it's impressive and he's got a presence. And the most intriguing thing of all is that it hasn't gotten stale. Every one of those guys, when they had their long title runs at the end, everybody was clamoring for them to lose. And right now, if people are clamoring for Roman to lose, it's not because they're sick of him being the champ. It's because, People might want to see Sami Zayn do it. You know what I mean? Like they've set it up really, really well. And um, like all the, uh, all the applause to them, because this is what Vince saw and partly Vince, partly triple H. They have played it out to make this guy one of the biggest stars in the history of pro wrestling, just like they thought he was going to be. Yeah. It took them longer than people wanted to get there. And uh, you know, I could certainly understand the frustration in that, but you can certainly make the argument that without having to go through that path that they went through of uh, him being a polarizing figure and trying to make him into this baby face, maybe this run that he's having now doesn't happen the same way. But to the point that you made with Roman, I can even argue, and I think it's, it's a pretty good argument, that him doing it in 2023 and being able to sustain this reign and keep people invested and have people as loud now as they were in the beginning or in the middle is harder than yet than the people that had to do something similar in 1975 because back then you weren't on tv in front of millions of people every week at all you were yeah you were like you were almost like this mythical figure that when you showed up in a town they didn't know when they were going to get to see you again so it was like oh my god bruno san martino is coming to our town to wrestle. You know, Bob Backlund is coming to our town to wrestle. Even in the beginning of Hulk Hogan, where, you know, you could see him on TBS and stuff if you had the right uh, the right cable, when, when cable was in its infancy. It was different. When those guys showed up, you legitimately said to yourself, when am I going to get this chance to see this guy again? And it was beyond the story, and it was it was just the opportunity to see that person. Now, 
you could see this guy just about every week. And to keep that going for two and a half years to the point where the fans are still popping like crazy. When his music hit at the beginning of Raw last night, the roof blew off the place. Um, yeah. So it's it's wild that that's continuing. It's a testament to Roman. It's a testament to the work that the creative team has done to keep this going. But this story has been phenomenal since the start. It's had peaks and valleys that have been filled with nothing but just unbelievably creative ideas. Where the thing is going right now with Sami Zayn, we still don't know. It could go in either direction. And the one thing that you can say negative about this reign is not about Roman, but they have built him now into this godlike figure where you don't have anybody realistically that can no, beat him. There are so few people that make sense, right? right. And like the only ones that feel like they make sense are stories that they're put like right now with Sammy, right? If if Sammy were to beat him in a match where like Kevin would help him or something like that, I could see right. that at Mania. Or but Cody. Would, but would be- wouldn't you even say at the end of this reign, as good as it's been, taking the belt off him deserves better. Probably than, than yeah. a finish where somebody comes in yeah. to help Sami Zayn win. Yeah, you know, one thousand percent. Somebody's yeah. got to beat him legit. You're right. Like, it's got to be if if you you have to pick a guy to say like you did from Hogan. It's at this point when you went yeah. from Hogan to the Warrior. Warrior. It's got to be that. It's got to be the guy you and want, and he's got to beat him one, two, three in the middle of the ring. And Andrew, I think that is that guy right now is probably Cody. Right. I if- mean, conventional wisdom says that, right? Six months ago, Cody gets soon. hurt, yeah. goes yeah. to the sidelines. You're thinking, okay, they didn't pay Cody a whole mess of money to come back and not be in a gigantic spot at WrestleMania. And the way Cody but- left with with that match and like that that was a great moment for Cody in losing that match. It was a like a career-making match. A lot of the fans, even that maybe didn't like Cody, really respected the hell out of yep. him after seeing him go through that Hell in a Cell match with the torn peck right off. But but in the meantime, Sami Zayn has gotten white hot. And this Bloodline storyline has gotten amazing. And Kevin Owens is involved with that. And so now what do you do? And it's a very good question. Before we go further, though, I want to go back to a point that was made about five minutes ago by Darren, talking about how over Roman Reigns is in this particular era. You can go back about 30 years and you hear stories from Bret Hart, including in his book. He wrote about this a lot. Vince McMahon wanted to find someone that he could treat as a Babe Ruth of professional wrestling. Not necessarily your champion, but the guy that could get that kind of reaction as a special attraction of sorts. I'd argue Roman Reigns is that guy right now because he's not working every week. He's got in his contract to where he's working a limited number of dates and you don't know when you're going to see him next. So, Darren, when you talked about how they would use Hogan or how they would use Sam Martino, that's what came up to me. Because when Brett re-signed that massive 20-year contract, the intention was for Brett to wind up being that guy in the last five years of his deal. That never happened. And Vince never really got that guy until this version of Roman came along. And I just think that's a fascinating little quirk. Now, as far as this match goes, we know it's going to be good. We know Roman delivers the goods. Wasn't this two years ago the same exact yeah. match at Royal it, Rumble? It they had. was, but there's a big difference. Big difference is this is not 
a last man standing man. Because <laughs> that I was when Paul that. Heyman had to do that goofy, yeah. like the handcuff yes. spot. Horrible. Yeah. Just terrible. And it's one of those things where less is more. And if you're going to do a last man standing match, just hit someone really, really hard so they don't get up. Don't yeah. do the pile everything on top of the guy finish unless you're going to do it the way Roman and Brock did at SummerSlam where you go full-on cartoony spectacle and you move the ring with a, with a steamwork lift. Yeah, I was going to say. Exactly. <laughs> now, this match is going to be absolutely fantastic, but here's the problem. Ain't no way Owens is winning, and everybody knows it. So I don't think, think Sammy... I don't think it's about I don't even think it's about Owens. I think no, the story, I think the story is what does Sami Zayn do? Because when Roman on Monday story. Roman said your your next test is going to be at the Royal Rumble. Was he talking about this match and then the Rumble, right? Does he expect Sami to help him win the match and then have Sami right. go try to win the Rumble and if Sami can't do those that's where he's disappointed and we see Sami Roman cuz keep in mind the one big variable about all this the next pay-per-view, the Elimination Chamber, is in Montreal. And that's where Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens are from. So you figure they are going to play a big role in that show. But what makes this Rumble a little bit different and this match, Chad, is that we don't have the two titles anymore right now. We don't exactly know if the two titles on the men's side are going to come back anytime soon. Does Roman Reigns have two WrestleMania matches? One on night one, one on night two. Is there a way that they create a tournament for a new title? And that can be a totally separate thing they do at WrestleMania. There's a, it makes this year a little bit different because in years past, we've had the multiple titles to go to. Give us some, uh, uh, some thoughts on this match, Chad Roman versus KO. You know, we've had a lot of massive catchphrases in the WWE uh, throughout the years, but acknowledge me has become one of, you know, it's when like Sammy Austin says 316. It, when Sammy it, says it, just it I acknowledge you, <laughs> tribal chief. It gets me every time. Like, yeah. It just makes me smile. <laughs> yeah, not to, not to go back on the history of Roman Reigns, but, you know, it was the Royal Rumble, what, in 15 or 16 that Roman won it and the fans yeah, hated him. The too. Rock was there to, to, yeah. to try to put it him over. And he's... It, yeah, well, and what he's grown into... When he kind of got over for the Batista, first time, when they were right? they because they were, yeah. people wanted him over Batista, yeah, yeah. and then how funny the rumble yeah, has been it, for him, how it's flipped through the years, right? <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah and, and I agree with you guys. I think this match, unfortunately, because I'm a, a big KO fan uh, to the even the the Kevin Steen Ring of Honor days, but I, I think this match is is about Sammy. I, I think Sammy costs the match. It's going to be fantastic. I think a lot of false finishes. And, you know, just what do you do with Sammy? Uh, I, I agree. I, I think if you're going to, if you're looking for that next big star or not a big star, somebody that's going to go over clean on Roman at WrestleMania and he has to be one of those legit guys, it's Cody. I, I, I'm, I'm going to stick with Sammy winning the Royal Rumble, but, you know, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a, a hot now guy. Right. I, I, I'm with you, Gino. I, look, if, if somebody's hot right now, put the rocket. You're, this never gonna get, you're never going to get Sammy so back to where he is. man. Right? Like, I don't no, know it, if it's you too can hard. ever get Sammy it's just back too hard. to this point. You could probably get Cody and the back two, there. The, the, 
the unified titles, it, the unified title is just mind boggling because I, I think if it's just hurt now, do you guys think if Cody Rhodes doesn't get hurt, do you think he goes over Roman Reigns last year? Is that what we're saying? I don't know, but this match is going to be fantastic. Sammy's going to get involved. Uh, I just think that the, the unified title has just hurt raw so much that it's kind of like, eh, I, I, I just, I don't know what the plans are, but man, I, I I'd love to see Sammy Zayn get involved, but I, he, he's, he's not going to turn on Roman this, this soon. Not yet. So yeah. Cause I think Cody was sort of like the unofficial champ on raw. I and mean, then when he got hurt, it kind of, it definitely, you could yeah, feel the no, yeah. the no main event. Lashley champ. had it for a couple of weeks, right? Yeah. yeah a, a little bit less there too. So um, yeah, Roman Reigns. Well, what are we going to do with Roman Reigns for the main event title? And shout out to Kevin Owens. It was so cool a few weeks ago as we uh, head into the Rumble. And we'll, we'll uh, let's start with the Women's Royal Rumble. I, I was thinking about it. We had Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn in the main event of SmackDown on Friday night. And these are two guys that I called in a match in Monrovia, you know, like 10 years ago. The same two, El Generico against Kevin Steen when he had a mask on. It's like, can you imagine <laughs> seeing two guys who were in a room with 50 people in Monrovia, and now they have literally risen to the top of their field. Like, there, there's no bigger than the main event on Friday Night SmackDown when you're in this stuff with the bloodline, you're heading into the Rumble and WrestleMania, and these guys are as high-profile as they've ever been. Like, just so cool uh, to see uh, where Sammy and KO are right now as we head into the Women's Royal Rumble. So last year... They like did a weird thing where they announced almost all of the women before the rumble. Like, and they were doing it on social media. We were, we were like, what the hell's going on? They didn't give us very many surprises. They even announced Mickey James was going to be in there from impact with the impact title. And then this year, DZ, they've done the flat opposite. We have only seven women that are announced so far and a whole bunch of speculation. So right now, Liv Morgan, Candice LeRae, Rhea Ripley, Raquel, Shayna Baszler, Zelina Vega, and Emma and we'll kind of take a few of them apart uh one at uh, a couple at a time like of the of the top two Liv and Candice I I could see Liv having one of those long runs because she's mentioned it a couple times already that she wants to be number one she's been kind of leaning into this crazy um gimmick Liv had a moment with the title and she was she's been sort of around um the title picture for a while it was with, with Becky last year a little bit I don't think it's her time to win right now, but I could see Liv having a pretty good run. Um, Candice, and we'll talk about Johnny in, in a little bit, I don't think they've done a really fantastic job with either of them bringing them up and just kind of telling us who they are. They just seem kind of bland. We don't really know a whole lot about either one of them. Uh, talk to us about Liv and Candice. Give us your thoughts on those two. Yeah, I, I mean, Liv, you know, she got a huge moment when she won the title. Um, I think... Her her reign was up and down, probably a little more down than up. Um, you know, I, I agree. She's the type in here that could give you a long run. She's got a cool following. A lot of people like her, have a lot of respect for her, uh, enjoy uh, her work in the ring, her personality. So I could definitely see her getting a run. Candice LeRae, uh, since coming back, I, I agree, um, just kind of left me a little bit flat. I think she's kind of a bit of a place filler in this spot. She might yeah. get you know, a 12 to 15 minute, uh, you know, type of, uh, I could see like run, an eliminate her it. getting an elimination on someone to maybe yeah. like set up a little bit of a feud yeah, on raw or something. That's about it. Yeah. yeah. I just, I don't see too much. Andrew, what about these top two with Liv and Candice? I don't know, but all I know is 
this women's Royal Rumble cannot go worse for me in your pool than yeah. it did. Well, <laughs> I'm oh, let it go. <laughs> let it go. No, never. I will Just never. like Elsa said, let it go. Never. Let, let it, go. it go. Hey, who sang that song, guys? Adele Dazeem, I believe. Adele, Let's Adele keep Dazeem. it that way, please. Yeah, um, yeah so it, kidding aside, for those of you who do not uh, have not followed my various rants on this subject, Gino does a pool. Everybody gets three people. Last year, I got Molina, Cameron from the Funkadactyls, <laughs> Ivory. And I kid you not. When <laughs> Cameron from the Funkadactyls is just my all-time favorite one, though. Like, I'm, I, I'll that always tell amazing. Andrew, hey, you got the, Cameron the from the Funkadactyls. Well, the thing is, those two were both in the first half of the match. And I think I had something in the later teens. So I'm thinking, okay, at least I've got a shot. So you count down the rumble and then you were, eh, and then you hear the right to censor music with the alarm. <laughs> and I didn't know whether to laugh or cry. It was just my God. But anyway, going to this match, all I can tell you is the people that I have will not win. Having said that though, um, feel bad for Liv because she got put, in a pretty lousy situation when she cashed in and won the title because she was going to have to defend it against Ronda, and there was just no way to do that match You're to right, keep live hot yeah. while not completely burying the challenger. Right. It was a really They booked themselves into a corner a little bit. They did. Yep. And I applaud them for trying to make a new babyface star. I will never bis- disparage WWE for doing stuff like that, for trying with someone new. Liv still has a following, but she's sort of settled into that upper mid-card spot where you don't want to say she's filler in a match like this because she's going to get a reaction, but certainly not one of the, the top betting choices if you're interested in that sort of thing. And with Candice, it's, she's, she had that one moment when she came back that I thought they handled really well, but even then she did not get much of a reaction at all. So that's probably another space filler move on type of candidate. Koopa loop, uh, live like Andrew was hitting it perfectly. They, they, they were teasing her kind of like a heel turn for a little bit. They had her acting sort of like disingenuous. They've kind of leaned back into the baby face more, but she's she's going with this sort of crazy hardcore gimmick um, right now. What do you think? I mean, do you, could you see Liv winning or what's the ceiling for these two? No, uh, not Liv uh, or, or Candace. Like, you know what? Candace and Johnny were in the back. You could see them in the back on Monday Night Raw in the poker room uh, eating like some popcorn. That's what they've kind of uh, unfortunately have been designated to. Uh, poor Liv. I, you know, the one thing I've kind of missed on the Royal Rumble this year, and I, I, I can't remember if they've done it. They did it last year or not. We don't have a, a clear who's going in the number one spot role, right? Yeah, they, they used to do that. I like you know? when they, I like that that being an angle. Me to too. Kind of like, like either either one I think or AJ 30. got it one year. And I don't mind. I right, can understand right. why they don't want to give away thirty anymore because that's cool. Like that's a really fun surprise to not know who that last one is. But the number one or is is always kind of a fun angle that you can you can have. Um, so you're right. I am a little surprised that they haven't. Um, they haven't done that in any way, shape, or form. Had someone have to win or lose a match or, or something uh, along those lines. But I do expect Liv to have a pretty long run. Like she, fe- she seems like someone who I think they're pretty yes. confident in, and like she could be one of those. Hey, Liv is in at number one, two, or three, and lasts for thirty-five or forty minutes. You know, I could see her being final four or five. I just don't think she's yeah, going to win. I, I agree. Yeah. 
No, me neither. I think it would have helped her if one of the authority figures or she would just said, hey, I'm going to be one, number one. And we could have gotten behind that uh, a little bit more. But no, I, I, yeah. I don't think her or Candace have a shot. I, I hope Candace has a couple of good eliminations in it, though, to make her look strong because she's really, really good in the ring. DZ, now we get into a couple uh, legitimate contenders. I mean, Rhea Ripley, the way that she has been booked, it's it's been pretty incredible. It's like a total polar opposite of how it was when she came up initially. Rhea Ripley was so talented, had this great presence on NXT, fantastic in the ring, but then they brought her up, and it was almost like what happened with Roman Reigns when they were making him a babyface at the beginning. She's saying all these things that you're like, Rhea Ripley wouldn't say that. Like, there's words that she's speaking that didn't feel right. She wasn't even having the greatest matches with Asuka, and these two were, like, two of the best women's wrestlers. But they they figured something out, and with the Judgment Day, and she's, like, the leader of the Judgment Day, and everything she's been doing with Dominic Mysterio has been really entertaining. She has gotten herself over without even really wrestling matches in the women's division. And I think she legitimately is the favorite to win this thing. I think she would be a great choice. And I would love to see Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair at WrestleMania. So two things. Number one, I think she's the closest thing to a lock that we've had in a while. Yeah. Um, I, I, I just don't, yeah, I agree. I just don't, I just don't see anything, any reason for it not to be her based on everything that they've done with her character over the last three to four months. And this is where uh, predictable can be not bad at all. This should no. be, it, it should be her right now. Yep. Yep. I, I, no, completely agree. Completely. Like, you know, there's been times where, you know, Charlotte had to win because they didn't, you know, they kind of went back in that direction because they didn't really have anything good to go with. This is not one of those. Years. No, like they have something to do here. It makes plenty of sense. And in regards to what you were saying, where they were trying to force the, the baby face Rhea Ripley on everybody. I mean, look, keep it simple. Look at look at Rhea Ripley. Is there anything about her look that says baby face? Anything at all? No. She is a prototypical heel. She is tall. She's jacked. She's sexy as all hell. Yep. And she scares the shit out of it's, every guy I that know. she's in the ring with. And she <laughs> is a <laughs> typical heel. Just book her right, and they're finally getting it. And DZ, there have been some rumors that she could possibly pop up in the men's rumble, but I don't like. I I would like that if it don't wasn't just, no, a no. year where I want yeah. her to win this rumble. No, no, no. Like, <laughs> it's not the year to do that. No, this yeah, not you're the right. Year to do that in a yeah. different year where she's not the favorite to win the rumble, absolutely. Yeah. And then we could go back to having like in three years from now, it would be fun if her and Dominic have nothing going on to have her show up in the rumble and Dominic's in there. And like, you could just go back to something between the two of them. Yeah. But not, not right now. Like, yep, no, like agree. let's, let's let Rhea win the women's and, and go on. Andrew, do you feel that strongly about no. Rhea being a top contender in here? By the way, I was yes. just going to say, cause we, we had, we had talked about two, the other one being Raquel Rodriguez. I think oh, yeah. it's, I think there's a good chance that they might be the last two. I completely agree. I think yeah. Raquel should be a final four. She should get the diesel run. In the women's rumble, she should eliminate nice. five or yeah. five or so, right, and look and look pretty good. And I yep. think they've done an, an okay job with Raquel, like so far since bringing her up. Um, yeah, they they put her in the title feuds with Ronda a few times, but they've never buried her in any of those matches. They've made it seem like she could be someone that can win the title down the line. So Andrew, Rhea, and Raquel. Um, you mentioned Re Raquel Rodriguez getting the diesel run. Hopefully we mean the diesel from the mid-90s and not the Kevin Nash. <laughs> yes. 2011. 93 diesel, I'm thinking. That yeah, subconsciously right. led to Nash derailing the summer of punk for no good reason. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, just throwing that out there. Don't ask me how I remember, you know, that stuff and never remember why I went into the kitchen. But at any rate, yeah, I don't want to say Rhea is a lock, but it would certainly fit. And because Rhea hasn't necessarily wrestled all that much, all of these matchups with her are fresh. So there's a lot of logical reasons. That's a good point, too. Really strong in this particular match, not the least of which is she looks the part. Rhea Ripley and Raquel uh, Coop, we've been talking about them. And I I feel pretty, I feel really positively about the way both of these women have been booked, but it just, it feels like it's Rhea's time, right? Yeah, it it is. You know, Raquel got a nice little win. Was it last Friday or Friday before last? Overlive, you know, and yeah, it was all clean win. Overlive, a clean win. Um, I I think they're really high on her. She's a Texas native from South Texas, so there'll be a lot of pop for her. But yeah, it, it, you know, Rhea has has had. You know, we talk about the bloodline storyline. Gino, you and I have talked about the resurrection of the Judgment Day, which was is about as down Those and out as you could be right Those until she came aboard until and she turned that around and she's gotten all this heat without having to wrestle at all you know that's how good she is so yeah I, I, nothing's a lock in the wwe but i i i wish i could go against the grain here i i I'm, feel very strongly that she walks out the winner of the women's match we have uh, our next few. Shayna Baszler, someone, gosh, she was the favorite to win this thing a few years ago where we all felt like she was kind of a lock. And, uh, Boy, they, they've dropped the ball with her. Oh, I know. Gosh. And DZ, what, what I actually would like to see it right now, they have a real, they've done a crappy job with the women's tag division. I would just love to see Ronda and Shayna be a badass tag team and like run through people because they don't have anything to do. And if you don't, and actually would be a really good role for the two of them together. They could be like the mean, like bullies, like a different version of mean girls. And you don't have to have Rhonda out there in 15 minute matches all the time. If you think that that might be a weakness for her and Shayna's pretty solid in the ring. It just, I don't know if it was a Vince, not, not figuring her out or maybe not knowing, but you felt like there was so much meat on the bone left out there with someone like Shayna with Rhonda having been in like main event matches for a while. They, they never really got there. Yeah, I'm I'm surprised that they have not gone the the faction route, like that they haven't brought in, you know, Marina Shafir or, totally or Jessamine Duke, uh, and, and try to come up with because because I believe they were both in the performance center at one yep, point or another. They were, they were uh, yes, yeah, and, and and I'm just I'm just surprised that they haven't, you know, once you got through the whole title thing with Ronda, because look, look if Ronda doesn't have a belt and she's not involved in that story. What do you do with her? Like she's she's this larger than life persona figure celebrity. She's one of the biggest names that you have, and she's such a badass. You're not going to book her to lose to Candice LeRae. You know, no. I mean, it's just not. And that was just, that was what happened with Liv Morgan, right? You right. didn't even want her yeah. to lose to someone like Liv in exactly. a clean way. So, so I'm surprised that they haven't figured out a way to set up because you have her and Shayna. You haven't figured out a way to create some kind of a badass women's faction around the two of them. And maybe they still will. Or maybe that'll be one of the surprises at the Rumble this year. You know, wouldn't that be wonderful if, if those two actually showed up and formed the four horsewomen? You know, yeah. I mean, who knows? Or, like if those two were in the Rumble for a while together, wreaking havoc would be kind of cool, right? Yeah. Like Rhonda and Shayna. Because yeah. Rhonda's not listed, but I wonder if she's going to show up in here. Yeah, I wonder. I, I You know, it's hard to imagine. You know, you got to fill 23 more spots and... 
I don't know how many times you're going to go to the well and bringing back, you know, uh, Lita and Trish Stratus and whoever else. But, <laughs> Kelly, uh, Kelly. Kelly, Kelly. Kelly. Yeah. Sort of, I sort of figured they would just have <laughs> Charlotte and Ronda have a rematch at the Rumble, but after Ronda lost to Charlotte, we haven't heard from her again. Right. So they've kept her off TV for a few weeks. It'll be interesting, as um, we've mentioned, we're recording this on Tuesday night, so they still have Friday Night SmackDown to either announce or, or, or change anything. But, yeah, a little disappointing, Andrew, for, for Shayna, who came up. And she's another one. I called Shayna's matches in Las Vegas uh, and in Reno when she was on the Independence before she went over to NXT. And she had a really strong run in NXT. In fact, it's funny, in NXT, like – Bianca Belair couldn't beat Shayna Baszler. That was one of the storylines, you know, she couldn't get by her. And it's funny to think that Bianca is, you know, uh, how she's been treated in WWE versus someone like Shayna. If you want to see the women's wrestling version of Sting versus Vader, watch the matches between Shayna Baszler and Kyrie Sane from yeah, NXT. Those are good. Those were all so freaking good. And the problem with Shayna was she was a legit, honest-to-God badass in NXT when Triple H was running the show. Yeah. She went up to the main roster, and Vince McMahon, who has had many, many good ideas over the course of his career, had nothing, and I mean nothing, for Not Shane Baszler to do when she got there. Wait a minute. So you're telling me that her and Nia Jax was a waste of time? <laughs> yeah, just, just. Uh, Coop, I'm afraid I've got some bad news. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, she had that one elimination chamber run where she was the only person that made sense to go over and she looked like a legitimate killer. That was, yeah, that was a great match. She moved on to WrestleMania and then I think she got beat. Yep. Yeah. And she did. that was it. And that was, it's taken a while for Shayna to get rehabilitated to this point. I am not saying she is a lost cause. She is still an excellent worker with some legitimate appeal, but it sure seems like the time has passed. And if you want an excellent worker with legitimate beat you up appeal, Rhea Ripley's right there. Guys, she's 42 years old. And I didn't I know. know that. Yeah, and I think that was one of the things that may have hurt her is that, you know, she was already just a little bit older when she kind of came in. And some of these girls were so much younger that maybe they felt like, okay, we really want to put support and push the ones that may have a longer shelf life. But dang, she's she's got something unique too, where she has that like real legitimate badass feel to her. Yeah. And you can't really replicate that all that much. Hell, they've been trying to do it with Lacey Evans, Coop. And they, you know what I mean? They're trying to do uh, And she's them. still not announced for the Women's Royal Rumble, right? The less said about Lacey Evans, the better. My God. Oh, wait a minute. Wait now. That's a low blow. I like that, some Lacey Evans. Boo. The way they had her come out and she was like, I've had a harder life than all of you guys. So screw all of you. It was like the worst way to present a baby face with her. So our final two that are announced, we have Zelina and Emma uh, queen Zelina actually had some big moments last year. I've been a little bit disappointed with Emma that they brought back. She's just kind of been filler. They've had her with mad cat Moss. They're dating in real life. But um, I mean, these two just feel like I, I can't really even see long runs projected for either one of them. No, no, I agree. I do think Zelina's faction has got a little bit of steam to it. Um, yeah, Legato del Fantasma yes. is good. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. a little, I'm a little bit curious to see what they do with that going forward. I think there is 
some legs to it long term. But I think more no. so he could like Santos. Yes. I could see yeah. him having a nice like or like top three to like you know towards the end run and sort of like having some big moments throughout because I think they're pretty high on him. And in 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 the old days when you know you, he he would have fit the profile for me of an intercontinental champion type. Absolutely, guy. absolutely. Yeah. Um, um, but I think I think what they're doing with that faction is interesting. Like I said, but for purposes of this match, I mean, like you said, I, I don't think either of these are any type of a threat. Um, you know, they brought Emma back. Um, my son is very excited about that personally. But aside from that, yeah, I don't expect much from either of them in this match. Andrew, uh, Zelina, Emma, a couple long shots in here. Um, yeah, not, two, not these are two possibilities for Andrew's uh selection this year. <laughs> no, these are these are too good for Andrew. I was gonna say, yeah, they're too good for me. That's for sure. We need some, we need like the cat to come back. There you go. Um, let's let's have let's have the cat. Uh, let's have Tori, not Tori Wilson, Tori, the love interest of Kane. you. Gotta get you gotta get oh, San, wow. you gotta get Santina Morella. Santina. That's what you gotta get. Yeah. Yeah. Santina. Yeah, because Santino is under contract to TNA, but we don't know where Santina exactly. is. If you're right, exactly. she could turn up. Um, God, how horrible was Santina Morella? My that was God. just... Uh, yeah, and it, it came along way too late for us to not say, oh, we we didn't think this would be offensive. Da, 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 da. My God. Um, yeah, so... The, the, the thing that we can say about Zelina Vega for sure is that Malachi Black is a lucky, 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 lucky <laughs> human being. Uh, as far as the rumble goes, not so much. Koopaloop, anything to add with these two? No, no, yes. um, not at all. I, I think the more intriguing question here, and I, I assume that's probably what's next, is uh, who who is going to show up in the yep. Women's Royal Rumble? You know, there's so, a lot of good names out there. So uh, the next group is group... Uh, I could see any of these in, but I don't think any of them have a legitimate chance. And we'll go around the. And if anyone disagrees on these names, let me know. So DZ, I could see EO, Dakota, B Fab from Hit Row, Scarlet, we saw in the ring the other day, Dana Brooke, Maxine Dupree, Mia Yim. They've been referring to her as Mi Chin recently, but she's still <clears throat> Mia Yim on the, uh, on the WWE roster page. Sonya Deville, Shotzi, Tegan Knox, Tamina, Zaya Lee, Valhalla. Those are all on the roster. We've seen them recently. We've heard about them. They're not announced. I could see any or all of them being in the match, but I don't think any of them would have a legitimate chance to win. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I think, you know, out of the ones that, you know, that you that haven't mentioned that that have a chance would be like a Becky Lynch or a Bailey. Yeah, those would be you the know. two and then like the next group of like yeah. could win, haven't been announced, yeah. but like I don't um of, of those who we mentioned again, uh Andrew, like all of those kind of you know, B Fab, Scarlet, EO, Dakota, Dana, Maxine, Mia Yim, Sonia, Shotzi, Tegan, Tamina, Zaya, Valhalla, Co- uh, uh Andrew, and then Coop. A-, a thought or two on that group. Yeah, I don't see any of them winning, though. I could see the damage control members going on a little bit of a run there. Bailey, that's a good point. Yeah, Yeah. I could see EO and and Dakota having a long run there. And we mentioned Becky and Bailey. Wouldn't be surprised if one of them is one or two and gets the long run. But as far as winning this match, that the, the list that you just mentioned really drives home the point. Look, WWE has several big stars in the women's division. There's a lot of mid-card to lower mid-card talent that they got to move up. 
I know they've got to treat yeah. them a little bit better. There's that gap in between like the top five and or that's six why women. I will not yell at them for pushing Liv Morgan, even no. if that didn't 100% work. You got to do that. And sometimes it'll work better than others. And she was the type of that person that you have to push because she's and improved she's a whole lot. going to have a name value there. It's not like that totally missed. It's no, just, I agree. You picked the wrong time for her to cash in. And, and the wrong opponent. That to look yes, good. the wrong yes. opponent. Yeah, it and she wrong. seems she seems better to be the, the one chasing a title yep. than the underdog to the one with the title. Liv could have a really fun feud with Rhea Ripley when Rhea's the heel champ yes. in a few months. Because yes. they, they were a team before. They could lean back into how they were a tag team and they were together. That could just be a fun thing for Rhea where she could beat someone and you know that Liv's probably not going to beat her, but they have a... a know some sort of a, a storyline already there so coop out of all of them that we mentioned i think becky and bailey like becky's the type of 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 girl who if they want to go in a different direction or maybe they want to have Rhea do something at the elimination chamber they could always go to becky and you could slot becky in anywhere you want but i'm kind of curious right now like i don't know if they're going to have becky wrestle for a title at wrestlemania i think she'll have a big match I could absolutely. Man, she's you know, gonna. Yeah. She, I mean, it feels like she's gonna wrestle Bailey, doesn't it? Right. Yeah. yeah like this it, is this is a head scratcher, especially after Monday. I know there's rumors that the opening segment went long, but if she wins the Royal Rumble, does uh, does does the fans turn on her like they kind of did Roman when he won it? I, I just don't know if it's the time for her to win. Um, as the great what, Corey Graves says, there's nobody meaner than Tamina. I would yeah. like to see her get a couple of, you know, that's good your girl, Tamina. But that's, that's who's my, you know, if, if I do get it, uh, Andrew and DZ, if I do get invited into Gino's, uh, let's not forget, uh, my picks were no good either, right? I had Tamina as my first pick <laughs> last year, I believe. You have someone uh, that was actively under contract. Shut up. That's a good point. That's a that good point. True. But, I just, I just think if Becky wins, this puts her in a bad position. That was real weird Monday night. I didn't like how that came off. Um, well, I, I felt a I, lot I just less don't. that Becky was going to win since Ronda lost. Like if Ronda was still the champ right now, I could absolutely That's a good point. see. That's a good point. Because all along, I thought they were going to get to Becky as a babyface Becky against the heel Ronda. Because I felt like that's it's where they wanted to go the last couple of years. But now, if Ronda's not going to be there. Or maybe they have a Becky Ronda not for the title, and you can have whoever wins, you know, someone against Charlotte for the title, Rhea, Bianca there. But yeah, um, Becky's the one that's that's very interesting because if she's in this thing, she's going to be there at the end, I think, yeah. like Roman, yeah. because you at least have the the thought and the belief that she could win the match. So yeah. I'd imagine Becky Lynch, a major player in here. The next, but tier. you know what, you know, Gino, hold on. You know what oh, yeah. Andrew said is true. I, wouldn't you mind seeing a mid card and we'll get to some NXT uh, uh, superstars here in just a minute, but wouldn't this be a good time for a mid Carter or someone NXT caliber to get an elimination of a Bailey or a Becky in this match? Yeah. Yeah. I think. And because you, with the women too, we're talking about with the two different titles, you can always be a little bit, um, you don't have to worry quite as much as like in the men's rumble this year, where if it's not Sammy or Cody or whoever, like they won't feel like they have a legitimate chance against the Roman reigns. You do have the multiple titles here. So maybe you don't like, you can put someone in with Charlotte. They could either win or lose. You could put someone in with Bianca, but yeah, I don't know. I, I doesn't feel like the moment for Becky either. Like Becky can yeah. has won rumbles and can win rumbles again. And they can find a way to get Becky into the title picture any way they need the, uh, the next tier are all people 
that haven't been around for a while, but I could absolutely see them in this match. Again, I just don't think any one of them can win this match, though. Uh, and that group, DZ, is Aaliyah, Carmella, Dewdrop, who I would love to see her changed back to Piper Niven. Uh, Lacey, <laughs> Lacey Evans and Nikki Cross, who we saw a tease of Nikki Cross on Raw. We saw Lacey Evans. They've been showing some vignettes for her. Uh, Natalia and Mako Satomura was someone who I could see. They had uh, do some stuff at NXT. She's a legend. Um, it's been all over the world and she could be someone that could have a surprise pop. A lot of the women love working with her. Um, they looked up to her when they were young. Those are all people who I could see showing up in here that are kind of related, but they're not like main, uh, their main roster or, or WWE on the roster, but they're not quite main event type talent. Like, I don't think I could see any of them winning. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, there's certainly a couple interesting storylines and in, in, in a couple interesting angles in, in the list that you just put out there. But uh, no, I mean, I, that's why, see, that's why I keep coming back to, to, to Rhea because it's, it's at the point where you go through all these names and on the women's side of things, it's like, well, who, who are you firing up here out of nowhere? Yeah. You know, and, and you, it, it's the very same cast of characters that you always have. And you have the one obvious choice. And I just think that it has to be the obvious choice. Andrew, uh, anything in that little group? I think Lacey and Nikki would probably be the most high profile of them. Natty, obviously, is someone that they've always loved. But it just, it, I don't know, it just doesn't feel like the moment for any of them. Smells like mid-card. Move yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, Loop, anything to add for that group? I, I think I think Carmella gets a nice pop if she's ready to return. Just to some of the personal stuff that she's went through. Um, I, I, you know, I know she's been a, you know, a world champion. Uh, what have you? Have we mentioned? And maybe so. Have we mentioned Asuka? Does she not? No, uh, no. that's that was on my next my like okay. my next group. Yeah, she. Uh, she uh, this has got to be where she shows back up, right? Because I think they just kind of kept to her be. off. I would hope so. Yeah. And she would be amazing. Like, I don't think she wins, but Asuka should be like a final four if she's in the match. She's still over, man. She's still over. Everything she does, she gets a great reaction. She could be a number two if they're not ready to give it to Rhea. Asuka, Asuka, let's not forget how good she really is. That's That's a nice point. If they, for some reason, just want, they don't have anything big those Oscar Charlotte matches have always been awesome. And they know they could go back to, to one of those. And that would, that would be a really good match. The, um, the next one, DZ, this would be awesome. Mandy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean that, that, if they, if they pulled that off where she could, you bring her back and then have her win the freaking rumble. Oh. Well, if this has been if this has been a work the whole time and they pulled that off, I would just yeah. They would they would have they would have swerved they would have swerved everybody. If that if she shows up, that that would be remarkable. Um I don't expect it, but crazier things have happened, I suppose. Um, yeah. One thing while we're on the topic of this, uh if you haven't seen the segment that Toxic Attraction did on NXT tonight, yeah, go look. Yeah, it's okay, absolutely good. awesome. And That's while good. Mandy getting kicked out for all of that stuff put them in a bad position, they're making the most of this. 
and I would not be at all surprised to see one or both of them. I was just going to say. On Saturday. Oh, yeah. That'd yeah. They've done very well from what they've had. Gino and I have talked about this. Yeah. I, I think they've done a pretty good job for what, what was given to them. They after have made Mandy. chicken salad out of chicken. Hmm. Yeah. 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 And both Gigi and JC could pop up in this Royal Rumble. And that's sort of. Yeah. You, you, you've got a good crop of NXE superstars that are waiting to yep. come up. Could you see so, Cora? Rox maybe Tiffany, Roxanne, Zoe. Yep. They're in all, this. They're all in this group. Coop, Alba Fire, Roxanne, Cora Jade. Indy Hartwell has the ties with uh Dexter Loomis and with Candace and with Johnny. We could see something along those lines. Um, these are all people I don't think could win, obviously, but like Chance sure. and Carter are the uh, tag team champs. Kiana James, Fallon Henry, Lyra, Valkyra, someone they just brought up that, that you could tell they're pretty high on her because they've sort of inserted her towards the top of the women's division. Um, yeah, oh, oh, but the Zoe Stark. And then the one for sure, Coop, I think, is Sol Ruka because they, they yeah. had her do that spot on NXT a few weeks ago. That was like the Kofi Kingston spot in the Rumble. She is incredibly athletic. I, I would expect her to show up and do a cool spot, actually. Yeah, and, and uh, I, I haven't watched NXT, which I will, and I can't wait to see the Toxic Attraction uh, segment. I, I, I think Tiffany Stratton has made just uh, some some – Really nice strides to improve yes. in the ring. Now, I, I think, uh, as Jerry the King Lawler would say, the puppies, um, for some reason, look like they're uh, barking a little bit more after she came back from an injury. But she's really good, man. I think she's improved. Uh, she was really, really green, didn't really have a wrestling background. I would like to see her. And if I'm going to pick somebody that it's, you know, there's going to be a couple of debuts, right? Is there going to be a couple? Do we see Mickey James, who just won the Impact Knockouts champion uh, again? Do we see her? I think we see Chelsea Green again. Oh, yeah, that's a great I, point because that's Matt Cardona's, I, I think, yeah, Matt Cardona's yeah. wife, and they've both been reported to be coming back here possibly. I, I, I think she I think she has for sure. I don't know what kind of reaction she gets, but I, I think with, with all the NXT talent and a couple of surprises, I think this is uh, going to be one of the better women's Royal Rumbles that we've seen uh, since it started over the last couple of years. How about, think, Brand how about Brandy Rhodes? Yeah. That's, that, you know, I have that in my notes. Yeah. But, but she would get a pop. People sure. would know who she was. Um, I, she wouldn't win or anything, and she's not great. But you know what? I actually wouldn't mind her being in a Rumble, right? Yes. Because if you're looking for people and we're talking about it, like it's not as if there are all these women that they're going to be, Oh, they should have gotten a spot instead of Brandy. And as long as she's just in there for a little bit, she gets one elimination and then she gets thrown out. Like I wouldn't mind. I just, Andrew, I kind of where you're going. Like, I don't want to see Brandy ever in a title match or anything no. like that. Right. No. Um, there are two potential ideas for surprises that we haven't talked about yet. One of them sort of out of left field. Uh, first of all, congratulations to the artist formerly known as Peyton Royce. She and Sean Spears had yeah. Uh, yeah. a couple of days ago. Billy Kay popped up on an Up, Up, Down, Down video a couple of months back. She's still, at the very least, being kept in the universe a little bit. Sure. I wouldn't be surprised if we see her come back at some point. And the other one that we're all sort of expecting will be back at some point, Naomi. 100 percent yeah she was in that yeah. group with sasha naomi i mean sasha obviously debuted for uh new japan but the new japan i don't know what their contracts are quite like but i think that we've obviously seen some flexibility like 
Carl Anderson was on the Wrestle Kingdom show. <laughs> um, so, so they've opened up like the way that like working together just a little bit more than they used to. Um, and Nakamura wrestled in Japan recently in uh, well, like the final tour for the Great Muda. So that finish, by the way, if you good. haven't seen that finish, it's genius. Now, um, Naomi would be a, a fun one. So we're pretty much down now to like is there, I, any, is there any chance that Thunder Rosa shows up after losing to Mickey James? Oh I don't know her I don't know her contract situation. You mean Thunder Rosa from AEW? AEW. I don't oh, think so. I'm, I'm sorry, not I'm sorry. I, I well yeah, I guess. I guess you're right. Yeah. Yeah, because it was um uh, or, or no, Perazzo is the girl you were thinking about, right? I think no, Perazzo, excuse me. Perrazzo. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. I, I would yeah, love to. I'd love to yes. see the Virtuosa 100. Yes. She's a, right. She's a star. And I will say, there are some women in Impact over the last couple of years. If, if you haven't been paying attention, the women like Impact women's division is like 10 times better than the AEW women's division. What, they and are now they just got even better. Steph, they Delander, she just signed. She's really, really good. Yeah, so they have some strong women over there. I can yeah, see I some. Yeah, I just of... don't. I just don't know because Peraza got released from WWE about two and a half years ago. So I don't know if what their it was nasty. Is. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was nasty. So that's a good point. Um, uh, we can all, by the way, safely assume that uh, WWE will never go knocking on the Tessa Blanchard door, right? Yeah. yeah so no, one hundred percent. How about, how about Nia Jax? Yeah. We bring him back, Nia Jax again. Yeah, yeah, yeah Nia. Um, the ones that we didn't, I guess Nikita Lyons would be with that group on NXT. Yeah. Um, yeah. She was someone who was really hot and they kind of cooled off on her a little bit recently. I think she's got, she's had some injuries and I think she's she got still a little, hurt some time. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think she's still a little green in the ring. Like when you watch some of her longer matches, she's got some good spots here and there, but I think she still has a tough time kind of putting it all together. Um, but she's kind of fun because she has a unique look and a good presence and just kind of a different vibe to her um, than a lot of the other women. Obviously, one uh, one lady who was super impressive last year at the Royal Rumble was Maurice. We could definitely see Maurice pop back up here. Um, and then the other uh, legends that were on that list, Trish Stratus, Lita, and Maurice. I mean, I, I think Trish and Lita, we, we usually see them Beth pop back. Phoenix, what about Beth maybe? Phoenix? Yeah, and, Beth and Phoenix Beth, maybe. Beth, I was pr- I'm pretty sure she probably will be in it from like the way things ended with her and Edge. And I, I, we'll talk about Edge too. I expect Edge to show up in the Royal Rumble. So, yeah, I mean – I guess, like, if you were going to do something crazy, someone like a Trish or a Lita could be, like, a super outside chance of winning this thing, DZ, if they wanted to have them wrestle against a Charlotte or a Bianca at WrestleMania in, like, a legend versus a current. Yeah, well, they did that uh, They did that with... Uh, with Lita, with right? Trish and, uh, Trish, I was going to say Trish, Trish and, and Charlotte, Charlotte. And then Charlotte, Lita yeah. and Becky. Um, yeah. yeah, I could see uh, that. So, I, maybe... I think see that. Though I will say those two, I feel like they have a better chance than maybe any any women in this match, but like three of them. Even if you give them like the <laughs> even if you give them like the Mister Perfect spot from like when was that two thousand three where he made it to like the final four. It was either like, 02 or oh three, yeah. yeah, yeah, you know something like that. Yeah, I mean where it's like you don't really think they're gonna win, but the more people keep getting eliminated and they're still there and they're you know being a focal part of what's going on and. You start to like kind of buy into, well, maybe they're going to do something here. It's kind of you know? like when Randy Orton yeah. wins, you know? Yeah, pretty like you're much. Like, yeah. You're like, oh, he's there. And then when he wins, you're like, oh, yeah, Randy Orton does make sense. He's just steady <laughs> yeah, in there. Yeah. It's like, it's just, it's yeah. one of those that you go back to. Yeah. Um, 
Andrew, of all that we've mentioned, Kyrie Sane would be another one who is in, involved in a feud actually with Sasha. They're going to have a match up by uh, up in your neck of the woods uh, coming up in, in just a few weeks, I believe. But I mean, I think we've gone through like all of the like uh, most of the legitimate names that can be tossed out there. Um, anything else that you can think or uh, or wrap your head around? I mean, there's always room for an Alundra Blaze surprise appearance at some. She was Junk playing Church. poker the other night, right? Yeah, <laughs> she was. Um, she had that title. So. Uh, by the way, you mentioned that match, and I will be missing that match, but for a very, very good reason. That show is on February 18th in San Jose, which is about an hour from where I live up here in uh, Lafayette, just outside of Oakland. I'm going to be flying to Hawaii that morning. Not bad. I, uh, <laughs> I, I might see a couple of the New Japan planes flying over. I'll try to wave if I see them, uh, but... Yeah, that's if you're gonna miss that kind of an event, that's a darn good reason. Good reason. By, by the way, it has been 81 and sunny in Honolulu every day for the last three weeks. I have the weather forecast on my phone to get myself excited. It's, it's been 81 and sunny every day in Honolulu for the last 360 years. Say, every day, every every. <laughs> Isn't yeah, it why, wonderful? Yeah, that's, that's why we're heading out there, Koopa Loop. Give us uh, any final thoughts or any other possible surprises that you can think. You've mentioned a few good ones. No, I, I think we're we're all in agreement that Sasha Banks does not show up, right? No, uh, I, no, I just, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I don't, I don't see that happening. No, I, no. I, I had some notes here. I like, I like Naomi being here. I, I think with so many NXT superstars, with a couple of legends that can still go. I, I just, I, I, I'm looking really, really forward to to the women's match, probably more than the men's. Uh, but I expect some good spots here, man. So that is the Women's Royal Rumble. Let's turn the page to the Men's Royal Rumble. We've had 15 of the 30 entrants announced so far, DZ, and we kick it off. It, it's, it's funny because usually in years past, it's been as simple as like the first guy to announce that they were going to enter the Royal Rumble would be like <laughs> the person that would end up winning. But this year was funny because Kofi announces like a month before anybody else even says anything. And it was almost like a forgotten about thing. Like Kofi is one of the NXT tag team champions right now, which is pretty hilarious. So I, I, one year he could have one of these, like if they wanted to for like, you know, when they had two champions, it would be great to see Kofi actually get a run and maybe get rewarded for like all the work he's done in these rumbles through the years. But man, if he, if you weren't around during that Kofi mania run, you might not believe it anymore. He just is, he's always felt like that middle of the car type guy. And then he had that one run that was so fantastic. And then right after they have him lose to Brock, he just, he hasn't been back up in that, that main event, even when Big E had the title, you felt like it could have been a, a perfect spot for them to do something with the New Day, but they never really did. I, I just Kofi seems like the great company guy that they love, but I just don't think they ever see him really as main event guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, with you know, it's kind of like the Miz. Like he had that one run as a main yep. event guy, and kind of been an intercontinental guy and a TV segment guy and a fun story guy in you know mixed tag matches with his wife or facing you know, the celebrity that comes in. So, yeah, I mean, look, there could be a time where Kofi gets a run in a rumble um, to set up what you were describing. This is not the year for that, though. But I do look forward to seeing if he comes up with a new way to almost get eliminated, but not yeah. quite. Yeah. <laughs> Can I bring up the spot that I am stunned they have not done yet? Please. 
You guys remember one of the first Royal Rumbles? The first two guys out were Axe and Smash. Oh, yeah, the tag team. And they oh, had the yeah. music play twice. Yeah. Well, what if, this is just a nice little what if, and this is possible because there's a chance this guy may be coming back if he gets cleared. What if Kofi is number one and number two, you hear an unusually reluctant Big E going into the microphone saying, uh, San Antonio? <laughs> yeah, that would be kind of funny. That would be funny. And then you can tell the story of them teasing dissension, and then Woods runs in at about eight or nine, unites everybody, and then you have somebody clear the ring. But I am stunned they have not done that with that tag team at any point in any Royal Rumble that they've been part of because they've been a team for going on 10 years now and you don't know how much longer that's going to be an option. What yeah. with Biggie's neck and also the fact Kofi and Xavier Woods are not kids anymore. No, they got some bumps. No, on it the seems like, part. yeah. And I think Xavier's kind of been riddled with uh, an injury here over the last couple of weeks. Well, like, I have been down in NXT. Yeah, they're working with the younger guys. It's a different phase, and you wonder how much longer they're going to be able to do that. Also, with all of the stuff Woods does in content creation with video games and whatnot, if he ever decides he doesn't want to be a wrestler anymore, he's, he's going to be fine. Yeah. Yeah, and so I get it's it's good to talk about all of the New Day right here, uh, Coop, because, yeah, Woods isn't listed. I think if he's clear, he's absolutely someone who could show up in the Rumble and be filler. And, you know, he had a, a nice little uh, run as the king last year. That was one of the more high-profile runs he's had. And then Big E would be someone, obviously, who would get a huge pop, would be a big surprise. And, gosh, it was a it was last year where we were like, maybe Big E could win because he had just had the title taken off him and he had a really disappointing and, like, like unenthusiastic exit from the Rumble. He just – it was like nothing – um, Big E would be a great surprise. What about the New Day, Coop? Yeah, I had Big E down. Uh, Kofi, you know, uh, th this guy has just been a – you talk about a, a phenomenal company guy. He, he has been uh, – he, he's the poster boy for that. Um, yeah, I, I think they've, they've probably ran out of time for him as a main eventer. He, I, I expect a lot of great spots from him. Um, you talk about somebody that, that could get pop. Uh, coming out in the Royal Rumble, we know Cody will, but man, if Biggie is cleared and and he does that entrance, uh, the Alamo Dome will just go ballistic. I, I would you talk about a feel good story. Uh, this is the guy who could have the opportunity if if cleared and healed to come in and steal this whole thing. Yeah, and Biggie would be a guy that could like if you were. Again, if Big E is healthy and everything, you don't have a story that's told, but you could tell a story to make Big E be a guy to beat Roman Reigns, and I'd actually feel okay, I'd feel okay about Big E maybe being that guy with the way it is, and, and if he's healthy and he has a little bit of a future, he's been a company guy, but we don't know the health of Big E, and unfortunately, the last time when they gave him the title, it wasn't a very good run. Like, they gave it's him hard. the title. And yeah, they, it's, it, hard, it's all man. about the moment, and they just couldn't get past that. They didn't now, have any opponents for him, and that's part no. of a lot of the problems Vince has had in trying to make new baby faces. And you can go back through the years, all the way back to Warrior, when they gave him the belt. Yes, the WrestleMania 6 match, spectacular. They had nobody for him to face. 
if yep. you go back to Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania 30. Well, it was always he, Kane. It was always well, Kane. <laughs> on a serious note, though, as funny as that is, we remember Daniel Bryan opening and closing WrestleMania 30, and that was fantastic as it should have been. The title reign itself was a flop. And Ooh, big you, flop. Good point. And, yep. And then you look at Big E, who everyone was rooting for. New guy, big guy that could move. Everybody, Everybody. Um, But they just didn't have anybody lined up for him, and it didn't work. Same thing with Kofi, really. They had that feud with Orton where he had a couple of good matches, but that program never did as much as it should have. And then poor Kofi got sacrificed to Brock Lesnar in 11 Ugh. seconds on the first SmackDown on Fox broadcast, and everything was over. Um, it's one of those things that if you're trying to build up a babyface to be that guy, you'd better have guys for that guy to go against. The uh, next few, I, I think I kind of treat these two as like mirror images on the babyface and heel side. I actually really love what they've been doing with Ricochet lately, DZ. I think he's been being treated um, as best as he has since he's been in on the main roster. He's been in around that IC title picture. He got a win over Braun Strowman. It's kind of a roll him up win, but that was still good. He's not losing random matches out there on TV all the time. He seems a little bit more comfortable. He seems like he's um, he's got a better presence on the microphone. And I really like Santos Escobar. Actually, these two guys had some fun matches in Lucha Underground together, yeah, uh, the, two, yeah. the two of them. I could see the both of them having these like early, long runs throughout the match because they're fantastic workers. Like They're great to, to have a spot with like everyone that comes in throughout the match. I'd love a long run for both of these guys in this match to help get them over kind of naturally, both Santos Escobar and Ricochet. I don't think either can win or either should win, but if you told me one of these two guys was in the final five or so, I think that could be a good spot for them to set up a feud along the way, pick up some eliminations, and just get themselves over. Yeah, I agree. I mean, R Ricochet has been heated up before. Um, you know, when he came out of NXT, you know, he had a, he had almost a rocket uh, attached to him and just organically and, you know, WWE, as they so often do with NXT call-ups, just couldn't find the right spots for him. They would heat him up with the U.S. title, Intercontinental title run, kind of go up and down. You're right. Been a little bit of a different version of him lately, a little bit of a different look. Uh, it's worked. Uh, he was originally supposed to be in the ladder match at that uh, live show at the Garden after Christmas, and I actually thought that there was a chance that he was winning that. And then because they do, they do those titles, those mid card title switches sometimes at that event. And I thought yep. there was a chance Ricochet was going to win that ladder match, but then he uh, got hurt and he needed the stitches in his head and he didn't compete in it. Um, yeah. I, I, I agree with you completely. These are both candidates to come in early, have a couple of wild and crazy memorable spots, get good long runs. I don't think either of them are a threat though, to, uh, to win. Andrew. Talk to us about these two. You were a big Lucha Underground fan, right? They were Prince Puma and uh, King Cuero, Cuero, the hunter. Yeah. Uh, Cuero, yes. yeah. Um, first of all, if you haven't seen their Lucha Underground stuff, you don't need to worry too much about season four. They took an inexplicable break in the middle of season three that killed all of their momentum. But if you find seasons one through three somewhere out there, take some time and watch. Lucha Underground was so far ahead of its time. So cool. Uh, it's good to see Ricochet getting some momentum. 
when Paul Heyman was the head writer for Raw, Ricochet was one of the guys that he really took an interest in and mm-hmm. really wanted to push. So much so that in, I believe it was 2020 when Brock Lesnar entered at number one, there were two guys in the ring with Brock Lesnar when he got knocked out. One was Drew McIntyre. The other was Ricochet. Yeah, yeah, that's a good that's a good pull. It's yeah. good to see Ricochet getting a little bit of shine. Is he ever going to be a world championship level guy? Probably not. But it's good to see consistent booking there. That's all we he, want is consistency, right? You know, where, where he is right now is he's at the level where now he could get caught up in something accidentally like Sami Zayn has. Exactly, right? yeah. Like that's, that's the level where he is where he's good enough, he's put himself on TV enough to where if the right storyline came along and he was in it, the crowd would get behind him and you could see him elevated from like the middle of the card to have a cup of coffee in the main event level, right? Because he can do it in the ring. We're never going to worry about his match quality. It's just, do we believe it? Do we believe he's a guy that can go out and beat a Roman Reigns or a Brock Lesnar or that type of a Drew McIntyre even, right? Someone at that level. Right, for sure. Uh, As far as Santos Escobar goes, they're doing good work with him. I just don't see it yet. Uh, But those two guys, you put them in the ring together, you're going to get something pretty special. Koopaloop, give us some thoughts on these two. Yeah, agree. I don't have anything other to say that these are the type of workers, though, that really make this match, uh, this this style of match worthwhile. They're your thankless workers. They're going to have so many great spots. And for this to be probably, what, a 60, 65-minute match, these type of superstars right here are what make the Royal Rumble each each year. And I'm excited about Santos because I, too – was a big Lucha Underground star, a big, big fan of that. I love, oh man, Chelsea Green, uh, uh, you name it. They, they, they had some really good stuff working there, but guys like this are what make this match, uh, enjoyable. Now the next guy, uh, Austin theory, they've done a really good job recently with him. This guy was the money in the bank winner, but they kind of booked themselves into a corner with that. They, they put the money in the bank on a guy in a situation where nobody felt like they could beat Roman Reigns, like even, even on a cash in. So they strip the money in the bank. He loses it. He tries to cash in for the United States championship, which was just wonky all, all around. But since then they've done some pretty good rehab on Austin theory. He feels this is the best version of Austin theory right now. I think that we've seen, but DZ we've seen, I'll mention Theory and Lashley first together, and then we can come back to Seth, because those two have been, they've all really been in the U.S. title picture. But I think of the three of them, like Seth actually has a case, and you could very easily tell a story with Seth and with Roman versus Austin and Lashley. I could see both of them having nice runs. I could see both of them being down into the final four with Seth because they've been feuding with him. But I don't think either an Austin Theory or a Bobby Lashley has a legitimate chance to win. I don't think they do, but um, they're they're big enough profile right now where you can convince some people that they belong in that picture. You're not going um, in, in the in the rumble pool when they come out. You're not going. Oh my god, just rip my number up. You're right? not <laughs> going every right. year. Yeah, yeah. You, I mean, I don't think. Like listen, it. I don't think Austin Theory with the U.S. title is winning the Royal Rumble. I think, I think, I, I think Bobby Lashley has a better chance than Theory just because he doesn't hold the belt right now. Man, um, I'm opposite. We finally disagree. I think Theory has a better chance. I think that kid's on fire right now. 
I, well, he he is, but I, I just I I would be a, I would be very surprised if the U.S. champion won a Royal Rumble. I just I, 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 I agree, and I don't think yeah. he made of it. So, man, he's such a good slime ball heel right now. And he's no, been he the, he's done the champ is here thing a few times to tease to where maybe they do go to the Cena route. Oh yeah, for sure, right. for sure. Like, but that's why. But but that's why for me he's a less likely winner. Like winner. you just said, he's a slime ball heel. How would that fit into challenging Roman Reigns? Right, like a yeah. slime ball heel doesn't seem to fit the. And he profile. doesn't have the crew, right? Like he would. Right. I could see him being good with you know in a in six months having a a valet. You know what I mean? Like a, another right. guy. To now help Gino, him. he's one. He had the money in the bank briefcase, and they took it from the poor kid. Right. Yeah. They took yeah. it from the poor kid. I don't know. I think. Yeah. I just think he's doing really, really well. I agree. A lot and of I, these NXT. A lot of these NXT call-ups do not do very well. He has done very well. Remember the 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 egg and the Vince McMahon gimmick that, oh, that yeah, we were dealing with? Man. That could have really went real south for his main roster career. And I think it shows that he's got talent because he was able to turn this around pretty quickly here. Um, Andrew, Theory, and Lashley, give us some thoughts on those two. I had almost forgotten about the debacle with the egg. with the egg, <laughs> <laughs> and, and now I'm, I'm emotionally scarred, and it's going to take me a while to, to move on it and move past that. But yeah, that's why I, I mean, get invited to these things for these yes. bad reminders, Andrew. Yes, you you must be a real joy at parties, Coop. Um, <laughs> but no, as, as far as this goes, I mean. These are two guys that are going to make reasonable runs in the Rumble, but they're being earmarked for other things, uh, especially down the line. I mean, you look at Lashley, do we get a Lesnar match at some point? You look at Theory, do we get a Cena match at some point? It wouldn't be shocking if one one of those two was in the final four or thereabouts, but it would be pretty shocking if one of them won. DZ, we haven't gotten a Roman versus Seth WrestleMania match one-on-one with those two guys. We had Seth Rollins cash in when Roman was facing Brock. And then last year at the Royal Rumble, Seth and Roman have a great match. Seth came out to the Shield music, and that was so good. To screw his head, and the build-up to that match was very good. And then since then, Seth Rollins has naturally become a babyface. And he's probably the most over as a baby face that Seth Rollins has ever been right now with the crowd singing his name. If this was a year where you didn't have the bloodline storyline and you didn't have the Cody Rhodes return, I mean, I could absolutely see it being Seth right now because he's over. He's hot. He's on a really good trajectory right now. But I think you probably just have a couple slightly better stories to tell at this moment than you would with Seth Rollins. I expect him to be a final four guy in this match and maybe like the final two in this match. Well, l- let me put it number one to comment on what you said about him being the best babyface version of himself. That's because for the first time, he's not out there doing the cheesy ho hum babyface lines. You're right. He, th- this has been, he's still acting like his that kind of weird heel-ish. self with the, you know, the, the kind of like, uh, eccentric personality with the weird laugh and the the throwing the hands up in the air and dancing thing like his personality has not really changed all that much no from when he was a heel they just love the character you know and that's that's an organic baby face he's not out there giving his cheesy 
all American babyface line. I'm which, the company guy, which sometimes yes. gets like cringy, right? But he's he's yeah. stepped up a couple yeah. times and had some really nice promos in ring just yes. a few weeks ago. Yeah, he yeah. talked about how like I am the main event, right? Yeah. Like I am the measuring stick. And those yeah. are things that I actually like hearing, but you don't want to you don't want to Cena it, right? You don't want right. to have that be like hustle loyalty respect all the time. Right, exactly. And 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 to your other point about you know, another year. Well, I agree. Uh, it doesn't seem like the natural fit. However, if you decide that, yeah, eventually we're going to have Cody be the guy go over, but having him come back from injury and the first time we see him is in the Royal Rumble and having him win the Royal Rumble and then come back two months later and knock off the guy that hasn't lost in 37 years, it's too quick. Yeah. We're not ready to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're not uh -huh. ready to do that right now. So if they say that, and then if they say, is it really believable that Sami Zayn is going to beat Roman Reigns? I don't know. Like if they go that route where they say that's not believable, or, or maybe right now. they do something with Sammy and KO and the Usos, right? right? Or Sammy and Solo. Like there's a lot of different ways they can do it with KO, yes. Sammy, and the Bloodline stuff. But it, but it, if they come to some kind of a conclusion that neither one of those scenarios fit what they want to do, could you then see Seth Rollins winning? Absolutely. There you go. Absolutely. And yep. Andrew, I I was forcing this a few years ago. I was the one always like, give me Seth, babyface Seth Rollins. I want this right now. Because the couple times they brought him back when it would have been perfect timing, they screwed it up. And they would turn him heel again. And they even did that a little this year where they were starting to turn him babyface. And then they had him mention Cody a couple times, kind of tease that. Um, where do you stand right now on Seth and his chances in here? Seth Rollins is another guy that has had to overcome a deceptive amount let us not forget the debacle that was Hell in a Cell 2019 yes. with Seth Rollins against The Fiend, which killed both Ugh. characters dead as yep. they were. It's yep. freaking incredible the way that was done. Um, would I be stunned if Rollins wound up winning the Rumble? I wouldn't be stunned, but I keep coming back to the things that we're hearing from inside of WWE where they're saying we're satisfied with what we have planned for the rumble. And I don't know if they're that bullish about it. If Seth is the guy, would I be stunned if it was him? No, but I don't think they'd be that bullish if the plan was Roman versus Seth again. That is not to say that wouldn't be awesome. That is not to say that would not work. But I'm a little bit skeptical of that. Still, if you were to predict somebody having a really long run in the Rumble and being sort of the ring general for 50-some-odd minutes, Seth's probably the guy, right? Yeah. That, I think by the way, that's, all, that's also operating under the premise that when they're saying we're comfortable with what we have booked, that they're also being honest and being forthcoming. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which, yeah. And, and by the way, we're all also operating under somewhat of a pretense that this is not a Vince McMahon booked that's Rumble. a very good point. If it yeah. was, we would just say, oh, Brock Lesnar's winning and we're getting Roman Brock 72 yeah. this time for real. <laughs> <laughs> um, and by the way, there is no, there's nothing saying we don't see Brock. At some I think point. we do. No, I think we saw Brock but, on Monday. I think Brock yep. shows up, but I think it's definitely to set up the Lashley 
Brock right. feud. Yeah. Brock yeah. Well, why would you have him come Lashley, out last night if he's not in the Rumble? Yeah. yeah. Either Lashley or that match with Gunther that we yes, all which, really which has been to. which has been rumored, which could be great because you could have yeah. a maybe a Brock Lashley at the Elimination Chamber, or maybe those two guys as part of the Elimination Chamber, right? In in there and kind of take each other Can out. We- Give me um, a frig give me a friggin' ladder match at Mania with with Gunther, Lashley, and Lesnar. I know, right? <laughs> a ladder match with those yes. guys. My give me God. those guys. Give um, me those dudes. The, the one thing that I will say since we're talking about Brock, yeah, we're bring we're him up hearing now. some scuttlebutt, and we'll talk about this about a wait, sc- what would you just call me? A scuttlebutt? <laughs> oh, no. I've called you much worse. Um <laughs> we've heard some stuff about a certain bald-headed Texas rattlesnake yeah. getting oh, off God. a lot of money. I don't want to see Austin win the Rumble and go on to face Roman, but... Here comes Gino. Here comes Gino. Here's the but. This is huge. What if Austin comes back and we finally get Austin versus Brock 20 years later? Tell me that wouldn't rule. And, and I, see, it's like Austin Brock and Austin Cena, I think would be awesome. And I and I could see them doing it. I personally would like to see their inter interaction with guys on the main roster more individually. But Darren, like what Andrew's pointing out, if you right now, Cody Rhodes, Sami Zayn have stories where you could put have them against Roman. But if you're telling me that they could put Roman Reigns versus Stone Cold Steve Austin up on a truck as the big picture, right. and that was the advertisement that they could push to all of the networks. Like that is something that gets people who haven't been watching wrestling recently back to watch wrestling like we saw last year. And I don't think that's the greatest story to tell right now. But if we're just talking about biggest match possible, like a Roman Reigns versus The Rock, a Roman Reigns versus a Stone Cold, unfortunately, they're bigger than Roman Reigns versus Cody or Roman Reigns versus Sammy or Roman Reigns versus Seth. No, they absolutely are. Uh, you know, the, the, the I thought about the Austin Lesnar thing. Um I would be surprised because I, I I really can't see Austin taking those those German suplex bumps, you know, which is such a huge part of a Lesnar, the Lesnar match. match. You're right. Um, so that part kind of sticks out to me. Now, it, in order to get to Roman versus Austin, you don't need Austin to win the Royal Rumble. What no. you do is you have Roman come out at like 29 or 30. And him win. and Cody are the last two. He beats Cody and throws him out. He cuts a promo saying, there's nobody that can beat me. I beat everybody in a rumble. I haven't lost in three years. You guys have yes. nobody. And then Austin's music hits at the end of the rumble. In the Alamo Dome. the ring in, in the Texas. That's how what? you do that if you're going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I don't necessarily know if that's no, going to happen, but that's the way to do it. But that's the way to do it. If yeah, you're so do you it. could yeah. you could get there. What? What? As Andrew said, <laughs> what? Now I'm, I'm going to get I'm going to get the text message at like eleven fifty eight yep. at night. What? Oh, we're spoiling it. Yeah. We're spoiling it now. Yeah. He's going to send it to me. Holy shit! You called you were that. Right. You were right. We I did the same with Andrew, I did the same with Gino. I'm, I do. forget him on Central do. Time, and I'm like, oh no, my you, bad. You know, hit me on those because I'm up later than you. It's just sometimes I haven't watched it till the next time because I have the I have the setup where I can watch it either on the East Coast or the West Coast. But a lot of the times I'll just sort of wait. If I missed it, then I'll. I'll wait till it starts uh, again at like, you know, 11 o'clock Eastern time. But um, I think yeah. Austin has a legitimate chance to be in this Royal Rumble. I do too. And, and if you don't want him to win, you can have 
whoever his feud be. Well, with. then, Le- yes. then Lesnar, then Lesnar throws him out, and there's your feud. Yeah, or he right? throws out Lesnar. I mean, what, okay, I mean so what else is he gonna do? While we're talking about Austin right now, it's not really. It's a little bit of a tangent, but who, if it's let's say it's not a Lesnar, it's not Cena, and it's not Roman Reigns because they have the Roman Reigns plans. Who then would make the most sense for a Stone Cold Steve Austin that we see Ooh. on the ooh, roster? Ooh, ooh, pick me, pick me. Go ahead, Andrew. <laughs> Goldberg. It better not be, it better not be Goldberg. Omos. never gotten Austin no, you're Goldberg. Right. That, just saying. Oh, Dave oh, get out. But that, see, that's a Saudi Arabia match. I don't think it they is. Would, it is. Uh, yeah. we just, we've just. Well, you could set it up. Yeah. For whatever the next for Saudi. Super showdown or crown jewel or whatever they call it is. We've just you, booked our main event. I don't know. I don't know if Austin would sign up for that match out of fear that he doesn't trust the guy. No, I agree. I agree with you. See, like, I think for me, the most and 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 nothing really to do with like how he's presented right now. The the most sense would be like a Seth Rollins kind of guy. Yeah, if we're being honest and we're being not snarky about this, which let's be honest goes against every fiber of my being. Yeah, that's Um, yeah. That that's that's the logical thing. You go with a guy who you know is going to take care of Austin, who yep. you know is going to bump like crazy for some yep. of the stuff Austin does, yep. but who you know can be believable with his offense. That's and it wouldn't hurt Seth thing. like that. Loss wouldn't hurt. It's like with Kevin Owens last year, right? Like that's the same type of guy where I don't yeah. think it would hurt him. And honestly, like think about last year, you got Kevin Owens at Mania with Austin. You've got Sami Zayn with Johnny Knoxville. Remember there were actually rumors about both of those guys leaving to AEW and look at where they've been in the last year. Like they are in as high profile of feuds and matches and they are like the most over probably they've been in their career, both of them right now. So um, really cool to see our next group. Um, you know, like I guess we can say the next couple Baron Corbin, Ray Mysterio. I don't see anything for Corbin DZ, but no. it's got to be the Mysterio Dominic interaction at this Rumble, right? Like that's got to set up the the Mania match. We've seen some really funny stuff with with Dominic and Rhea going to the house, the Mysterio's house on Thanksgiving, and then on Christmas, yep. Dominic got thrown in jail. So we'll mention Dominic because he's not on the list, but he has been so entertaining lately. If you would have told me a year ago. Dominic Mysterio was going to make me laugh and like with some of the stuff he was saying, but talking about being in the joint and the time that he served and how it's hardened him and stuff, man, they like they've turned a guy who was kind of cringy. Like when Dominic came out, it was just like, ah, really? Like, and, and now I'm super entertained by him in the judgment day. They're kind of, they're really funny right now. Yeah. I think they've surrounded him with a good cast of characters that have helped him. Um, yes. The cheesiness is out of the character, which has helped him. They've added in some kind of dark humor, which is funny. Um, the Rhea so, yeah. stuff helped him a ton with mommy. Helped, the mommy helped, stuff. Yes, helped him a ton as well. Because that agree. first time it kind of happened accidentally. They were in like that brawl in the ring and she sort of wrapped her legs around his neck. And, and she posted a picture of it on social media. And everybody started going crazy of like Rhea doing like a head scissors to Dominic. Yeah. And I, I think they just sort of ran with it after that. It's been really fun. But which way, which way do they go with this? Does Dominic eliminate Ray or does, or does Ray eliminate Dominic? Oh, Dominic's got to, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think Dominic with the help maybe of someone or something. But yeah, I, I, I think it's got to set up for, for Dominic to do the uh, – do the eliminating of is Ray. this is this heading to is this heading to a one on one match father versus son at Mania? It should be right. Has Andrew to be. Is, has to be. Think, yeah, I, I think so. And, and Coop, we've been waiting for this, and 
We for a while <laughs> kept saying, why haven't they done the turn? Why haven't they made the turn? <laughs> if we, if right now we get the Ray versus Dominic at WrestleMania, they've played it perfectly because Dominic now feels like a bigger star and he's more over in a heel way yeah. than he ever was before. Yep. And hey, also, Gino, Gino, you don't know how tough the Dementors were in prison. Okay, <laughs> with with prison, Dominic. <laughs> um, Andrew, go ahead. No, the the one thing that I just said was now Dominic has more in ring experience too. Whereas before he was this version of himself, he just felt like somebody playing wrestler because he sort of had to, yes. and that didn't really work. He's found his version of this character. Now, is he ever going to be the version of the worker that his father was? Almost certainly not. But when your father is the greatest luchador since El Santo, yeah. there's that's sort of an unrealistic expectation. Um, now, how they play this moving forward, you know, whatever they decide to do, and I don't know how much longer Mysterio is going to be around to do something like this. Remember, he came back back in 2018 at that Royal Rumble as a surprise because yep. he had been out of WWE for three or four years. And he's he's in his 40s right now, and I have to think his knees are telling him, uh, Ray, there's only so many more of these we can do. We got to get that Dominic one on the on the punch card right now, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, because so, you got to think, uh, you know, that's, that's maybe a one-off kind of deal because after that, I mean, what do you do with Dominic and Ray? Uh, there's not much you can do if you're not going to make them the, yeah. the tag team champions. After that, what do you do with either guy? That's the big right. question. I mean, Ray can be that legend you bring back, but it, it it's going to Darren's kind of hit it right. They, they've done a good job because at least right now with Dominic, he feels for the first time ever like he's more than Ray Mysterio's son, right? So, like, he is a part of the Judgment Day on its own as well as being Rey Mysterio's son. So that's that's what was nice, what, what Darren hit on, is that they surrounded him with talented people like Finn Balor and Rhea Ripley and Damian Priest that he can bounce off of and feel a little bit more like his own character. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a good moment for Dominic. I'm sure he'll be in this. We mentioned Rey. DZ, I was scared when the formerly named Walter Gunther was brought up from NXT. He is the, the prototype of someone who Vince doesn't get right. And yep. they bring up and they just <laughs> don't treat well. And then in like six weeks, we've got Gunther like in Adam Rose's bunny line, you know, like hopping down, the, <laughs> hopping down. Yeah. And he's got some, the he's got some goofy hat on and he's like playing in the Rose buds. They have treated this guy like an absolute star. They haven't, I, I can't recall like any bad moves they've made with him. I don't like the name change and Andrew, I'm sure we'll mention it, but they, they changed his name. They made him get into a little bit better shape because he doesn't have quite oh, like the he's, belly. He's in like a lot he, better. He's in a lot better. Like he better used shape. to, yeah, because he yeah. used to have that, that big gut. But now yeah. this dude has been presented like an absolute star. He's a throwback. He reminds me of the old way they used to present like the big heels, but they haven't put him out there in any goofy roll-up losses. He hasn't had any any stink on him, really, at all so far. They've treated this guy super well. I don't think he's going to win the Royal Rumble, but I would be shocked if he doesn't have a good showing and doesn't look impressive in this because that's all that they've done with this guy. I agree, and I agree to the point where 
if you didn't have the Cody Rhodes, same like Seth, same thing with like a Seth. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I even think even more so because Seth, Seth is a, is an established uh, staple of the company that's had that, that's been the top guy. Yes. If you, if you had said to me, you know, if we, if we stuck a pin in Cody Rhodes and put him off to the side, if you had said to me, find the guy in this Royal rumble, that's been treated a certain way. That's been borderline protected. That's been built up to be a potential monster who looks the part and could be the threat to your big guy who he hasn't had to deal with before. I would give you Gunther. That's how, that's how, how far I think he's come. Maybe it's too soon. Maybe it's, you know, all of that, but I completely agree. I think he has a big run in the rumble. I think he's going to continue moving upward. And my guess is within the next two years, uh, this guy at some point is WWE champion. Andrew, he may have given Braun Strowman his best match ever. These two guys had a fantastic match a couple weeks ago on SmackDown. He had some really good matches with Ricochet. He had a match of the year candidate legitimately, I think, will go down on most people's list as a top three to top five match of the year with Sheamus at the Clash of the Castle. He's been put in big positions, and he stepped up every time so far. And we were both worried we when we talked about him being pulled up and the name change and everything. Where do you stand right now with what they've done for him in the last eight months or so? Gentlemen, you all know my axiom that I refer to very, very often. The guy on NXT? Wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, wrestling is at its best when it is simple. Gunther's a big dude that hits people. That's the gimmick. You don't yeah. need anything more than that. This is fantastic to see this guy who would not have been out of place in any wrestling era from about 1945 onward. No. As this guy getting tremendous matches out of pretty much anybody. Now, and you know, because it's the matches also, but he, it's the presence on top yep. of it, right? Yep. He treats himself even when the, uh, when he comes out and he starts talking about how they respect the ring, it's everything. It's the package of him all together that's very yep. well done. Exactly. And you look at this guy, and when they made the name change, and when there were rumblings about him being the evil German that had Vince's handprints all over it, and that was around the time also that Adam Cole's contract came up and the rumors came out that they were thinking about changing his name and cutting his hair and making mm-hmm. him Keeley's manager and whatnot, we all figured the worst. We all figured <laughs> would be all elite in about, oh, five minutes. But not only have they booked him well – they've made a potential top line heel for years without doing anything overly fancy. Now, as far as timing goes, is this the rumble where you put him over? Is that, I don't think so. I think he's ultimately the first post reigns monster that whoever beats baby face has to go through. Yeah, I could see that. I could absolutely see that. Uh, Coop, man, it's been it's been a good year or so for Gunther. And honestly, when they brought him from NXT UK to NXT, this is a guy who's always been treated very well. Like he he's not really ever been treated like a joke. I think he only has maybe a handful of losses in the last five years on in WWE TV. I'm not sucking up, but you're such a good host because I was going to talk <laughs> about that uh, that that 
the his journey from uh, NXT UK to NXT and again coming up and then getting a name change. And you know where I, I stand about name changes. Th- this guy has you talk about been through it all. He just main evented main evented Monday Night Raw and had a uh, he he went up against what DX. Uh, in yeah, a segment, right. and, and yeah. that's really, really hard to do. I think Imperium has helped him. Uh, those two guys needed to be with him. Uh, modern day Bruiser Brody type. You could see both of them in the in the Rumble too, as like helping. Yeah, Luther, just right? yes. The, the trio yes. of them could all have a nice little run. So I I expect, or it would be no shock to see either one of them or both of them, all three of them, at some point in the Rumble together. Can't win, but he's got some intriguing odds. I've seen like plus fifteen hundred, plus two thousand on a couple of websites. But I agree, he he is a he's a future, a long term heel that the uh, man the sky's the limit for him. And I am so glad that Vince McMahon went away at the time that this guy was called up because he would. You, you talk about a disaster. We have been not good with big men lately under the Vince McMahon regime, and he would have been another one that got thrown under the rug. Darren, we have the betting favorite next, and uh, one who everyone assumes will be one of the uh, the final men in this rumble, unless they want to do something really weird or crazy. Like if you don't want Cody to be in and lose, maybe you have him get attacked before the match or something like that, right? And that could set up a feud for him, and you kind of keep him out of the title picture, so you don't have him lose or get buried maybe or feel like he's not winning before you want him to be the guy. But if he shows up and enters the ring in this match. I mean, he's got to be one of the last few, and it, they've told the story with him. They paid big money to bring Cody back here, and everything they've done with him since the moment he stepped foot back at WrestleMania was excellent. It was fantastic. They treated this guy like a big star. He felt like a completely different version of the Cody Rhodes that we saw years back when he was the mid-card guy and Stardust and a tag team guy and always Dusty's son. This feels like he is Cody Rhodes, a total star that is on the level with the main stars on the roster. He had the great feud with Seth Rollins last year. They had three incredible matches that were all in the four to five star range. And he will have a great story to tell with the rehab coming back. He mentioned it on his first promo on Raw, why he came back here to win the title, to do what his dad couldn't do, to win the title for this company. Now, is it the time for him? That's the only thing. Like, the bloodline has gotten so white hot recently. Do you go in a different direction? What are we doing here with Cody? I think you swerve. I think I think it's too obvious. I think, yeah, I agree. I agree. I think it's Darren. Too- I hate to break it to you, but swerve works for the other company. only on only on dark and dark elevation though (laughs) i I think i i understand that guys like edge have come back before and and won a royal rumble off of a long and everything i understand that but this guy was in the dub was back in wwe for literally a month you know or, or two months before he got hurt yeah he's been he's been gone now for seven months that we haven't really seen him in the ring it feels like too much too soon because if he wins the, I mean, is there a scenario where if he wins the rumble, he ends up chasing Roman and doesn't necessarily beat him at WrestleMania, but eventually beats him maybe at a SummerSlam or something. I guess, you know, I guess you can go that route. It just feels too obvious, too much too soon 
for him to win this and then win at WrestleMania. I, I, I just feel like this is the exact moment where you have him in the last three or even the last two. You think he's going to win and you pull a major swerve and he does it. Uh, it, it and you will just be push it down the line for the Cody Rhodes story for it yeah. to go on longer. Honestly, yes. Coming. Do back- you risk? Do you? I'm not saying that you're gonna get, you're gonna get Roman face heat, but do you risk putting him in a position to, to get, get no. to get booed if he no. wins this? Like, do you risk that? Because you have to think about how how great everything you did with Cody was last year. Like you could not have handled him better. He left and everybody was, Oh my God, how incredible that performance was from Cody. The last time we've seen him. And now you have these great rehab videos. So like you're saying, this should be the first step along his way. He can have a nice run and then get eliminated. And that can set up a fun match for him at WrestleMania. You can have him in the elimination chamber and just come up short again right? Have him continue to come up short until you're a hundred percent ready for him and then put him over. And honestly, have him win, have him win next year's rumble. He doesn't, the thing about, he doesn't need to beat Roman Reigns for his story to be told. His story is only winning the title. Hell like the Sami Zayn story has more to do with Roman Reigns. You know what I mean? Like if that's the way you want to go, because that's what's happening right now. Um, yeah. Andrew, talk to us about Cody. So here's a fun hypothetical. I had heard a rumor a couple of months back that WWE was considering having Roman pull double duty. This was back when The Rock was considered to be likely for WrestleMania. Now it's more on the doubtful side of questionable, apparently, depending on who you listen to. But what if you rehash the Brett Luger finish? Or or even you do the, you know, you could have a winner of the rumble and a winner of elimination chamber, well, right? You could, you could do that too, but I'm just thinking what if night one, what if you do Cody and Sammy hit the floor at the same time? Sammy is trying to not win because he doesn't want to go up against that's, Roman. That's kind of cool. I, I kind of like this. There's yeah. another, there's an ulterior motive for this because I admittedly want offshore books to suffer that are running the, the, the Rumble odds promotions because public service announcement here, folks. I work for Katina Media, affiliate marketing company, legal, regulated, responsible gambling. If you go offshore, it can get a little risky. Just it will throw get. That out it will get risky. It so, will get. Yeah, but think about that for a minute. And let's say Roman Cody is night one, and Cody inadvertently, or rather, he doesn't win, but he softens Roman up. And yeah. Sammy basically falls into the title. See, All I, of I would look at how many different ways you can go with yeah. something like that. The thing that makes me a little bit skeptical is, as far as Cody winning the Royal Rumble goes, doesn't it just seem too obvious? That's yeah. What, yeah, that's it. It it does, yeah. and they've gotten a little cute, Chad, in years past in trying to make sure they they swerve us, like the Aaron was saying, but. It's the time. Like, this is something I always bring up every week. And we're in wrestling, we're not dealing with computers and machines. Like, these are people, these are humans, they have a shelf life. And when someone is hot and when something is over, I, I'm always along the run with it, run with it, because you may never be able to get back. And Cody, again, 
I think you can tell a better story with Cody if he doesn't win this Royal Rumble. We'll probably get behind him more when he eventually does get the win. Or Andrew's point, I don't even mind. What I don't want to see is I don't want to see Roman defending both belts or like defending two and then losing both. Because I think that it'll make the second night yes. not yes. seem like a big deal at all if somebody's beat him the first night, right? Yeah, like I, 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 I love the fact he's doing both and he wins the first night. And and, and I'm with you. That would be the, awesome. With, I like that idea, Andrew. I really do. You can't, yeah, you can't, you can't, I, I, you can't have too. him. You can't have him wrestle in the main event on night two if he loses night one. That's no. A, you can't. Do no, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's, Roman, yeah. This character wouldn't show back up that next night. But but here's but you here's the problem. Like- <laughs> here's, here's the problem where you put yourself into a corner though. Okay, and I'm not saying everybody reads this. If you do that, where you have him defend both nights, whoever he faces in night one, you know is losing. Is losing. You're right. You know is losing, and then so you put true. yourself in a spot. Do you have to do something where like, so it's cheap, right? I mean, you know, you it's a cheap finish, which you don't want to do at WrestleMania, yeah, but in not, a, in a weird not, way, it's not the same. What about as- Sammy interferes and he they expect him to lay down on night two? I, does the Cody injury? Because this is a major injury, but yeah, maybe, maybe have you come can back play from the it. injury into, but. I, I like just, does that. Concern- it's not the same. It's not the same as '94 because in '94 no. the story was you had both two, two baby faces, both going after the big bad monster with the title. Where if if Luger won the first match, we were fine getting Luger Hart in the main event. Well, it was not almost, knowing who was going to win. Do yeah. something along the lines of what you did at WrestleMania 30 with Daniel Bryan, right? It was like in a weird way because remember Bryan had to win that first match to get in to the main event and add himself in there. There could be something along those lines where it was, you know, you had Cody had to wrestle Seth, right? Uh, On the night that Sammy wrestles um, Roman, right? Or you could, you could make it. So it was even, so both of these guys had to, but I, I don't like, I don't, I don't like the idea of him losing and then coming back like that. Guys, whatever way you decide to go, is this possibly my best fantasy booking ever? That was a good one. It really was. That's a good yeah. one. That's a good I like one. It. I like it, Andrew. That's it a good one. Your, one of your better. Um, let's get to the next. And, and after all that, what happened? What I said is going to happen. Roman wins the Rumble. Austin comes out, and that's what you end up getting. I know. I, was say, I like that. Hey, I'm okay hey, with that. At the end of the day, it's still WWE. <laughs> at the end of the day, I would be very content with either of those. Uh, Omos, uh, DZ, and the next few, Ugh. Drew and Sheamus. Now, Drew. The, the only problem with this is like Omos, no shot. Like Omos is a big guy. They'll come in and have a few crazy eliminations. Um, Drew, man, the, the bummer for Drew is, are you ever going to have a more perfect situation <laughs> than that clash at the castle? And that's like, why you give him the title there and you have him drop it soon after. You give him the moment. Because I just like, re- for me, n- knowing that now, how could Drew win a rumble like this when that you know what i mean like that was the moment for him but it's you been don't a, think you don't think if you do and i get what andrew's saying I, but if you, know, you, I will, if I you say, do that if you do that the aura around roman is gone i will say right roman now doesn't in, need the title well in in my, my well that's different but then don't give it back to him yeah my whole my whole thing is at the time i th- i thought you should have had drew win right now seeing how good the bloodline stuff has been post that I'm glad they didn't. I see that side of it too. It speaks yeah. to how well Clash at the Castle is booked, guys. 
Is that WWE's best show from start to finish in a very, very long time? Yeah. It's good. Yeah, it was good. It's good, man. Except it's good. Fi- finish means we didn't get to see yes. uh, Drew. Yeah, quite, we're going to pretend that didn't theory, happen. Right? That we're going to pretend that didn't happen. At the end. At the very end. <laughs> yes. But um, you know what? And man, Sheamus, Sheamus and Drew are both former Royal Rumble winners. And Sheamus has had a very good year. Starting back to last year when he was having good matches with Drew. And then that match with Gunther it was probably the best match of Sheamus's life. And he's had a fun few months with the brawling brutes and drew and Sheamus could be a really fun tag team. If they don't have like plans for those guys for a while, because they're friends in real life, they know each other. You could tell they get along and they have fun. They have a good chemistry. I don't think any of them can win the rumble, but a guy like drew has become a very, you know, big pillar in WWE, right? He's like one of the mainstays. He's someone, if he's in the final any year or in the final few, it would never be surprising. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I, and I feel bad for him because, you know, his his moment just, you there, know, it, it's so it's so unfortunate. If he didn't run into a Roman Reigns or a Hulk Hogan or a Bob Backlund type reign, he wins that match. Well, nine plus, out of- plus his big moment was in front of no fans. Yeah, yeah. that sucked. I mean, that, you know, like and that he should... He should have beaten Brock Lesnar in front of 75,000 people in Tampa with the place going nuts. Yep. And yeah, he's, he's doing Skype interviews afterwards. That was, yeah. t- that's tough. He's that's probably, tough. he's probably never going to come close to that again. And, and that's unfortunate because a few years ago when we were talking about Royal Rumble, Drew was someone who they built very well going into the Royal Rumble. They did a lot right with Drew. And One of the Drew. best Rumble matches of all time too. It was, a, it was yeah. a great Rumble. They built him well. Coming out of it, it was good. He even did the best that he could with the hand that he was dealt during the pandemic. This guy is a true workhorse, too. He'll go out there night in, night out, give you great matches. Fans like like him. He's a big dude. He passes the airport test. He's good on the microphone. He's improved himself a hell of a lot through the years. Like He's a great company dude. He's a great top guy to have for any roster. It's just not Drew's time right now, unfortunately. He's, he's going to become the guy that gets the belt when they have to go to somebody reliable to put the belt on. Or an injury screws yep. things up, right? Or like you need to save few months for someone yes. to transition. He's going to be. He's going to become very Randy Orton esque in that yeah. role. Well, no, wait like, a uh, minute. Let's let's not feel sorry. His consolation present prize is is Angela the sword. Oh yeah, okay, you're let's right. Not, yeah. Let's not forget about Angela. He, he does have Angela there. Which is, <laughs> <laughs> hey, speaking like of Seamus, speaking of Angela, please. <laughs> hey, speaking of Seamus, does Seamus look forty-four years old to you guys? No, this guy no, is incredible shape. He looks the same as he did twelve years ago. No, to be fair, when he was thirty-two, he sort of looked forty. Man, <laughs> yeah, he, no. <laughs> he did. He had a lot of baby fat. He was like a, a powerlifting guy. Now he does these crazy workouts on YouTube that he, he's an animal. Watching Coop, those workouts hurts me. Yes, Coop, it does. Seamus is cool. Like you could just tell when you watch his social yes. media, he's got a good personality. Like he's a funny dude. Like people like him. They want to hang out and have a beer with him. Um, Coop, remember I, they I, actually- I, tried, I tried to do that after the garden show. He posted on Twitter that he was at a bar right around the corner from awesome. But why awesome. the by the time we got there, he was gone. Oh, yeah. But, oh, uh, year, cool. year, years ago, they were in a house show here in Beaumont, uh, Texas, and uh, right across the street, it was a Sunday afternoon, right across the street was a 
uh, Outback Steakhouse and I saw him and he just kind of like he go away kid so <laughs> did. and I stalked him and I stalked Wait, I gotta, him it was like him and Ted DiBiase Jr. I was just gonna yes. ask, tell me yeah. he got a blooming onion at the bar he's gotta get the blooming onion you know what they've I got I remember now everything I, I remember the, everything they, they're called uh, they're called bloom petals they actually will give you like the, the parts off of the blooming onion if you don't want to have to rip them all off yourself you can order the, <laughs> the bloom the, petals Gino would on know the that, side the petals. I, lo- uh, I love I saw him he, he was with it was him Randy Orton and Ted DiBiase Jr. and yes they had the awesome blossom or whatever it's called the blooming oh, onion the they were sharing it wow. yes they were I walked by the table a couple of times if I walked into a restaurant and Randy Orton was sitting there, I would literally just lose my shit. Yeah, there's oh, a yeah. few for me. I like, would that lose would. And wait shit. a minute. And, and look, this, this is we talked about Big E and some other. Is this a spot for Randizzle, the Orton, the, the Viper? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I'd like to see I, him come in here. We've seen we've seen a lot of stories that he that he really really has an injury. That's unfortunate. So does yeah. does his buddy Riddle. is Riddle back? Is he cleaned I up mean, and ready the to go? Six weeks lines up real well with the Rumble, right? And, and I think I think he's one that gets a run if he's in it, and he's one of the last three or four guys in it, just because he's a good on worker. A serious, on a serious note, with Riddle, hope he's all right. Hope that he's you know got some stuff in check because some of the stories that came out after he went away for his uh, yeah they were rough. time off not, not great no not great and Riddle is someone and Randy Orton both who have built-in feuds with a lot of different people like you, Riddle had the um, had the match against Roman on SmackDown and then after losing that match he was he's not allowed to wrestle Roman Reigns again for the title so he. You know, they had Riddle when him and Randy were doing, you know, stuff together last year. They were the most overact in WWE. They were like the main event of Monday Night Raw all the time. And Riddle was in good matches with Seth Rollins. And he was in stuff with Bobby Lashley. Like he was treated definitely like a top tier talent. Uh, Riddle and Orton are two guys that we could see pop back up if they're healthy, if they're ready. I don't think either could win, but we could see them having a good run. Uh, our final two of the listed DZ are Braun Strowman and Karrion Cross. These are two guys that were released from WWE. Both came back to WWE recently. Braun Strowman is a former champion. Braun Strowman won the greatest Royal Rumble in uh, Saudi Arabia. <laughs> and Braun Strowman has, it, it's, it doesn't feel like it's his time, but Braun, like the some of the best work he's ever done, I, I do think that the best match he's ever had was probably the one the other night, just in an individual match, but... His best work ever was with Roman, by far. They brought the best out of each other consistently. They um, they could, you know, show some of the footage from years ago and have Braun be a guy that Roman is scared of at any point because they've had, you know, clashes. It doesn't feel like the time for Braun Strowman right now after just kind of losing pretty clean for the most part to uh, to Gunther recently. And then you have Karrion Cross, who was an NXT champ. Been a little disappointing since coming up. They... They, you know, when Vince brought him up, it was not good. And they released him. They brought him back. Um, he's got a little feud going on with Rey Mysterio. Talk to us about these last two listed entrants. Yeah, Strowman, um, you know, there's been times where I've I've been behind him. Met him at WrestleMania Access when it was at MetLife. It was really, really awesome with our kids and, and you know, very personable. Um, you know, in the ring, there's just something about him that leaves me flat. Um you know, 
outside of him being the big monster that can just bury you, like it, it gets to the point with me where it's like, well, okay, but what else can you do? You know, can you talk on the microphone? Uh, can you tell a good story? You know, and aside from the Roman stuff, where I probably, you know, really respected his work at that time, he's kind of left me a little bit flat. I don't think he's, he's anywhere near the point of being a threat to win this Royal Rumble at this point. And I do think some things would need to change with some of his, uh, some of the extra stuff beyond him just being the big monster in the ring. Karrion Cross, I think, is very clear in the Mark Merrill problem, where his valet is the bigger star than he is. Yeah. Um, I and the, you know I, what's weird? I don't like him with the hair. No. no. He, he's got, <laughs> no. he looks like less imposing and less scary with the hair. Yeah. But I think, I, I genuinely think that, that Scarlet is going to be, out of the two of them, is going to be the one that's got the, the, the bigger draw um, than, than he is. And I, 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 I'm not saying that she's Sable, but I'm just comparing it to, to a, a situation in the past where I think he's going to be overshadowed by her. And I don't know if he's ever going to get out of second gear, to be honest with you. Andrew, uh, Braun and Cross. Braun Strowman getting released was one of those things where you're going, wait, what? They released who? Why? Because this was not long after Braun Strowman was put in a pretty high position on the card at WrestleMania. He had the cage match against Shane, which I wasn't crazy about the match, but I loved the spot where he ripped the cage down to get to Shane and bring Shane back into the ring. There's stuff you can do with Strowman that you can't do with anybody else. The problem is, is that enough to reheat him and make him a main event type player. I'm not sure that it is. Admittedly, a lot of his stuff wasn't really my bag. When he started throwing around office equipment, the first time he threw the chair, not a steel chair, an announcer's chair at a charging Roman Reigns, that being the moment <laughs> where people thought we might have something here was truly bizarre. He was flipping ambulances and flipping trucks. And that stuff makes for a really good special attraction. That's the same type of stuff, a different version of it, that they did with Andre the Giant in the vignettes that they'd have with him. They would have him pulling this tug of war thing with five guys on each side like they were nothing. It's the same kind of stuff you can do, but I'm with Darren on this. There's a certain amount of... Okay, what else you got? Kind of like a ceiling for him. He's right? not going to talk people into the building. He's now, mind you, when he comes back and goes, "I'm not finished with you," that's a hell of a line. Mm-hmm. But you need more than that one line. And while it's an incredible sight to see him at his best when he's got a full, you know, head of steam and goes charging around the ring and knocking everything out. It, it does leave you wanting a little bit more. Cool. As, far as, as far as Cross goes, that guy has just been the victim of being in the wrong place at the wrong time really, really often. They brought him into NXT, and he was the guy after Adam Cole. Bad timing. They brought yeah. him up to the main roster, and he got headgear out of the Aldo Montoya collection. Bad <laughs> timing. They released him. Bad timing. They bring him back, and Triple H clearly sees something in this guy. And it's not like he's a terrible worker, 
But I do think the Merrill comparisons are there. He's also never going to be the guy that tears the house down. And oh, by the way, standing at his side is someone that I'm trying to make keep this slightly PG is significantly better looking than most people on the planet. <laughs> that's that's a very well stated. Just do just do just do the uh, the the Janice from Friends. Oh my, my God, God. <laughs> that's a good one. Now, what what I think could be fun is if if we get for some reason to the point where Sammy wins, Sammy wins the the WWE champion. Sammy beats Roman Reigns. The night after WrestleMania, Monday Night Raw, Sammy's out celebrating. He's happy. He's excited. And then you hear Braun come out and want to challenge Sammy for the title. And we remember the interactions that those two guys have had. That could be kind of fun to see and not have Braun win, but be kind of a foil for your next baby face. Um, even though he's been sort of a baby face right now, I think he's best when he's when he's a heel, obviously, when you can be a little more heel like. So, uh, DZ, the, the, the one thing Zane, since you brought up his name, he's not mentioned. That, That's what I was going to say. Like, he's not, yeah, he's not. Do mentioned. they do, do they do something where I will say this? They better tell us that he's not going to be in this Royal Rumble before, or we're going to get into a Daniel Bryan situation. Number 30s get booed, gets booed out of the building. Absolutely. Like, yeah. if they don't tell us before like Friday or on Friday that Sami Zayn is not going to be in the Royal Rumble and then they can maybe swerve us and have him be. But I don't think you just leave it up and then you don't have Sami show up there. I, I think yeah. you got to be pretty specific and, and maybe Roman will say it to him or mm-hmm. say to the rest of them, Hey, Sammy, you and the blood and the bloodline are going to be in there. You're going to make sure that nobody else wins this thing, that it's just you or one of them. Cause it's Sammy, the Usos and solo who haven't been, um, yeah. Announced for this. Well, I think, yeah, and I don't think Sammy's going to be on SmackDown Friday. I think yeah, Rome, said, didn't Roman, yeah, didn't Roman say hey, I don't want to see him until Saturday, yeah. Saturday. Yeah, I, so. I think, I think right now, I, and and I don't think because I, I, I don't necessarily think they've decided yet. Yeah. Um, I think right now that there is WWE creative having meetings and discussions, trying to figure out, okay. If we don't put him in the Rumble, whoever wins the Rumble could get booed. Whoever comes in at 30 is going to get booed out of the place. We put ourselves in a bad spot. If we put him in the Rumble, and if we do it in a way where like, the bloodline eliminates him or he eliminates himself to help Rome, do we, make, do we, do we really cool off the bloodline? And I think they put themselves in a not intentionally. It's not their fault because Zane organically has shot through the roof, but they're in a spot now where I think they got to have a conversation where they realize they got to be careful. Like if Vince was there, if Vince was in charge, well, I shouldn't say if he was there because he is there in some capacity now, but if this was a Vince McMahon production, he wouldn't give a shit. Yeah. But I think the smart people are saying, we've got to be really careful here because if we put him in this thing, and we have him eliminated in a way that, you know, does not sit well with the fans. Uh, and if it's at the hand of somebody in the bloodline, we can really screw this up. Yeah. You know, and if we don't put him in, we could really screw this up. And I think that's a conversation that is, at the very least, has already taken place. So can I bring it, bring up a scenario that may well unfold here? Please. 
You guys remember a little faction called Evolution and how that broke up? Yeah. Yeah, well, I, yeah, the, the, the thumbs down. Orton, yeah. Orton wins the big match. Everyone comes out for the big celebration. Batista has Orton on the shoulders, and you see Triple H's expression change. Yeah, we could do that. You uh-huh. run that. Yeah. Yeah. You could do that. We could do that with, uh, with the bloodline here. So, Coop. What do you give us some thoughts on how you think it may go down for the bloodline in the rumble? Are we going to get Sammy solo and the Usos all in it working together? Um, I mean, there's so many different ways they can go with this thing. Yeah. I, I think you have to, to make the story go. I, I, I think I, I'm not against Cody Rhodes winning this. Um, I, it, interesting line. You know, I, I want to see you Saturday and see how you help the bloodline. I think he's mid. I think that's for the Kevin Owens match. I'd like to see the guy come out number 30 and him and Cody Rhodes uh, be the final two. I, I think I think Sammy wins this and makes it dynamic. Um, I, I, I'm going to stick with that. Um, will it happen? Probably not, but I'm going to stick with it. And I think you have to have all these guys uh, in the rumble. What if Sammy uh, eliminates one of the Usos or Solo and, and, yeah. and you know makes it even more dynamic? I, I think that helps the storyline if they're in it. Yeah, you, there are a lot of layers and a lot of wrinkles to this. Okay, I'm going to go and I'm going to give groups of like five or six guys at a time. I don't think a lot of these guys can win at all. These are probably guys that we could see in the match. I just want to at least give them a mention because they're on the main roster. They're on TV a lot. Um, Gable, Otis, Dexter Loomis, The Miz, Johnny Gargano, Bronson Reed, uh, DZ. Um, I would love to see a Gable babyface turn at some point. Like he's not going to win the Royal Rumble, but that guy could have a, like a fun. Like I think if these like, as a babyface team, they could be a fun tag team moving forward, and people will get behind the shoosh. He could just interrupt heels, and everyone will do the shoosh. Like they've done some good work. Um, you've got the Miz. You've got Bronson Reed, who he brought in. I think if you want to try to get Johnny over having Johnny have like a nice 30 minute run here throughout the rumble where you can like, let him be impressive in the ring would be good because Johnny Gargano has not been presented very well right now. And I mean, I don't think any of those guys can win, but we got Gable, Otis, Loomis, Miz, Johnny, Bronson, Reed, anything to mention on them. I mean, I think you pretty much hit on the head. I'm sure they'll probably, you know, if they, if Loomis and the Miz are in there together, I'm sure that'll, you know, probably come up at some point. Um, you know, Miz is always good for a couple of good spots in the Rumble. But, yeah, aside from what you said about Gargano, there's nothing in that group that stands out to me. Andrew, that tier of guys, anything worth mentioning on them? Just that it's good that Bronson Reed got brought back. He was one yeah. of the guys yeah. in 2021 that had genuine momentum. Was he ever going to be a main eventer? I don't know. But he's a big guy that can move. Everybody, Everybody drink, drink. And he had legitimate (laughs) charisma and an honest-to-God look. And when he got cut, there were a number of cuts in 2021 that made people go, what the hell just happened? Why would you do that? That was one of them. Um, I'm happy he's back. I'm happy he's getting the run that he deserved because he had a darn good year on the Indies in 2022. And it's good to see him get the screen time that he he deserves. I think he beat Okada in New Japan. I think He had had a couple of big wins, yeah. Uh, over there too, which they they were getting pretty high on him. Coop, um, that group of guys, you know, like Loomis and Gargano, they haven't done a fantastic job with. The Miz is, I'm sure, always someone who can have a, a fun, who can get eliminated, and maybe you can help get someone over by tossing the Miz out. Any any thoughts on that group? 
No, unfortunately not. I'm kind of down on them. Other than Bronson Reed having a couple of good spots, I don't, you know, I don't see any one of these guys. Now, do you guys, do you guys think that Kevin Owens could possibly be in this match? And if so, could he help Sammy win? If the Roman Owens match is the first match of the night, it tells you that at least one of them is in the Rumble. I think so too. I think so too. Ditto. Um, um, Next, another kind of tier. Dawkins, Ford, um, Ford, Sean, Ford, Ford can get a run, right? Yes. He's got yeah. it. He's got Ford it. Like this run. could be a good coming out party for him, not to win, but to have a run, a legitimate singles run. Adonis, we got Butch and Rich Holland, Cedric, Shelton, Priest and Balor. We mentioned Mysterio and Dolph Ziggler. Anyone in that group, DZ, like Ford, right? Like this, yeah. one of these years, I mean, it's going to be him. That I mean, gets I'm an sure, IC title run and, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm sure Balor, I'm sure Balor and Priest will have a good Judgment Day moment with Mysterio and stuff. Uh, I'm sure that'll, that, that if, you know, that could be a part of it. Um, but yeah, look, I, and one of my friends was said to me that he was frustrated that they haven't, you know, um, put Ford out on his own in a single capacity. And I said, I'm not frustrated by it for one reason. Right now, anybody that you take, where would he go? Well, well that's the thing. Anybody right? he's that not beating Roman, now, right? Anybody that you put out there now has a ceiling called Roman Reigns. Okay, you're not getting through that right now. Montez Ford is not going to be the guy to beat Roman Reigns. Once you get back to the two titles, Montez yes. can ap- he yeah. can absolutely because, be someone. And I think with him, and my point being, you got to be careful. Because the moment you put that guy into a role as a single competitor, you might as well just attach a shooting star to his back. Yes. And it is going to skyrocket instantly. So as soon as you bring him out is as soon as he's going to heat up and as soon as he's going to get over organically as a singles competitor. That can't be during the Roman Reigns power era. It can't be. You You have to wait to clear that, and then you can move forward with Ford. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, other, the other thing that you have to consider with them is Angelo Dawkins has been busting his ass. Yeah, he's improved a lot. I too. Mean, you don't yeah. want to give him the Marty Jannetty treatment when that guy has lost a considerable amount of weight. And while he's no Montez Ford, can go himself. Okay. This is another instance where you've got to be really, really careful about how you do this because you don't want to kill Dawkins just to make Ford into the guy you know he's going to be if you give him the shot. You've got to be careful in how you do that. Uh, now, as far as as this group, a lot of really good workers in there, not necessarily a lot in the way of chances to win the match. Yeah. Uh, Loop. No, I, I, I agree. The sentiments here. I, I'm a Ford guy. Uh, I agree. If he goes solo, what, what are you going to do? You know, an IC or U.S. title run. Uh, there's not really a lot for them there. there. Is um, option that you can do, but I don't think you want to do it at this point. If you're going to bring Braun Breaker up and give Grayson Waller the NXT title, do you make Ford the first challenger there? But even so, if you do that, what good does that do to anybody? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Let's yeah. go. Um, no, I don't, Gina. We get the three faces of Elias. Do you think we get something like that, DZ? <laughs> Ezekiel, Elias, Elroy? I, I guarantee I, you, by the way, if they do a three faces of Elias thing, I will have at least two one of them. Of them. Andrew's going to get two of them. Dude, <laughs> and you I won't have, you'll have the bottom ones. You'll have, you're getting, you you're won't getting even all get Elias. Three. 
You're getting all three. <laughs> and you won't um, even get the main guy. You'll get the uh, Elroy. Yeah, you're getting <laughs> I um the only thing that I'll say is that uh I don't know if you if this is the rumble where you have the room to, to do use that. three spots on one yeah, guy. You're right. It would be um, I could see them doing that in Saudi Arabia at the greatest yeah. Royal Rumble, right? Yeah, because yeah, like there's that, a spot yeah. for that, but you're right. It, this one actually seems pretty strong. Like they've it already announced tight. 15. It gets tight real yeah. quick if you if you, if if you, you do that. Two spots, yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, Andrew, um, let's see. We got the Elias, the three phases of Elias here. Viking Raiders, obviously. Garza, Carrillo, Delgado, Legado del Fantasma. The Mansois and Masse. All of them, you know, <laughs> those are all just like probably tag teams and filler in there, right? Well, one thing you'll know. If there is fire with the smoke of the Saudi rumors, you know Mansoor's getting a run. Um, but the one guy that I think you might see that we haven't really talked about is a guy that went away in, oh, August or so because a bunch of people in Bristol, Connecticut came calling and offered him a bunch of money for a couple of months. Are you talking and about McAfee? Man is over. I'm yeah. thinking we're going to get a McAfee return. Oh, for sure. Yes. And honestly, yeah. I hope we do because yeah. this is the kind of match where you can say, look, no one is expecting you to win. You get 10 minutes, kill it. And so, you know he will with the way he attacks his wrestling stuff. Let's use that yes. as a tease. If you have anyone in that McAfee celebrity status, I'm going to mention them towards the end. Um, cause that's a good tease, Andrew. Cause I think him and maybe two or three others would, would yep. definitely make sense with guys sure. who have been some of the best celebrity wrestlers we've seen over the last couple years. Um, yeah, Andrew, um, Coop, there's just a lot of filler on the roster that I think I, I mentioned, but like all those guys we mentioned, um, the guys from bullet club, it's kind of sad that AJ's in that mix right oh, now man. too. Right. But yeah, you just don't yeah. really feel like AJ is a player, but, um, you know, I could see him showing up. Madcap Moss, Mustafa Ali, MVP, R-Truth. Maybe we get a glorious with Robert Roode. I was gonna, yeah, Robert Roode with the old dirty dog himself. And then you got to leave open some NXT guys. I know someone's already mentioned Braun, but, you know, Carmelo, Apollo's been doing good work. What about Dijak? And what Grayson. about the Creed brothers? Yeah. Grayson Waller, the Creed brothers. I mean, Jul- there's... Julius uh, in particular. I think Julius yeah. is the one that they like a little bit more. Um, I could even yeah. see, I, I had written down both Tyler Bate and JD McDonough. You know, Tyler sure. Bate is someone that they liked. I could see him come out, get a pop, um, and then that could elevate him on NXT a little bit. I so, think if you're going to bring one up from NXT, it's got to be Braun with that title, right? I I, th- I think so. I think that no. would probably be the way they go. Braun, Carmelo, Grayson, Apollo. Um, what about Cameron Grimes? That That's where I was going to go, too. We haven't seen to him there moon. in a while, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Cameron Grimes has been off TV. He could come up. Darren, of all these guys we mentioned that were like NXT guys, anyone that you think we could see or uh, see have a good run? Uh, I, I mean, how many guys are you going to get a good run? You know? <laughs> no, no, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? No, it's true. It's true. I, I, it's, I some of these guys, if, if you're not going to do that, don't bring them up. Right. right? It, like when Rusev came up a few like years back, it was awesome. They had Alexander Rusev and they actually gave him a good little run and he looked formidable there. Yep. I don't think you want to bring one of these guys up and have them just get tossed immediately. You have so many other bodies that we've just gone through on the main roster, like tag team guys that you can have be filler. I, I, I'd rather not. I, I would like to see Carmelo Hayes 
have a run. I think him of all of the guys would be the one on NXT that I think has the most upside. And I think could maybe he, he would come down and he would brag about it. I lasted 30 minutes in the Royal rumble. Like he could sort of use it as his character and have some spots. Um, Andrew, what about the, uh, the NXT involvement and some of these guys that we've mentioned? Okay. You want an off the wall wacko prediction? Sure. The guy in charge. Oh, Sean. Because it's San Antonio. Yeah. San Antonio. Okay. If that music started. Yeah. He would get a huge pop. Oh God. And now you're giving me Booker T vibes. Yeah, no, you're right. We we may get a Booker T too. The one thing I will say, and I don't know if this is just me, you know, looking for conspiracies with my tin hat, but I found it a little odd that it came out right before the rumble that Sean was adamant that I'm done. My time has passed. And like, you know, that if triple H said, Sean, five minutes, one pop on the entrance, the only bump you take is going over the top. We'll make sure they take care of you. You think he'd say no. You wonder, especially NXT guy that got to dump him. Yeah. I mean, because of the location, it's absolutely a possibility. With, oh, with Grayson Sean. Waller, then. That would yeah, be a nice for Grayson Waller. Yeah, like he would be the guy, and then he could use it um, on, on NXT. Uh, a couple more that are just sort of like main roster, like Nakamura, we haven't seen in a little while, Rick Boogs, Chompa, Boogs. Bo Dallas, uh, DZ. He's coming, he's coming off of, what, a torn quad, Boogs? Yeah, right? Like he was yeah. gone for a while. So, I mean, I wouldn't be a sh- – he would get a pop. He could play the guitar, come out, have like a little moment, and then be gone. Uh, he got hurt in that match with the Usos, actually, when they were in that tag match a while yes. ago. Yes. Nakamura, Boogs, Champa. He came up. He was with the Miz. Then he got hurt. Uh, Bo Dallas. Maybe we got, uh, you know, Uncle Howdy. Who knows? <laughs> could be. Could yeah. be. Yeah, could be. I don't know. I don't know if they're going to interject the Bray Wyatt stuff into the Rumble. I think that gets a little convoluted. I agree. Um, so I, Do we get a legend? Yeah. Do we get a yeah, legend think, at all? I think we'll get a few legends here. Uh, I got one for you, Andrew. That will that, that will pop you. Hey, I think everybody, we'll look, things. it's Tyler. <laughs> oh, okay, maybe. maybe Tyler no, I, I wasn't gonna go when you said a legend that was gonna pop me. I thought you were gonna say Muda. Oh, you know what? I could definitely see that right now. That would be. I, I mean, especially yeah. given Nakamura went over there. Yep, you had absolutely. Carl Anderson doing the thing with New Japan. That would be cool. It would that, not I, surprise I, me, especially if Muda's going into the Hall of Fame this year. And it being in Los Angeles, you'd think, you know, and, and a New Japan stronghold, you'd yeah. think this a lot would be lining up. The question is, would enough people be react hit to, to what's it going yeah. on? Yeah. That's the only but, thing. DZ, what version of Andrew is this? This is some of the best work I can remember from him. Like, <laughs> this is the version of Andrew that won a Beamy Award. I was going to say, Andrew's just seeing the ball well right I'm, now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, this yeah. is going to turn into my own heart with the slammy thing. Yeah, yeah some, this is oh, one of his no. uh, award-winning oh, performances no. right here. Okay, let's get through a few more. Um, uh, other guys that I don't think will win, just to mention, they were on the NXT list for me. Tony D'Angelo and Wes Lee could, uh, could see either one of them possibly showing up in here. Now, a, yeah, we're going to get to the obvious one that we haven't mentioned yet. Edge, right? Well, we that, really, that, well, we kind of mentioned him. I'm talking about the one that's not on the WWE roster right Punk. now. Punk. CM Punk. No, no, no. Cardona? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa, oh, yeah. whoa. Cardona. Matt Ryder, Cardona. Zach Ryder, Cardona, who has yeah. been 
doing some good work on the independence. Um, we talked about it, Andrew. He was in GCW, did a lot of the deathmatch stuff, but he actually was in you the actually, NWA. If CM Punk ever showed up at this Royal Rumble, Could you I would me? literally flip off my couch. I know. Could you imagine? <laughs> that would I mean, be, it's... if there was a way, like all the buzz and all the everything, if he showed up here, that would just be... Rich Strike had a better shot in the Breeders' Cup Classic than that. You're right. Oh, ouch. You're absolutely right. Um, Ouch. So we we assume Edge. Edge, I mean, I don't think Edge could win at this point. Edge obviously has the stuff built in with Roman, but I think You always get the pop when that music hits, though. When that hits. Edge and maybe Finn could have a really fun uh, Mania match if they go back there again, I think, with those two guys. Um, Okay, uh, a couple others. Do we get, like, a these two... Um, I could see they might be fun. Gable Stevenson, Corey Graves, DZ. What ever happened Graves. with the Gable Stevenson thing? Uh, I think there might have been some whispers about something Stevenson might have done. Done. Yeah, I, oh, I actually yeah. heard about that. Like, I don't want to go too far Me neither. about it, but because I don't know there was stuff out there. Yeah, I, they, we I was gonna say they like introduced him at the show. It was like a whole thing. And his brother is in NXT. His brother is David yeah, Kemp, yeah, yeah. and he's done some good work down there. Um, or, you know, like I, I had said, uh, Corey Graves is someone who got cleared a while ago. Corey Graves could do the old Jerry King, Jerry the King Lawler, come <laughs> come off the commentary table, come in, maybe get tossed, and then, you know, act goofy or aloof about it. Didn't Michael it, Cole do that one time, too? Yeah. I think Cole did it. And he got yeah, thrown yeah. out by Karma. He got tossed by Awesome Kong. Yeah. Yeah. That's is, it. is the thing... <laughs> thing with gable Stevenson, the kind of thing where they just uh make it quiet for a while and wait yes. for it to go away or yeah it and it might it might thing? i think it was it wasn't like reported mainstream stuff it was just sort of like some social media scuttlebutt old tweets yeah yeah like yeah. stuff like that By so the i way, think that's the second or third time we have used scuttlebutt, scuttlebutt in this i know uh, over under if you would have given the over under on scuttlebutts being used on this podcast before yeah, one like, and a half yeah one you and a half, everybody would have gone under <laughs> on that one so uh yeah i mean those are two that like they're not winning the royal rumble but they've invested in gable dz and uh cory is someone who I I'm expecting Corey to be in a, in a feud at some point. Like they like this Something. guy. He's been a huge yeah. part of them for a while. And if, if he wants to, I'd imagine they'll give him that opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess I, I think that's kind of the thing where it's up to him. I think if, mm-hmm. if he went to triple H and, and requested it, I would be shocked if they told him no. It'd be uh, great. I, we saw Jerry, the King do it all the time. Like have storylines with guys. He could, you could actually babyface Corey Graves out of it if you ever wanted to. And, have yeah, and when the King, when the King did it too, it was, you know, he was way past his prime. His prime. And, yeah. You know, like, and I'm not saying that Graves is in his prime by any stretch of the imagination, but I, I'm still fairly confident that, that Graves could probably go a little bit more than absolutely Lawler could when he would yeah, get yeah, up yeah. and go in the ring. King like just had a match like a week or two ago. An indie match yeah. again. Yeah. yeah. That, like I would love to see a Seth Rollins or a Kevin Owens and Corey Graves. Yeah. Ranks one of those guys talk trash to him and him step up off the commentary table. Um, maybe we see them pop up. And then obviously like the big, 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 big names along with those two, uh, Andrew would be Cena and the rock, right? If those guys want to yeah. be in your Royal rumble and you want them in, they're probably in the Royal rumble. Yeah. Somebody's getting another- bumped. <laughs> I, I've got, I've got the, a few more of like surprises, but like okay. Cena I, Andrew, and the rock he's not, really- not going to be in the Royal rumble. Andrew. No. No, like it. What do you think I'm referring to? Goldberg. There we go. There we go. I love to hear Darren do the music. 
Okay, so Andrew uh, pointed out Pat McAfee. I think Pat McAfee, Logan Paul, and Bad Bunny. All three of yeah. them. Logan, Logan Paul How was Logan one, Paul and then right now, that's the main. Yeah, thing. Is, he, is he healthy? That, that's that's true. And what about Rob Gronkowski? Oh yeah, there you go. Well, too. Like, Rob is actually. I I don't think we're gonna see Gronk because okay. he's doing the NFL shows. He's yeah. doing the okay. FanDuel promotion for halftime of the Super Bowl. That's a good and point. That guy tears an ACL the week yeah, before gotcha. the game. Not good. No, that's he's a good. So he's also on the he's also on the set on on Fox for the. I do Can like Logan him? Paul and Bad Bunny showing up and, and doing a yeah. spot. If Logan's now, Jake Paul might show up. Yeah, if you get Logan, you get the other one. Um, That's true. They have they have a feud, obviously, and ties in with Roman. I want to get a triple threat match with those three for the best celebrity performance of all time: Bad Bunny, Pat McAfee, and Logan Paul. Give me those three in, in a triple <laughs> Who would have ever thought? Who would have ever thought? Can we get Lawrence Taylor to be yeah, the throw, I was going to say oh. throw LT in there because he had it probably before them. And then Rhonda was was one of them before she became mainstream with some and, of the best. And Liberace as your guest timekeeper <laughs> or bell ringer. And Pete, and Pete Rose Green. as the special announcer. There Pete we go. Rose. So um, <laughs> now we get to uh, some of the Texas guys that Andrew mentioned, uh, Shawn Michaels. Uh, Chad, you kind of joked about Booker T. JBL is another one that could be there in the mix. Those are all Texas guys. Um, again, I don't think any one of them would win, but they'll probably get a good pop. Uh, we already hit on Zach yeah. Ryder. Yeah. Um, Nick Aldis is one. Magnus, it, like, I don't know if he would get the kind of reaction, though. No. Like, showing up no. at the no. Royal Rumble. He would be someone who I think you could bring – Maybe you bring him in NXT. Maybe you bring him on the main roster. But I don't think the Royal Rumble would be like. I don't think he would get the big pop no. right off that bat. Right? NXT for him would be fine. Uh, there, there is another Texas guy just solely because of comedy. There's a non-zero percent chance we see Michael Hayes. <laughs> yeah, I could, I could see Tr that. Trissy um, sissy. Yeah, I can just, see and, that. Uh, by the way, I would mark out for that solely because it would mean absolutely like USA, and that is just the if not the greatest theme song for anybody, it's in the top five. Yeah, there, that's why I, I've warmed up to to Briggs and Jensen on NXT. One of them wears a Backstreet USA t-shirt. Yeah, those Texas I'll, guys. To I'll give pop. you. I'll give you one that I don't want to see, but it's probably not outside the realm of possibility. Tyson Fury. No, yeah. you know, you're right. You're right. He absolutely could be in there. Um, there are Ugh. two, these are two that are actually legitimately rumored now. Um, Jay White from New Japan. Uh, Jay really? White, <laughs> oh, wow. yeah, uh, uh, Jay White, I believe his contract, he just lost the title, uh, to Okada. Um, and I believe his contract is now up, or it was. Does it? Does that get enough of a pop? With I'm not WWE sure. And and, and like, if you think, I would say the, no. The rumors yeah. were that he was definitely wanting to come to the U.S. either WWE or AEW, and that both companies were interested in him. Now, I mean, the guy's already wrestled in AEW. Yeah, I mean, why wouldn't he, he be interested? Yeah, he has major ties there. But we've seen it with AJ Styles. We've seen it with guys from New Japan. Um, him and the other one would be Tama Tonga. They've actually mentioned like Tama Tonga is not as hmm. big of a, like a player as Jay White, but they, we do know that WWE loves the the ties with the Samoans and stuff. Obviously what they have with the, you know, the Usos and Roman and the bloodline and how they've had, you know, that before them with their fathers, with the head shrinkers and even before them with, um, 
What was it, the, the great some wild Samoans? Like- now, I'm going to preface something before we say anything about Tamatanga, okay? Please. His adoptive father is a gentleman by the name of Haku. Oh! Um, so if anyone wants to say anything negative... Don't do it on this show! Do not do it on this show. <laughs> no, Andrew doesn't want that. anything Mr. to be involved with it. No. He doesn't want to be and tagged Mr. on a post. Haku, Mr. Ming, <laughs> sir, please don't hurt us. And the, be- the best I've saved for last, Darren, because of what happened last year, Shane O'Mac, baby. Shane oh, no. O'Mac. We got to get Shane O'Mac. No, after no there's that. no, there's no chance. Do, I think you were, I thought you were going with Kane. Oh, I was going to say, there's no chance Vince shows up, right? Uh, I, there's, there's always, always a chance. chance. He wrestled there's in WrestleMania. He wrestled in WrestleMania. No, those black tights that do rag. And I'm surprised they have never done this finish for a Royal Rumble. What if everyone eliminates themselves before number 30 comes out and number 30 just winds up being the biggest troll job imaginable? Ever. Ever. <laughs> no chance in hell. Wasting a how about, full... how about Tony Khan walks out with Moxley Ooh. gets oh, in the ring God. and goes, I have TK. fought WWE. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, I think we had close to a hundred on the men's list that we just went through right now. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, on the women's list, we had. Are, about... are we bringing anybody back from the dead? <laughs> I know. On the, on the women's Hey, wait. List... Hey, da- on the women's list, did we mention the Bellas? We didn't, and because no. they were frustrated the other night. That's sort of why I. She's did. got a new. She's got her new show that that's that's already happening. Yeah. Farmageddon. Well, yeah, that and notes on in E. Oh, the, the uh, wedding. E, the wedding starts yeah. like an eight part series, so yeah. we can see the Bellas. Yeah. I'm just saying, Charlotte Flair mentioned some people on Monday night, and which, they were they were mentioned. Which was funny that the Bellas again. I I can agree if they felt like that the women were getting a little bit slighted um but like four of the things that they specifically mentioned they were wrong about like they were <laughs> like they were like they didn't show sasha when she won the title on raw yes they did they had her right there in the crowd uh, winning it. they're like they didn't show this yes they did like three or four of the things they brought up they molly were holly wrong. like they actually showed <laughs> those things so they could have done more sure absolutely like the bellas were a big deal for a while um they could be in there. Molly Holly, you mentioned. We've gone through most. Darren, we hit the Rumble card. We've pretty much talked it out for all of the different possibilities here. How do you feel about the uh, the show overall about three or four days out heading in? Yeah, I'm excited for it. I mean, I, I, think, I think the women's side, I, I think they go with the obvious route. Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think Rhea Ripley winning is, is, is a fine uh, choice. On the men's side, I think they've got options. Um, I think they need to be careful with Sami Zayn in terms of what which course they take. Uh, but if he does win the Royal Rumble, it also gives them two months of options in which direction they want to go with the story. Cody is obviously lurking. Roman is always around if you want to try to use that to pivot to something else as well. Um, you know, there's, there's several other guys that legitimately could win. So uh, I, I think I, I think it's a an interesting show. Um, I am going to assume one of the scenarios we covered is what's going to happen. Uh, if not, we should probably never be allowed to do this again. I was going to say, uh, we shouldn't. We really shouldn't. We really shouldn't. If we if we missed the result of that Royal Rumble match, we should probably give up. Yeah. But, Next uh, stop, pickle, pickleball. Pickleball, yeah. yeah. But I, I genuinely think uh, it, it has the potential to be an extremely 
entertaining show. And uh, I'm not sold on the men's side one way or the other. I think there are three or four legitimate possible uh, ways for them to go. And I'm uh, curious to see what they do. Andrew, it just, it feels a little different this year with the possibilities all being ones that I think the fans would be pretty excited about. And with the not knowing if this is really going to be Triple H's Royal Rumble, right? Like if he's really going to be able to make decisions, this might look different than the last 30 years of Royal Rumbles that we're used to. Yeah. And I echo a lot of what Darren had just said. I don't think there's any point going against the obvious with the women's Royal Rumble. The men's Royal Rumble is fascinating because if Cody doesn't win, who wins? If Sammy doesn't win, what happens with the bloodline stuff? Where do they go? Do they have a surprise in store? Are they swerving us with all the rock stuff? And you better have something good for Cody too, right? Like if if he's not going to win, you got to have something that seems legitimate for Cody. So he's not out of sight, out of mind. Right. Now we've been through a lot of rumbles on the show. The best rumbles have all of these different possibilities and different ways you can go. And it's like peeling an onion. The more you peel, the more layers you see. There's a lot of different ways you can go with how you book this rumble. And if it's booked the way we know rumbles can be booked, we're in for a heck of a show. At a minimum, though, it cannot possibly. And I say than last it year. It can't be worse than last year for both the women's and the men's side because the women's rumble, people came out and they all just went into corners and got kicky punchy for a while. And if the cameras caught elimination, it was almost by accident. And the men's rumble was just so horribly booked, even if the winner made sense, it can't get worse. Yeah, as Andrew talks about that 2022 Rumble, uh, here was a look at the the list there. And yeah, it was Shane, it was uh, Ronda that came out at number 28 and was in there for just about 10 minutes. And it was just super disappointing towards the end. And then for the men, um, at the end, it was Brock Lesnar who comes out 30. So you have the two winners of the Rumble were in the Rumble for like a combined 12 minutes. Weren't really a story throughout the Rumble at all. And both of them were big enough stars that you could have put them in their title matches without having to use the Royal rumble. It was a total waste. Um, well, I mean, and on top of which last year they had prime spots for guys that can contenders that typically can win, right? 27 and 28. Bad that, bunny that, and Shane O'Mac. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, know. You, I mean, are you kidding? I know. Are you, I mean, you wasted spots 27 and 28 on two guys that are not winning the Royal rumble. No, Veer Veer Mahan has no shot. Yeah, Veer, Veer. I don't think Veer or Senga. uh, Jinder's back (laughs) down on NXT right now, which is actually pretty good for Jinder. I think he feels good, like, getting a little uh, tune up there. Remember, Jinder was in the first ever NXT title match, I think, with... uh, with Seth Rollins uh, way back yeah, in the day. Jinder's a former um, world champion. Let's watch yeah, him speak to him about him. Don't hinder Jinder whatsoever. But uh, we <laughs> give us some of your final thoughts as Man. you uh, head into the Rumble in Texas. The the one thing I just, uh, they just seem to play safe. And if this is truly Triple H's first Rumble where he could just uh, go through it and book um, well, the women's side, I, I think it's Rhea. Everyone else is disappointed unless there's some big, massive shock surprise. Maybe Naomi wins it in shocks. Um, but I do think I feel Rhea Ripley is the one that uh, not only needs to win it, but probably deserves to. On the men's side, 
Cody is so obvious. That's why I think he probably wins, but I'm going to stick with my guns here. I think Sammy wins. We've got about what, two, two and a half months to April 1st and 2nd. Um, whoever wins Cody, Sammy or whatever, it's going to be an interesting two months to get to WrestleMania. If Cody, Sammy and Seth are three of the final four or five, Darren, that that'll be awesome. Because oh, then, yeah, it's gonna, then it's like, yeah, what do you, which way are they going to go? Yeah. If it's like yeah. those guys, each elimination one or will two be great. Bloodline guys, right? Like that would be pretty Ooh, cool yeah. if it was those three and then you have Sammy you bring, and Solo you bring or Sammy like, and Anuso. Do you bring like Roman out, like to just sit there and watch it? I would love as, that. As yes. Sammy is like throwing guys out or whatever, and you just yes. see Roman getting more and more pissed off. Oh, I know. So, I'm getting more excited about it as we're talking because there are so many different layers to this. And Isn't one it thing, fun, man? It's great. One thing I will tell all of you is find yourself friends where you could talk about a Royal Rumble event for three hours. That no, hasn't no, no, happened. no, 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 no. Change, change it, change it, change it. Find yourself friends that you can talk to about a subject that everybody else would abuse you for talking about. And yeah, we that's are true. as excited and like into it as possible. And that, that's what the 12 year old kid about, comes out to play. Right. It always does. And we have the old wrestling rewatch. We've had coming up on a hundred of those with Andrew and with Darren through the years, we started it be, be, during the pandemic when I needed content. There was no other sports. I literally needed something <laughs> to fill and to put on this show. Chad Cooper has been with me from the very beginning of starting this podcast. We have done a wrestling recap every week. We've, we've watched every episode of AEW Dynamite and recapped it since they've started that company, along with Monday Night Raw and SmackDown and NXT. So you get your wrestling fix here each and every week. And uh, I, I got to tell you guys, every time... Even if it's like I'm tired or I'm not feeling that great before our interview or our interviews and our talk start, afterwards it's a total opposite. Like I'm in a better mood. It's like, oh, I start rem like reminiscing and we start thinking about things that have happened. And I think that's the way things are supposed to be when you can do work and it doesn't always have to feel like work. I've been very lucky that I have some great friends that help me out. You three are as big a part of this show and you have helped put a lot of money in my pocket through the last couple of years. You've helped make this content really good. I get great feedback all the time from people uh, about all the stuff that we do. And honestly, like I love all the three of you guys, you are like some of my best buddies. And I'm actually sad that I don't get the chance to see you very much. We talk all the time and I rarely see any of you guys in person. Darren, I think well, it, one time ever that we've actually even seen each other in person. Isn't, and, that, uh, isn't that wild? I know. Hun think about the hundreds of hours, even back before this podcast. Like, yeah. you and I would talk every Thursday, Friday, Saturday on TVG, like five minutes every Meadowlands race. That was, like, through. that was like 12 years ago when we started that. And God, we're old. We're all and with, really with Andrew, I, uh, Andrew and I met, really met when uh, HRTV and TVG merged, and we worked together for a few months. And then Andrew came over to my house on 4th of July a couple times. We've had some fun. Andrew's come with me, and we've gone to, like, uh, USC basketball games together. Andrew you know, went to a move. I'm just saying that. Yeah. Out there. Andrew, went to a, Andrew went to a game with my dad and my sister, which is hilarious <laughs> to think about. He went to a USC basketball game with the two of them, and they all had a blast, and they really love him. And then Coop, man, me and Chad Cooper met at Delta Downs years ago the armpit of the south vinton louisiana <laughs> were, you, were you doing were you doing like the tvg hit for the jackpot night 
Um, yeah, yeah, he well, was. Yeah. 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 So I actually I went to Delta three years in a row, and what was cool is they they basically would let me do the simulcast when I was down there, so like they could kind of pull in my stuff throughout the day, and that's what Chad would do until they got a little jealous because Chad was very well liked on that simulcast. <laughs> they didn't really, they love I got booted by someone then, named uh, Don and started, Stevens, and then I started bringing Chad on TVG all the time to help me out with those races, and not everybody loved ugly. that. But I got Chad, ugly. It was great, man. You've helped me with wrestling and with racing, and uh, you were just eyes and ears for me all the time. And uh, yeah, got a little mushy at the end, but man, we've talked for like hundreds of hours over the last. Couple and you days. know what? You Let's know what, guys? Oh, guys, he he mentioned uh, like putting a bunch of money in his pocket on Monday night. I did see Erwin R. Scheister return. You oh, might yeah. not <laughs> in the door this week, buddy. I, He'll I, take I some of that for a cameo in all of the Wyatt stuff, you know? Oh, oh yeah. That would have been good. Like, yeah. That your family's great. a bunch of tax cheats and stuff. But, <laughs> but they gotta be careful. Cause they don't want to probably go too goofy with the Bray stuff. Right. But so, but that would be hilarious. Bray, it's going to be goofy. Lean into hey, it. I, I do want to ask opinion before we go. What do you think the under, what, what do we think the undertaker uh, Bray Wyatt gimmick deal was whispering in his ear on Monday night? Are we looking too far into that? Did he pass the torch? Did he say, I want you at WrestleMania? What do you think? Went no, on no, I think, I think, I think that was just a, a moment to help the Bray Wyatt character. Okay. Uh, and probably, and probably also undertaker, Literally, it wouldn't surprise me at all if on his own, um, giving him a moment from him personally to Wyatt on a huge show. Uh, gotcha. They can to use to, that to try clip. to help him. They're yeah. going to use that clip, and I bet you, for years to come. Yeah. Like, and it's a good clip. That. It is. And, Andrew, it's a kind of a fun way where they can say, look, like the big evil passed, sort of passed the torch to the next guy, right, yeah. in a weird way. Yeah, and it was and a weird, interesting choice for American Badass instead of The Undertaker yeah. to do it. The one thing to not forget with Taker and Wyatt is they had a WrestleMania match at Levi's Stadium yep. where Bray Wyatt worked with a broken foot. And Triple H recently went on record saying that the WWE locker room was soft. Um, I don't think he forgot what Wyatt did for him on that particular night. And by the way, Next to the match that Wyatt had with Daniel Bryan at a Royal Rumble, that might have been Bray Wyatt's best singles match ever. Yeah, he he stepped up, and uh, these fellas, Andrew Champagne, Chad Cooper, and Darren Zocali, they woo, woo, woo. stepped up for you tonight. We got you all set up. If you're someone who watches every week all the time, or if you're someone who just checks in for the big events hopefully we got you all prepared and uh, ready to rock and roll make sure to give these guys a follow on social media they are fantastic follows darren zocali give him a follow at the track seven darren does really good work with the uh, twin spires and you see him getting involved in a lot more on camera stuff posting some previews on you know prep races for the kentucky derby and for the oaks and i love a lot of the crew that you work with over there dz um nick tamaro i've seen you doing stuff with scott shapiro a lot of the time just really good folks over there oh yeah yeah they're all great we have a great time together it's a lot of fun uh i'm also the guy who's in charge of all the promotions you guys get uh, so uh, trying to come up with some new innovative ideas. Thank you. You helped me out a couple times at Louisiana Downs earlier this year. So yep. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. we're actually, <laughs> yep, we absolutely did. And, uh, you know, we certainly want to uh, get as innovative as we can. We come up with some good ideas. The Daily Double Down at uh, Keeneland and, and Turfway really uh, had a lot of positive feedback on that. And we're going to certainly continue to get innovative and also uh, have some of those mainstay promos as well. So 
very much, uh, you know, want to give back to the customer as much as possible. And also kind of a side gig for me. I have a new podcast called uh, Full Court Press with my buddy uh, James Lacasto. It's a local sports podcast here in Staten Island. We talk about some local sports. We talk about some of the stuff on the national scene. Uh, there's an Instagram page. You could also follow it on YouTube or any place that you listen to your podcast, Apple, Google, or Spotify. So check that out as well. We have a lot of fun with it. Andrew, buddy, tell everyone where uh, they can follow along with some of your work. I'm sure right now in the next few months, probably lots of stuff on these Kentucky Derby weekends, uh, prep weekends, right? As We'll have a lot of big prep races for the next few months heading into that first Saturday in May. Yeah, Twitter account is at Andrew Champagne. I don't know if any of you know this, but I just won a Beamy Award for something I posted a couple of years ago. There you go. You, <laughs> there you go. I, you've been campaigning. You wanted one of those as much as anyone, I can say. so. It wasn't necessarily that I wanted one of those. It's that it took a little while for the person who ran the Beamy Awards to understand that my Your charm. Your charm. Thick. Yeah. Um, and it, it, you know what, it, you know what actually finally, you know, helped him come around that was I finally had to tell him, look, this is Al Bundy talking about his four touchdowns in a single game. And at that point, he went, oh, yeah. So Andrew <laughs> yeah, graduated from a, yeah, a right? on. Um, podcast for me is Drankin Champagne on the On the Wrong Lead Network. Josh Rodriguez and I do that. Those come out every Wednesday night, Thursday morning. We're going to be doing a lot of stuff with Derby Preps. This week, we're going to be doing a lot of stuff with the Pegasus World Cup. If you want to hear somebody bitch about how grade one racing is not what it used to be, listen to this week's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, doing a lot of stuff there, doing a lot of stuff with Katina Media, uh, a company that I'm privileged to work for. I am actually celebrating my one year anniversary there on Thursday. So that's going to be a lot of fun trying to gear up for this Hawaii vacation that I mentioned to you guys and gearing up for Vegas for March Madness. I've seen St. Mary too much. You can beat them if you work the ball inside. If you have a team that settles for threes, chances are you're not doing well. Oh, Andrew could have stopped his little preview off at if you want to hear someone bitch right there, right there. <laughs> <laughs> we could have cut it up right yeah, after just that. for that, just for that. And since we have the men's Royal Rumble from last year up, let's go through and see who I had last year. I know I had Mad Cat Moss and I think I had somebody else in the team. It might have been Dominic. At I think it was Dominic. And um, I was like, yeah. When the most live <laughs> that you have in an entire Royal Rumble pool is Mad Cat Moss, who was in the ring for four minutes and 24 seconds. Gino, I'm going to want some eyewitnesses on the draw, and I'm going to, you know, need to make sure that I at least give myself somewhat of a chance this year, because I got to tell you, if last year repeats itself, I may very well have to quit gambling. Well, <laughs> I, actually, I actually had a good run. Like I had, um, I didn't win. Well, good for you. But you I didn't, multiple... I didn't win. But I had, I had guys that I think I had McIntyre, Big E, and and maybe even Orton. Like well, freaking dog. Yeah. <laughs> you got a good run for your money, Koopa Loop. We love the gobbly gooker. Yeah. <laughs> Coop, we uh we follow along with all of your work on Instagram too. Hope you get hornswoggle this year. <laughs> I'm sure I will. <laughs> and on Twitter, that's the other you... guy. We didn't discuss hornswoggle. We have to go back and discuss hornswoggle. Little swoggle and the the possibilities of uh of swoggle. Coop, you uh 
man, you, you have some fun out there too. I see you yeah. concerts all the time. You're out yeah. at the casinos taking pictures. Tell everyone about what you got going on right now. Man, I've turned into a national concert tour photographer over the last seven <laughs> or eight years, and it's been uh, quite the journey. Always the house photographer at the Golden Nugget Casino in Lake Charles. Uh, while I'm not out giving out uh, pics of the horses, uh, I had a decent run in college football, but couldn't decent seem to is find. No, you had a hey, great run this year. I couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't find my nose in these NFL playoffs at all. So uh, I'm going to tap out of the NFL playoffs and just uh, I'm going all in like Mattress Max uh, with my University of Houston Cougars. That's where I'm going to go. But you want some some cool uh, concert shots from national bands, you name it, uh, from Houston to Lake Charles. I usually am there providing some firsthand information account from it with pictures and videos. So that's what I do. Plus, I love wrestling. Last year, Coop was uh, hanging out with like with Coolio, like the night before he passed (laughs) away. That was weird. Really, kind of weird. Really, really pictures all over, and then the next day he passes away. He passes away. Yeah, he was a great guy too. Great guy. Super sad. But if you are a fan of of shows and of great nightlife, make sure to follow along with Chad Cooper. You'll get to live vicariously through him, (laughs) fellas. This was a blast. Thank you it so was. much. Make sure to give Darren a follow at the track seven. Make sure to give Chad Cooper a follow at the Chad Cooper and make sure to give Andrew champagne a follow at Andrew champagne all on Twitter. And you'll hear these guys many times right here on that's what G said podcast. And that's going to do it for this episode of that's what G said. Thanks so much to Eric for helping us out with the NFL to Barry for helping us out with Saturday Gulfstream to Andrew, Darren, and Koopaloop for talking Royal Rumble with us. And there will be a lot more content coming up this weekend on social media. If you follow me, it's me, Gino B. We'll talk more about Friday, Saturday racing and anything you need for this weekend on the big races. Come follow along on social media. We'll have another episode for you coming up next week, folks. Thanks so much and have a great weekend.